apparently they had the meeting today on the tax thing and they got the biggest room at the state house for it and they got like metal detectors and they did this whole thing and 25 people showed up because <laughs> she didn't know the meeting was today and she's like it's unconstitutional and they're like well it doesn't say in the constitution we have to call you because there were no phones when we wrote the constitution it just says we have to post it on the website which we did you didn't check it they did wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute right. why would it say anything about a website because okay. obviously if there were no phones yes written, she said there would she, be no website right, she said it was unconstitutional and they deliberately left her out my response is other people who agree with you showed up how did they find out i doubt it says somewhere in the state constitution of massachusetts the oldest constitution in the country you must email someone so i <laughs> Probably says you have to post it in the town square and ring a bell five times. <laughs> exactly, and they probably I did. must post thine schedule in thy town square, exactly. and if I shall not post it, I shall sit to the pillory for three moons. Okay, <laughs> you guys, I have to tell you something that's really funny. So I listened to episode one hundred and three. Now, first of all, Ryan. I'm highly ticked off at you for now insinuating through that episode that I do LSD on a regular basis. I don't remember it was saying just that the one I'm time. Sure I did. It was when Keza talked about my dream. Oh, uh-huh. about the baby shower. Do you remember the dream? I, I listened to this episode today too. I'm quite familiar with this. So it was just the one time you did LSD? Days. I've never done. Okay. I was not on LSD <laughs> when that dream took place. Okay? Do you remember the dream? I don't yes. need to disagree with you here, but Jesus Christ, really. Dreams anyway. could be weird all on their own, too. Yes, that. the restaurant and having to find Death Roll, and had to, she had to find him by the shirt, mm-hmm. uh-huh. the Edward James Olmos yep. shirt. Edward James okay. Olmos. Now, I don't know if you guys are, like, worship at the altar of Seth MacFarlane the way I do, but there is an episode of Family Guy <laughs> and where Death, like, is a character, yeah. like, yeah. Death, and he has a picture of Edward James Olmos in his wallet. <laughs> awesome! I didn't know that. I did not know that. A picture of Edward James almost his ass. ass so. Yeah. <laughs> if you want classic Edward James almost, there is a clip. You know, Beer McCreary. He does the yeah. um, He does the music so. on Battlestar Galactica. His, name, his first name is Bear. B E A R. And they and James Callis, who plays Baltar, did this thing where he took a camera around the set to all of the cast members, and they all pretended they had no idea who he was and he's like look you know bear mccreary our music guy you know he, he's got, he's up for this major award can can you you know just say a few words for him and like they'd all pretend not to know him so katie sackoff is like bear congratulations and then she looks up at him was that too much Did, could you tell i don't know who he is so they would do this whole thing so then they got to ever james almost and um the guy who plays colonel ty they got to him and Michael Hogan and like he he's like there is no music on Battlestar Galactica and Edward James almost would get like really angry at James Callis for insinuating they had music on the show and finally he's like what's the guy's name again bear and he starts doing a bear impression it is the funniest <laughs> thing I have ever seen Edward James almost doing a bear impression could kill the entire world. Like, it is the funniest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. I'm sorry. I didn't hear the last third of that story because I was thinking that if, if, if you didn't remember immediately what uh, Colonel Ty's act, the actor's name Michael was, Hogan. that you were going to be killed by P.S. when she heard this. Is P.S. actually here? All right. You can tell Pofua is, is going out on a high when her Skype message is P.S. almost accidentally joined the Navy. All right. I hate this that I called Keza and now Australia is my default. <laughs> it's punishment for for daring to call Australia. Yeah. America's like whatever. Is anyone in here a Mac guy? Is that girl? All right, Rena. P.S. Can you hear me? 
I can hear you, Ryan. All right, ring up. You know what's really funny, though, really quick? You what's know, that? You were just talking about knowing P.S.'s phone number, and somebody said, I know it, but I'm sworn to secrecy. It has it on her little picture on the conference call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone uh, on this call now knows. Well, it was like during the Barb interview. I'm like, Barb, if there's a stalker on this line, you're all done. Yeah, it's been like, didn't want to like, I'm like, well, I need your telephone number. And you would think I asked for like her firstborn and her social security number. It was awful. So. That's, that's a pretty personal thing. Oh, I'm not going to answer it anyway if your name's not in my phone. So Danielle does that too. Danielle screens all of her calls. I locked my keys in my car once and I called her from the security guard's phone. She wouldn't answer it. <laughs> I would do that. I don't know. Well, I think she's standing right here, so she's going to kill me when this is over. I ca- I was talking to her on her cell phone, and she was sitting at her computer at her house right next to the landline. I'm like, let me call the landline. So I hung up and called her house. She screened the call. I'm like, it was four <laughs> seconds later. <laughs> I do, I do, I do answer the, uh, the landline. I don't answer the cell phone because it costs money. It could be my grandmother, or it could be a telemarketer, and you can't tell. So you, re- okay. Trying to find you and give you a million dollars. Oh, wait, no, he's dead. Never mind. Yes, he is. Dead. He had a broken neck. Something from beyond the grave. <laughs> Ed McMahon is still dead. In case there was any confusion, Ed McMahon totally, totally dead. Death Roll, are you here? He's eating. He's eating. Yes, he's here and he's on mute because he doesn't yeah, okay. want you all to hear his well, I got I went to get dinner earlier. I went to my favorite Mexican place here in, in our little town. And I got, I, you know, I ordered my food and everything was great. And there's this really picky, obnoxious woman standing next to me and she was waiting to pay. And there was a problem with my, my order. I don't know what it was, but it was taking longer than usual. So I'm standing there and I'm like, well, let me just go ahead and pay. And that way you can move on to the next customer. So I get the little ticket and they hand it to me and, you know, like the little credit card slip and I sign it and I put the tip on it and I hand it back to the guy behind the counter. And this woman taps me on the shoulder and she was like, it is people like you that tip these Mexicans that are ruining our economy. You tip if you order at the counter? If it's a no, to-go order. They didn't do anything. You always tip 10% on a to-go order. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. No. What? I worked to go and I, that's never how I found out about it was because I worked at to go window. Like, not like a, I've never done that in my I've, life. Danielle, have you ever tipped someone like if you've gone to to go order at a restaurant? Danielle, the cheapest woman alive who believes in strong tipping is shaking her head in the negative. Rena, you may be the only person in the world who tips. To I'm go not. Order. No, seriously. Wait, I Rena, are you talking to about to go at a real restaurant or are you talking yes. at like McDonald's? Yes. No, I'm talking like at a sit-down restaurant. I got a to-go order from a sit-down restaurant. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Between a that that might be different. So it's like if you go into the 99 and you order a meal to-go. Yeah, to-go. I think that might be different than like McDonald's. It's always No, to-go. I'm not talking like there drive-thru is- type stuff. I'm talking like, because I work to-go at an Olive Garden. Now, Danielle what has raised an then? interesting point. Danielle has raised a point. What if you go to a Chinese restaurant where there is the option to sit down and you get a to-go order in place of the delivery, do you tip at the Chinese restaurant? I do. Really? No, it's like when you pick up your pizza. I mean, if you if you call Pizza Hut and you go to pick it up yourself, who did anything? You know, you should tip yourself because you are the delivery boy because you went and got it yourself. No, on the other hand, I don't think that you are inciting an entire generation to expect tips. I worked at the to-go station at Olive Garden for a little while, and I would make like a hundred bucks in tips a night. Now, did you find that there were people who didn't tip you, or was it just a universal standard that everybody tips? Most everybody tipped. Really? Usually, if what it was did somebody, you do? 
Like, like, what? did you do anything more than just grab the food and give it to them? People who cooked in the back would put it in the little containers and leave it up on the w- window, but I had to pull the orders. Like, we did a lot of business in to-go. Yeah, that, that's so, like being a waitress to me. That's like the same as being a waitress, except you're not sitting down in the restaurant. So, yeah, I can see tipping that. Yeah. Would you tip the, the uh, person who brings you your order on roller skates? Like, I yeah. would, just if they didn't fall down, just as like a little reward. Oh, people, like, around here, like, where I live, if you you don't tip the car hop at Sonic, people will find out about it, and they you, 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 tip, the per- you. you tip the Sonic person. Is that like what a hundred years ago would have been like if you got pregnant and you weren't married or something? Now the new thing is if you're, you go to Sonic and you don't tip, like the word will spread throughout village. Now, of course, everything that anybody does around here is like front page news. So Everybody's you know, small town. but no, but yeah, my then, point was I would the comment that she is- made about how. My tipping this person because he was a Mexican is ruining the economy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Rena, nothing you do at the local restaurant is ruining the U.S. economy. My first point was I'm spending money, yes, which means I'm stimulating the economy. Yes. Because if I were trying to ruin the economy, that I would not be spending my money to begin with. And another but thing, what you're doing is you're, you're you're spending money at a restaurant, so you're giving money to both to the restaurant. And to, to the to the Mexican worker at the restaurant, and you're not spending your money on LSD, so right. you're you're bringing money into the real economy as opposed to the underground economy. Right, exactly. Would she have had the same problem with me tipping a white girl behind the counter? Oh, probably not. I'm pretty sure she's a jackass. A Mexican. I'm fairly sure she's a jackass. The real question is, what would she have said if the waiter was black? Oh, please. There are no black people in this town. Now, the, now the, question, the question I have is, what would Jen do? Jen? Wicked pissa. Wicked pissa. Wicked pissa. Jen, question. Yay. Jen, you go, to a, you go to Olive Garden, all right? I love the Olive Garden. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You need to stay home with Lee. Who's also here with us joining us this evening? God he is. Wait, is Jen really here, or is it like last week where it was fake? No, Jen? this is actually Jen. This is not fake Wait, Jen. There was a fake me. What? I, pl- I played the, the thing with you in the in the guy in the tree in the wire. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Now here's the, so you go to the Olive Garden and you want to get a, t- a to go order. All right. Okay, so which you, I always do. So okay, good, good, good. This is see, you've already done all the work, so I just get to ask the question: Do you tip? Um, yes. Because I was a waitress and I was horrible. <sighs> so I tip to, like, make others not feel bad. Danielle, we suck. Wait, what's wrong? <laughs> what's That's the what matter? Everyone is tipping but us. About tipping Wait, a you show. don't tip? Do you realize that waitresses only make, like, two thirteen an no, hour? No, no, no. Not no. waitresses. Not waitresses. Hold on. It is Servers. just It is just at the the takeaway. Yeah, the takeaway oh. person. Oh, of course you can. Who just hands you your food. Yes, I, I tip the people at Sonic. Sonic, we agreed, yes, but like the Olive Garden takeaway or the 99 or... No, why would I tip the bartender? That's stupid. Thank right, you. Well, right. you tip the bartender because they're serving you alcohol. Danielle, but... no, we're back. We've got the LSD woman against us. But at, the garden, at the Olive Garden, pickup is at the bar. Well, it wasn't at the Olive Garden I worked at. She was at the oh, I actually a, a worked stadium, at a to-go stand. Not, not a like, stadium, a podium. A, go a stadium? Stand. Podium. A to-go window. Podium? Yeah. Podium. When you go in, like, if you go in the back door, there's a podium, and there's a lady there, and she hands you your food, and should we yeah, tip her? Yeah, that's tip that person, because that's lame. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Brenda, Jen thinks you're lame. We have two episodes left, <laughs> and all the truth is finally coming out. Wait, Brenda, I don't think you're lame. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I know why I don't think you're lame. 
I, that was, I'm going to shut up now. Can I just tell you, I was talking to, I was telling Danielle, I was talking to a friend of mine last night on Facebook chat, and we used to go to middle school together, and, and we were in, like, the same group of friends, but she was on, like, that end of the group, and I was on the, okay, just a random comment, Scott, I think your mic is up your nose. Aaron, <laughs> yours is so freaking sensitive. I can hear you, your heart beating, and you typing. I but it's your heart beating. And um, P.S. You just sound pissed. What? It you sound like pissed. I what? You sound pissed. You know, I've turned my my mic sensitivity down to like fifty percent. <laughs> I, I, I tell I, you, Aaron has the. No, sir, I, <laughs> you have the wait, what did you say? I sounded like pissed. Wicked piss I'm not pissed. You sound pissed. Wicked piss I am trying to get PS to buy a Mac. And no. here's the thing. I am trying to convince PS to buy a Mac. And the thing I've learned about PS, you know how Apple is like, think different? Uh-huh. Yeah. PS does not wish to think different now. No, no, I do. You completely misinterpreting me. It's because I don't, I don't know what it does. Like you have to, you have to understand. I, I understand, but like, oh, hey Ryan, guess yes. what? On, I barely can use I, the computer. But I tell you it what is. it does, and your response is, I don't need that crap. I just need something that will check my email. Like you're officially like a 92 year old woman who's like, I don't need those hey, fancy now. power windows. I, I can roll it down. Yes. Because yes. I well, have a Dell, and like a Mac is like foreign to me. I don't, I can't figure out where anything is. That is true. Although, I left you my Mac when I went on my honeymoon, and you were like emailing Vatican. Um, what? guess what I just got, Ryan? <laughs> What'd you get? I got an iPad. Did you really? Oh I did. shit! Aaron would like to know <laughs> oh. if you're doing anything for dinner tomorrow. Which, which one is that now? Is it? He doesn't care that is you're it? married. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're in like the same zone of the country. That okay? We are. that I don't <laughs> want this. I live in Florida. <laughs> it's not like we're next door neighbors or anything. It's not like we're, we're P.S. and Ryan. He's making it out like like I live in like, I, don't know. <laughs> I visited alligators in Florida once. Did, did yeah, we have those. That's for sure. And you live to tell about it. I live to tell about it. It was like Ooh. a gator. It was like a gator park. Oh, wait, did you go to the place where the man wrestled the, ga- the alligator? The I don't man. remember. The I was man. like eight. I just remember we went to Disney World and then we went to the alligator park. Rena, did you name your iPad? Not yet. I'm waiting. Okay. Why? What is an iPad? I mean, it's a laptop that doesn't get on the internet. Like, like I don't understand. Kindle. Okay, that's absolutely not what an I iPad is. I am confused. It's a no, phone. Wait, Brian, stop. On. Is that what I want or is no, that not what no, I want? No, you don't want an iPad. No. You want an See, iPhone? Okay, now. Yes. Now I have. I will admit that I am a Mac whore, like for real. I have an iPhone. I've always cared. For I am that. recording this on my iMac. Um, <laughs> my internet is over the Airport Express. Oh, I have one of those. Um, if it has an Apple on the back of it, chances are, if I don't have it, I want it. Right. And so. I used to have an, I had an old, um, before I got my desktop, I had an old Mac laptop. It was a G3, like really old. No, Danielle still has my iBook from 2000. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's even older than my G3. Yeah. um, I mean, like when Bush first got elected. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, seriously old. (laughs) I still have a computer (laughs) back too. I'm just checking. So I didn't have a like a laptop, and I didn't really need one because my school stuff—it's all hands-on, and so I couldn't. You know, I can't exactly bring a laptop into a patient room with me most of the time, or you know, stuff like that. So I didn't really need one. But then when the iMac came out, I was like, okay, first of all, it's shiny and it says Apple, and second of all, it's the coolest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) So I had to get one. So I bought one, and it 
is kind of the greatest thing ever. Oh. <laughs> it's a Don't giant. It's a giant iPhone. Is that Don't say fair? these things to me. Can you talk on the phone on your iPad? No. Then it's well, not a phone. I'm confused. Well, no, it's not supposed to be a phone. It's right, a computer. I, mean, I, just want, I just want something that can fit in my. I don't think it'll. It's fit a in laptop. My all right, P.S., I'm trying to explain no. the Apple experience to you. Okay, P.S., if they came out with a giant... I'm trying to think. Okay. It's if, like a touchscreen laptop that doesn't open. It's a giant iPhone It's basically, that doesn't make phone calls. I want an iPhone. Like, I could get the Skype application for it, and I could make phone calls on right. it if I want. But but it's big. You can't put it in your pocket, in, in like an 8x10 right, or not in your pocket. P.S., no. P.S., if I made a laptop that had Saul Ty's head, like, embroidered <laughs> on the back of it, would you want to buy it? I know it? what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> Does it work? I, it I mean, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If I made one, that, if I made any effing thing that had salt high, like blazoned on the side of it, would you want it? Like a question, blender? Ryan, would be you. Yes, a blender. If there was a salt high yeah, blender. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Would, does it matter if it like cuts the bananas okay, or do you just care that salt high is on the side? Well, I would assume that you can't really screw up a blender. A blender is going to blend. Th- okay, I here's beg the thing. To differ. I don't think. Oh, Jen's almost died in the blender. Was. I don't <laughs> think you're an Apple person because when when I was explaining to you what it means to be an Apple fan, I think you actually called me a whippersnapper. They don't make no, Apple blenders. But yeah, that, was, no, that, this I'm is not the point. Confused. We were using that as an example. That's the thing. Because Rinna knows what I'm talking about, and you two don't, proves why you are not <laughs> Apple people. No, 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 no. Hey, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. The Apple Square. Store. The Apple Store. <laughs> the Apple no Square. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. See, the, on the Mac, everything is backwards. Like, the X button is on the left, and that confuses me. Okay, if you bought a car and the windshield wiper control was on the left instead of the right, would you return? in the car? Or yeah, but if the steering wheel was on the right-hand side <laughs> yes, instead of the left-hand yes, side, like, exactly. yes, you I would have moved to Britain. That Just makes absolutely sense. no sense whatsoever. It's not that different. It's, it's really not. P.S. Not you actually my, my problem on is, it. is if it won't work, like, will stuff work on it? Yes! It will work! <laughs> Who are these people that are lying to you? Like, Ryan, you don't you have work? to buy, like, Apple versions of stuff? Like, that's what I was concerned about. Like, I've got Photoshop and everything on my window. Do you have to rebuy it forever? Not anymore. Time because of the when they switched over to using the what is it? The, is was the Intel or the Intel? Intel, Intel yeah. For Photoshop, when they switch, switched might. over to using the Intel chips, you can use. There's a program that's called like there's two programs. There's one that's called Boot Camp, right. and there's another one that's called something else, and it Wait, lets you, you can have put Windows on it. You can put Windows. Yeah, on that's it. what I'm saying. But it costs extra. Like, like, will you? If I got one, would you like you know? When help you, the Mac versions of stuff don't cost any extra. Some of them do. Like if you if you buy the yeah. Mac version of Word. Like the thing is, if you have a version of. <laughs> Aaron, you're typing very loudly. I don't know why you're. I have so turned it down <laughs> my sensitivity again. No, he bought. I feel so bad. He went out and bought the world's best microphone. Obama, the world's best. Obama microphone. can't find a microphone like this. He gets the world's best microphone. And it's so sensitive. Like if he has a bowel movement, we can hear it. It's awful. <laughs> we don't have a bowel movement on the podcast. I'll try not. I think that's on. 
want Ryan's list of do nots while podcasting. <laughs> well, no, she would bring us with her. That was different. I mean, hey, I have podcasts. I'll bring you with me into the kitchen. It's different, P.S. It's still different. Okay. <laughs> the difference between kitchen and shitter. <laughs> there, there really is. <laughs> well, there's that noise in the background. Oh, God. Yes, P.S. <laughs> yes, if I would not travel to Maryland to do it, but I would help you with your. Yeah, assuming I can get Skype on it. Yes. Yes. You can get Skype on it! I'm here right now! So am I. Who are these people <laughs> telling Skyping. you nothing will work? Not... These are like the death panel people. What Who are these people? Why are you not Skyping from your iPad? <laughs> because I haven't downloaded that app yet. I've no. mostly been doing... It's actually one of the things I was going to ask you. Is There's an app for that. Okay, Rina, Rina, on your thing, where is the internet come from? What? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Space. Wild <laughs> frontier. <laughs> It's the same it's way as a telephone. Like if it's yes. not a telephone, how do you get the internet? Like it's I, I heard that the, the iPhone you get it through the telephone. What you can oh, iPhone you can get either wireless you, or yeah. If yeah, you like, if at my house we have our Wi-Fi network set up, right? Uh-huh. So when I'm at my house on my phone, my iPhone, whenever I get on the internet on my phone, is drawing off of my Wi-Fi signal. When I leave the house okay. and there's no more Wi-Fi signal, then it draws from the AT and T network, and that's how I get the. Okay. 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 I want one of those. That's what I want. Okay. So, but you knew you wanted that already, right? Wait, I forget which one is this. Okay. That's the iPhone. That's the iPhone. You said you were getting before. You were already getting that, so I'm glad we convinced you to buy the thing you're already going to buy anyway. Yes. So now my iPad, it doesn't have the phone signal, but it draw. It's just like any other laptop computer. Right. If there's a Wi-Fi network, it automatically doesn't have a keyboard that you can't type on it. Can you write on it? It has a touch screen keyboard. But you don't want an iPad, P.S. Okay. <laughs> You've never it's wanted an iPad. And I mean, it does, it's, there's a certain level of getting used to it, but it's kind of like... Could, I, could you get an iPad instead of a computer? No. Because the hard drive so. wouldn't be big? Yeah, the hard drive isn't real big. It's no. kind of like, you know those little netbook computers that they market now? The little tiny ones? Yeah. Those are so cute. I want one. I the iPad is kind of like, it's kind of like one of those netbooks. All it really does is, you know, get on the internet. You're not going to be able to put like games or anything on it. But like what I use it for is downloading books. Actually, that's. So you use it like a Kimball. Kindle. 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 <laughs> Kindle. Sorry. I it's want like one. I know it's a K. And part of it is because, you know, I can't get, um, there are no, there's no Sprint signal in my town. So I can't get a Kindle because I can't get signal for it here. So that was a big reason why I wanted to get the iPad was so that I would have a chance to okay, get books Now, if I'm it. a person, I, I read books. I read books. Okay. I read. I read book books. Um, okay. So is, that like a bo- is that like a boat boat? Yeah, a real book with paper and pages and words and not one of them things. And no pictures. And see, now what the reason that I really like having my um, Kindle, I have like, I have the iBooks application and I have the Kindle application. So I have books from both sources. But the reason that I like it is part, part of it is because I can download things to read that maybe I wouldn't read under normal circumstances. For example, Amazon always has like free cheesy romance novels that you can download. I uh-huh. love those. And so <laughs> I'll read them and it's like hidden among the Amish, you know, or can something. Can you read? Like, yeah. <laughs> Can you read fan fiction on the iPad? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. You, you actually do way better than you read me. fan fiction on the iPhone. Yeah. Squint. I read I Well, hold on, PS. What's your eyesight? What? How how bad's your eyesight? You're reading on a very um, small 
it's a small my eyesight screen. is well, and, I, I with with glasses. Um, I like thought it. I was, read. I heard of, it was. I read all of Rebuilding Life on my phone. All right, here's oh the problem, though. P.S. You want to buy a? You want to? F- okay, here's the thing. iPhone mm-hmm. is 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 like the size of your phone, but it does the functions yeah. that we've described. It does the functions that we've yeah, described. I, yeah, I, I played with the phone in the all right, store the other day. Now picture a laptop. Now picture a laptop. That's the uh, that's the uh, what the hell is this thing I have here? MacBook. Okay. That's the MacBook. It's a laptop. Okay. The iPad. A laptop that is the phone. No, 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 but no, it no, won't, no. It won't. It won't fit in my purse. No, iPhone is the phone. MacBook okay. is the laptop, okay? Yeah. iPad is in the middle. It it's doesn't do every it doesn't do everything a laptop does, but it's like a souped up version of, of the iPhone. Okay, so, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want that instead of a laptop. Correct. No. You would want no. a laptop. So you would Actually, want Alright, so I'm yeah. gonna get a lap I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get a laptop. I'm getting an iPhone. Yes. If your lap and if you had one- to replace your laptop, I would recommend not the iPad. Okay. The iPad is something. Recommend what? uh, Probably the MacBook. The iPad is something that you want if you already have a desktop computer. Yes. It's a portable desktop computer that you can bring with you, like on a plane or you. Yeah, but I have a laptop on a train. Yeah. I would say actually, if you didn't have a laptop and you wanted something portable for computing, that you could probably make do with an iPad because it does have. But it won't fit in my purse, so it's not portable. If If your purse is big. (laughs) No, my it's not though. Do you ever carry books around with UPS? Yeah, but they fit in my purse. Here's the thing about P.S., though. P.S. won't buy a DVD if she doesn't like the cover art. So I P. agree with yeah. that. Is not that not true? true. You, uh, you what grilled I'm me about, that, the, yeah, about the Battlestar Galactica I, I'm art. saying I would rather... I, with Battlestar Galactica, I bought the DVDs over the Blu-ray because the packaging was better. It's your right to But I wouldn't, I wouldn't not buy something entirely <laughs> if it had bad packaging. What? Uh-huh. I need a Blu-ray player. <laughs> Why are you laughing? No I'm particular so behind. reason. Because I'm so with you. It's so funny. Yeah, okay. I totally so, yeah, do anyway, that I, I, Yeah, I would make decisions like that based on packaging, but I wouldn't decide not to buy anything entirely based on packaging. And also what I was saying the other day is that I don't want to download things because I prefer to have it as hard copy. Because, like, okay, if you download something uh-huh. and your computer breaks and you don't uh-huh. have it anymore, then you just threw money down the toilet. Back it up. Well, presumably you have confirmation emails and such. Back it up. As well as codes. Right. Back it up. Back it up actually doesn't really work too well. Well, it depends where you back it up. The thing, P.S., the reason I... Anyway, see, but you don't have to do that with DVDs. Like, my DVDs, I have Battlestar Galactica, and it's not going anywhere. What if you scratch your it's DVD? It's mine forever. What if you scratch your DVD? You buff it out. I'll buy another one. Here's the... Okay, here's the issue, P.S. You're not a whippersnapper. You are not a whippersnapper. I'm just confused. I know, I know. Do me a favor, don't buy an iPad until we next speak, okay? <laughs> okay, right. I'm not going to do that. Okay. I will buy an iPhone. If I start seeing pictures I- of Rinna on Facebook and, like, Aaron's head behind the bush behind her. I'm going to get nervous. <laughs> Am I authorized to buy an iPhone? Yes, buy an iPhone. Well, the thing, I just still love the way you brought up the whole iPhone thing. I would like a device that let me make phone calls, play music, look at pictures, and go on Puffwa. Do we have the Why? technology? I think, that's, I think that's a great idea. We've had it for five years. It is, it is a spectacular idea. I won't deny it. You're like, I, I wish know. we could put a man in the moon. If only we could put a man. Well, we can't even do that. Well, be fair. That's how I got the last phone I had. Yeah. I went into the store and said, I need something that's going to do this, this, and this, and I don't need this, 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 or this. I said, we have exactly what you need. We did that with my father-in-law. Like when he needed his new phone, we said, okay, this is a person who doesn't know how to check his own email. So we need a phone. You sound like an old man. (laughs) 
that has <laughs> nothing, like <laughs> nothing in it. it. It just has to, you know, answer. I can and that's check it. my email. Daniel's and grandfather. They kind of, yeah, they kind of looked at us and they're like, now, are you sure you don't want a smartphone? And we're like, no, seriously, he doesn't know how to check his own email. I yeah, we promise. need the dumb phone. We, yeah, exactly. For Danielle's grandfather, smartphone means. for Danielle's grandfather, he, he's, he's getting more and more blind every day and he's starting to like get very forgetful. We literally had to like ask, what phone would you give Helen Keller if she came in here? Because like, like he can't hear, he can't see. I don't have a braille phone. <laughs> no, we actually wanted the braille phone because he can't see the numbers. No. It has the reason there's a bump on the five is for blind people. Well, I know, but it's, you can find it's not five, a very you can pro- find it's not a pr- very pronounced bump. Well, then the thing is, we're like, well, we'll put everyone in on like you know like speed dial one, speed dial, but he forgets who the speed dial people are, so he calls everybody. Yeah, exactly. I'll start from one read? until I get them. How are you supposed to <laughs> read your I, I, address? I, I, bump? <laughs> well, then it's hysterical because then the phone will ring and he'll answer it, but he can't see who it is. So you'll call him and you'll be like, you'll hear it open. Who's this? Tell read the hi, sir. Can you read this and tell me who this? Like, just talk to me. You'll figure it out. <laughs> so, it's pretty. I think it's so cool. And I got a new Skype thing, and every time someone talks, their name lights up. What? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, really? He's done that for a hundred years. I have Isn't this never coming from you? Ever Are you kidding me? Yes, <laughs> uh, is calling oh, someone behind the times. This well, so are you, Ryan. Yours is outdated. You no, know, for Mac, I have the most up to date version. Hey, I got a message that says Wait, the call host is, is using an old version of Skype yeah. that can't well, combine calls and I am at the same time. Check is it different for the Mac, no, Ryan? What is it? Is it is I, it different for the Mac? How different is it? I've been suppressing the urge this whole I time to do something like Pottervik Weekly is available for licensing. I use this episode brought to you by your dear. Apple Store. Ryan, are you in the tank for Apple? Apple people, if you're an Apple fan, you're not getting paid for it or anything, but you're definitely, you definitely push Wait, for it. So are you, is this why you were asking me if I would buy a blender with all faith on it? Is because I like him? Yes, because if you're an Apple fan, you tend to gear towards the Apple stuff. Cause, very true. Because with Apple, like I said before, Apple tries to come up with products that no one else has, that no one thinks they need, and then when they start using it, they're like, holy crap, this will change. Like right now, when they came out with the iPad, people are getting away from um, online newspaper subscriptions, and they're getting away from magazines, and they're going towards blogs and everything. So with the iPad, you're seeing a lot of newspapers and a lot of magazines say, well, we'll come up with versions for the iPad, because a lot of people would subscribe if they get it delivered. In right fairness, so in it's, fairness, the Kindle has something very similar. Right. I mean, other places have come out with, like, Kindle definitely has been around a long time. I, that's absolutely true. Apple tries to kind of push it to a different level. I but, thought it came out like last year. Kindle's been out for the a while. Kindle's been out for a while. Like, I'm actually disappointed. Like I'm actually disappointed in the iPad because I think that they tried, I think they got so caught up, I'm sending this to the group. I think they got so caught up with, um, trying to make it a, a big iPhone to, to hook into the whole app craze that I think, I think it would have been more better to see that it was more of a standalone computer. Everything that I've read so far about it and from my experience with, with mine, you know, usually the rule of thumb is you never buy a first generation Apple product because there's yeah. always something that they're oh, going to my first generation uh, MacBook Pro died after four years and like everything was wrong with it by the end but it was because I beat the crap out what of it is, and it was first generation. What does it mean first generation? If they come like out with an, I, they come out with an iPad like Apple like iPhone is on its multiple generations if they like iPad's a brand new product so they come out with it if you buy the first one available in the store on the first day you might find that there's a problem with it okay, that so they fix 
in the next generation. Yes, look at it like this. Never trust a Microsoft product that ends in dot .zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Service pack one. Yeah, don't buy the first one off the assembly line, because when a bunch of people, br- the diehard people will bring them home, because they're so excited to get the brand new thing, and they'll find something and it doesn't work well, so they'll fix that in the next model that comes out. So usually you let them get the kinks out first, and then you buy it. So like the iPad's brand new. It's the first generation. Usually you wait for it to be out of a while before to let them work the kinks out or improve it or put more features on it. Like, like have the first a- version of the iPod did not have a video camera or an external speaker. Right. I have like a seventh generation <laughs> iPod that will. I want to know, can you change the picture? Because all I what? see on this website is something purple. And yes, I have a picture of stuff I like. Like I have yes. pictures of yes, David Tennant. Yes, they've screen. cracked the technology. You can put your own desktop background in. Okay. Yes, right. yeah, I think you should go to the store and pull aside a nice guy in a red t-shirt and ask him every question that you have. The square store? Yes, bring him to the, the store. <laughs> I want to go store. too. We what? should go again. When do they bring you to the Apple store? When? No, I'm, ask, I'm asking you, yes. When we were in New York? Oh, when are you coming, by the way, so I can make sure the sheets are washed? I don't know. Right. Probably when the phone You don't comes. keep washed sheets folded well, I, I can double check. We might, <laughs> we might have one in the house. You feel just free, let them hang around to bring, Feel free to bring the kid. I will bring the kid. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what is Safari? Safari is Apple's internet browser. It's not the E, so that's Windows Explorer. So on a Mac product, you have Safari, that's the native browser for Mac products, or you can download something like Firefox or... Yeah, I use Firefox. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have Firefox. I have a question. Does anybody use Google Chrome? I, I tried, tried it, it, and I never, I didn't really like it all that much. Neither did I. I don't even know what it is. It seems, it seems slower for me. I'm behind the times. You are behind. It's the Google's time. web browser. Um, I use Firefox myself. Let me actually take this picture, then we'll start the podcast. Where am I doing here? Uh, where's the duck? Where's the duck? Harry killed the ducks. Oh, uh, that was such a bad moment too when he killed ducks. That was very sad. I listened to three episodes today. What? Aaron is re-listening to all the classic poof was. Oh, yes, I am. He's sending me messages. I did, you're mentioning Jen in the first episode that she doesn't even yeah. work for you yet. Jen's mentioned in, on episode one about eight minutes into the podcast. It's pretty hilarious. And then Lady Chi in episode two about 20 minutes of the podcast. Oh, you mean Lady Kai? Yeah, Lady Kai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I tell you, I actually wrote to Kim asking if she wants to come back for the last episode to be a little booking. Did you seriously? I did. I'm like, you really in one episode to start, so maybe you can come back and yeah, tie the is whole thing the together. the last episode? Next week is. Next what episode. we're doing is we're doing this episode, and then we're doing um next week will be the last like discussion episode fourth season is half recorded i mean the peons are mad men over here it's only five episodes <laughs> exactly i'm like holy crap when we do cliff listings i'll have my iphone yeah. okay, but you have to call it like jen calls it it's what it's called an iphone i know but the way you say it one of my family members has an iphone it's a saxon it's an no i'm not uh, i'm not gonna call, just I'm like gonna that call i swear it it's an iphone <laughs> oh i saw something on, you know, you talk funny night, too to me. And it says uh, <laughs> that they name when you like plug in. If you have um, I- iTunes on your computer, when you plug your phone into your computer, it automatically syncs. And it said that he named his phone the Titanic, so that when he plugs it in, it'll say the Titanic is sinking. <laughs> <laughs> that is morbid. No, what does that mean? What does it mean? Sink? It's it. Oh god. The Titanic. Um, no, no, not the Titanic. Not the Titanic. Yeah. It's, 
it synchronizes. All right, so you'll have your your ah phone, and you'll have and you'll okay, you'll have salt, and you'll have ah tunes, and on ah tunes, you'll have all of your music. What you'll do is Danielle there. No, she went to bed. You'll you'll plug in your ah phone, and it will call. It will it will mirror. It will exactly duplicate your your ah tunes. And then, I don't want to do that. Well, that's how it works, dude. No, you can go in there and you can manually tell yeah, it. Yeah, you like, can manually I've got way too much music. My phone won't hold all of it because it's old. So I can only put like, I think I've only, I think I've maxed out. I've got like a 950 songs or something on my phone. So I had to go through and pick out which songs I wanted to transfer over. And you can go in and manually tell it. Like, I just created a playlist and I put, I said, called it iPhone music. And so I just put, uh, I drag and dropped all my files that I wanted on my phone into that little yeah, playlist. I I just, I just want to drag and drop. Yeah. And then in the menu, when it syncs up, you can go in there and tell it, I want to manually do this, and I just want it to copy this playlist. But that's how MP3 player, that's how iTunes works, whether or not you have an iPhone or whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like iTunes. So, I didn't really well, I at first, but I've gotten used to I, it. I have... I have it to make it into an MP3 because it used to do that. I think the thing you have to get used to is if you get an iPhone, there's the programs that work a certain way and that might not be the way you used to them working out. Yeah, I am open. I am open. I'm just saying uh-huh. that... Because <laughs> I always sense is- openness from you. I sense you get in the car. The windshield light control is supposed to be open. Oh, you use, you use ADM? The steering wheel is supposed to be over here. Exactly. No, all I'm I'm saying is that this is all I do. I hate that it, like, freezes and stuff. Well, let me me put it this way. Here's a question P.S. asked me tonight. How long do you go between having to send it in? What? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, when you say, how, how long do you have it for before you have to send it back in again for repairs? That's the computer. The computer. That's what P.S. is accustomed to. No, like, what the hell? I don't under. I'm. I'm. Why are? We, I'm so confused. Why is this confusing to you? Because we don't send ours in. We get mm-hmm. them yeah. and we keep them. What the hell is kind of magic for things have? <laughs> I mean, how is that even possible? P.S. 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 I'm sitting you on Santa's lap here, and we're gonna have the talk. Okay? You have a crappy computer. Oh my god, he's not crappy. Horace is not crappy. Does he have sound? You name your your computer Horace. Really? No. He did. Yes, she did. P.S. Let me ask you a question. Yes, Horace doesn't have sound, and 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 he freezes. You can't go on YouTube. You can't use any type of video. Oh my gosh! And Horace is three years yeah. old. And who and who was it that was just saying, Ryan? How old is Danielle's computer? Ten years old. Ten years old. No, and I got a MacBook Pro that lasted four years, but it was first generation. And I literally, I think I hit it with my car once. Like I did not take good care of that. <laughs> yeah. thing. I mean, that 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 thing edited every episode of Puffwa. It caught on fire. I think once. Like that thing. Yeah. Like I that mm, thing. I'm sorry. Hard. <laughs> oh God! Welcome back to Butterfield. <laughs> I can't even remember what we're covering tonight. <laughs> Rebuilding life by Keza, and Keza's Five. listening to this whole thing, so she's gonna be like, "Thank you, Brian." You said it was after the end. It's well, it, it's it's. What? No, no, no. The story, <laughs> the story takes place after the end. Like five seconds after the end of Deathly Hallows. We're not covering after the end. That's what I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. We did that. Chad, we haven't gone full circle that far that we're just starting over again. She wrote a book. That was the thing that was like most crushing to my soul in my entire life. And she <laughs> has yourself. written a book. A phone book? Like what kind a of book? book? <laughs> no, a, a, a book book. I mean, a <laughs> I told you, a book book. You can get PS to say everything if you try. <laughs> I went to Foggy Bottom. It's very easy. You get the SSA. What? 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 <laughs> the what? The what? Foggy Bottom? What's wrong with Foggy Bottom? What? 
I love it. If I was visiting Scott for the weekend with Danielle, and Danielle gave birth in Scott's living room, Scott, brace yourself, all right? Danielle is <laughs> pregnant? Congratulations. You and you make fun of me about a boat? Well, Scott's living room and you and James in the boat, two different things. Now, my baby is now not a natural-born citizen, because my kid was born three houses over the border, can't be the president of the United States... But the kid that was born at Logan Airport, got on a plane, went to a terrorist training camp for 30 years and flew back, would be eligible. Where you were physically born shouldn't be a factor. Everyone assuming that, you know, if you took that off, Osama bin Laden could be president. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. They want to prove where Obama was born. They still don't trust him. You think they're going to let bin Laden through? Come on. Uh, If it's not such a big deal, let's see it. He's released it. People want to see a stool sample. You know, you put something on your Facebook and you expect that people... you know or you like will come in and comment on it and there is this guy who gets in my face about absolutely everything and I guess I went to high school with him but I don't remember him it's time to unfriend it's time to unfriend yeah and I keep doing it and he keeps like refriending me I don't know what's going on but anyway you can refuse to accept the friend request well I know that I blocked him and somehow got unlocked he's he's friends with someone else who like if, if, if I unfriend death roll but death roll's friends with jen and jen comments on one of my posts and death roll is still friends with jen i think death roll can still, can see, still the see the post it. and then yeah. i think Unless i think he can respond you can make to it. it so that that's not can't happen yeah you i think that's what's happening i know the visible and that's what like you're friend. trying to do because yeah. this guy just keeps making all these inflammatory posts he was like oh well all the true patriots are in the tea party now are you kidding me and what? yeah and i said now granted wherever you are and i don't know where that is wherever you are, the Tea Party people might be wonderful, pleasant people who kiss kittens and make dinner for the homeless and all of that good stuff. Let me tell you about the Tea Party where I live, okay? We have the Republican primaries, like, everything in Arkansas politics right now is screwed up because... Everybody hates Blanche Lincoln, and everybody on the state level is retiring. And so this is probably the most heated primary in Arkansas state history. And there's a state Senate seat that is available in this area. And there's one Democrat who's running. He's a guy who's um, really, really nice guy. I actually like him a lot. And then there's two Republicans running in the primary, and they're both from where I live. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a woman named Missy, and the other one is this guy named Paul. And Paul is a Tea Party person. The Tea Party people have been harassing Missy personally because she's not conservative enough. They've been spray painting liar over all of her political signs in town. They've shown up at the debates and stuff and anytime she makes an appearance they've showed up and have been like physically harassing her like standing in large groups right behind her screaming about how she's not a real republican and all this kind of stuff to the point where the state republican party cracked down on this guy and said that he had to take the word republican off of all of his campaign materials because they weren't going to claim him and this is the experience with the tea party that i've had in this area because she he doesn't think the way they do. Yeah, and to give you some cross-comparison, the Tea Party's favorite candidate in the death row, correct me if I'm wrong, in the Massachusetts governor's race is the Republican candidate, Charlie Baker, who is pro-gay marriage and whose running mate is gay. <laughs> so it's, it's a very well, different... the thing is, here in Massachusetts,
Massachusetts, I'm considered a radical right-wing Republican. In any other state, I'm a blue dog Democrat. You're very libertarian, so I don't think you're – I wouldn't go with blue dog. But yeah, I mean I take your point. It's definitely shifted very much in Massachusetts. It's it's, And it's just – I mean but these people around here are fucking insane. Like there is no other way to put it. Sometimes I think the people around here are fucking insane. So They're not not violent though. I mean the people in Massachusetts, they elect Mitt Romney and they elect Scott Brown and they they want to elect Charlie Baker. I mean the people in Massachusetts, the worst they get, Jay Severin has a cranky day on the radio. You know what I mean? Like in other states, they'll find bodies. <laughs> I mean, like, like in different areas of the country, it's, it's taken a lot more seriously. The thing with Obama's birth certificate, there's copies of the birth certificate out there. There's copies of the newspaper birth announcement. With, I don't think anyone believes that someone 50 years ago put an announcement in the paper on the off chance he one day decided to run for president. Anyone else? In, yeah. it, well, it, no, that, not necessarily because of that, but it's a good thing to be an American citizen. Well, it's a good thing, but no, but it's the natural born thing. What they want to do is they want to make him illegitimate. And there's people who say, well, show us the birth certificate. Well, here's a copy. Well, I want to see the original. If he showed them the original, they want to see a stool sample. They want a DNA <laughs> test. They're not going to pr- prove to me you're that Barack Obama. I think you're the Kenyan who murdered Barack Obama and took his yeah. It's like, no matter what happens, we're at a point in politics where no one believes the Tea Party people will be like, oh, he FedEx is the original, and we checked it out. We're very sorry. And um, like that's never going to happen. That The next thing will be that wasn't him or somewhat there was money in the brown paper bag and babies were spot they'll do this whole thing. i mean that's just not gonna end the yeah, whole thing. well you know I, I don't really stand by that particular philosophy hey, well, if it's not such a you. big deal let's see it at this point it doesn't matter he's in office and he's screwing up the country so we need to just focus in on your opinion out of office. in yes, your in opinion in my opinion yeah. well we thought the last guy was doing what that the hell is this an episode of law and order no it was i think it was oh, i think i can oh. blame this on bush oh, no, watch no, me no. try i think i blame this on bush oh, it was Lord. when he went and said you're either with us or you're against us back in the late 1990s 50 percent of the people thought the country was doing okay 50 percent thought the country could do better i mean that was it right now it's like 70 20 the problem is when bush was in he was the most unpopular president in the history of the world it can't get worse than this now obama's in it was very patriotic to protest him no it wasn't hillary clinton no. hillary clinton told me so but the thing was <laughs> if you went to a bush protest they put you in protest zones way away from the cameras if you spoke out against him you were called unpatriotic by laura ingram and sean hannity and you're you're bashing our president during wartime and you're demoralizing the troops and you're emboldening the enemy when obama's in that completely shifted when was the last time you heard sean hannity say leave obama alone he's the commander-in-chief and you're emboldening yeah. the enemy i mean it's come sean on. Hannity. are you seriously uh, come on. Are you seriously but, him in your argument no here? but what i'm saying is everyone when obama everyone when the other guy wins the, the presidency everyone gets up and they run to the other set of bleachers <laughs> and they stay there until their guy wins and they all yeah, flip well, back I, I can tell you at least here in Massachusetts that's what us tea partiers are tired of <laughs> the flipping of the back and the forth I'm yes we're tired of it which is fine I mean that's the thing I mean the thing the, the people who say the tea partiers are all these like I had a friend of mine the other day trying to tell me the tea partiers are all these racist whack jobs and stuff. like no they're not I know tea party people tea party people are fine but the problem is everyone is completely hypocritical or most of the people are hypocritical and if you guys I am guys, definitely hypocritical it, yeah, exactly thank you John and if you 
you're in, you your guy is the best thing since sliced bread, and the other guy sucks. And then when it flips, Sean Hannity will never give. The Democrat will always suck, and the Republican will always be great. It doesn't matter what they do. They could do the exact same thing. He will love it when the Republican does it. He will hate it when the Democrats do it. Flips. And in some states, I think the Tea Party's fine. And in other states, depending on where they are, I think the people just suck. So I think the Tea Party are sucked. Oh, so, yeah. So I think that's just the way the world works. I, mean, I love Arkansas. I really do. In my area, what's really funny is, you know, you'd think I live in a very rural, very rural area. I mean, we are smack in the middle of nowhere. And, <laughs> and it's so difficult to get to where I live that, I mean, you can't just drive around and stumble upon our town. You have to be aiming for us because we are out in the middle of nowhere. That is where and- I was last week. I was in DeWitt. Yeah, middle of is, nowhere. And we're up in the middle of the mountains, too. So, you know, then people don't even want to come up to where we are. But, you know, it's, so it's this really small community. And you'd assume, based on hearing that small rural community in Arkansas, you'd think crazy conservative, like super Republican, uh-uh, all that kind of stuff. There's Democrats everywhere. Except with that. But the difference is Democrat. It's crazy how many there are. But when I was you say like, Democrat, here's the thing. that You're Democrats. Like, pick any Democrat. Like, Jen, if you go to the house, to, to anyone's house in Arkansas, aside from Rena, and you kidnap a Democrat and you like bring them home and you bring them to Massachusetts, they are the most conservative person in the state. <laughs> That's probably well, true. Well, but mm-hmm. in our town, I mean, I'm not talking about the state in general. I'm just talking about in our little area. It was in the 60s, a bunch of hippies moved here. <laughs> Yeah, so it's because, a fun town. And started a commune. <laughs> and so Wait. Our artist guild that we have here that's a big part of our tourism industry in our town is all former hippies and their children who moved in to start this commune out in the west part of the county. And so it's actually, I mean, we are one of the most heavily blue-collar Democrat, and not blue dog, but blue-collar, because, I mean, we're the poorest county in the state, but it's very heavily leaning towards the Democratic Party. Except for and Missy so- and the Chief. Except for these crazy ass <laughs> who don't even live here. That's the thing that kills me. Oh, these yeah. people are showing up from Missouri and Tennessee, and they're showing up to picket this poor woman who's running for a state senate seat. Well, that's the thing and that you can't like, do, you can't do that in Massachusetts though, because like if you'll notice when Scott Brown ran, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jethro, but like when Scott Brown ran, you didn't see Sarah Palin fly in to campaign with him because he would have lost fifty votes a minute. He never asked her, and. She she would have if he had, but he didn't. He, he didn't. Did Charlie and Baker he, go to the? Did Charlie Baker go to Boston Common? Was he there? I do not believe he did. When Tim Sarah, Cahill. When, well, Cahill needs the the thing. When when Sarah Palin just flew to Boston, none of the like there was um the, like the uh, Republican candidate for governor, you know, Republican Senator Scott Brown. When you look at the big names in the Republican Party, none of them would show up at the same place Sarah Palin was because they didn't want to be caught like standing near her because there might be a camera. I mean, that was. Or a plague. Yeah, so you can't. So you can't. <laughs> so, that's, so you can't in Massachusetts just like bring people in like that. But in other areas of the country, I mean, yeah, that would okay. not affect folks. Let's not talk about Sarah Palin. <laughs> you yeah, betcha. We, we do have yeah. a fix to talk let's about. Talk about the fact that we, let's, let's, do, talk let, about, let's talk about. Let's talk about rebuilding life. Rebuilt, now, Jen, you have not read this fit, correct? You showed up. No, in fact, I'm not going to podcast this part with y'all. I just wanted to say hi and and do all that. Oh, but okay, I don't want to. Spoiled because I want to read this fic. Yeah, it's so. a very sure good fic. Or sure, Jen, are you sure you wouldn't like to stay and discuss after the end and just you know? Hope <laughs> I'm really hyped off because I really thought you meant like it's like epic, like after the end. Well, it's like an I didn't 
the end type fic. I didn't realize it was just like after the epilogue or after the end of the story. Well, it's after the end of the story. Okay, good, because the epilogue can go to hell. All but right. um, Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, well, Jen, um, Jen, good luck and hey. stay away from any guy with a chainsaw. Dude, he was like digging a hole in his front yard. I said, what are you doing? Like, he's like in the hole. Like, you can just see his head. He goes, this dirt's not good. I got to fill it up with real dirt if my garden's going to work. I said, what? Does he have a chainsaw? Like, no, he's using like a, a, a shovel. And um, anyway, so apparently clay dirt doesn't grow things, but dirt dirt nope. does. Jen, no. I have to just dirt, you, dirt. if you're gonna vi- if you're gonna visit us, I just have to say something to you. Danielle and I have this new thing when one of us says something and the other one doesn't hear it. We actually look at each other and go, "What?" And that's just you know inspired by. Are you serious? We do, yeah, and we actually do call it the iPhone. <laughs> Y'all are. I can't decide if I'm amused or irritated. You're amused. You're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, y'all have a good podcast, and I'll talk to y'all bye, later. Hug on bye, Jen. Talk bye, to Jen. Bye, Jen. Oh, bye. 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 <laughs> bye. She does that on purpose. I hope you guys know that. The bye. You make fun of her for the accent, and it gets thicker. No, yeah, no, it is. She, you know, she visited her family in Arkansas a couple weeks ago, and Danielle was even saying, you know, it seems like her accent's thicker. I'm like, I think it's when she visits family, and she left me a message on. I think I still have it in my voicemail. It was like, ha. I am an idiot. <laughs> Call it back. Bye. <laughs> and I'm like, was that Jen? <laughs> I had to play it again. What oh. the hell is that? Oh, hey, Ryan. This is I have family, to ask you a favor. Gets What's up? I sent you a picture. Yes. Because I don't know how to put a picture um, on, like, put it up so people can see it. If I sent you a picture, could you put it up so everybody could see it? This is the project that I'm working on right now that proves why I am the coolest sister-in-law in the world. Because this is the graduation present I'm making mm-hmm. for my brother-in-law. And he's 18, and well, he got big. Remember when he was 15 when we started doing this? <laughs> yeah, and he oh. is going off to college this fall, and this is—I'm almost done with it. And this is going to be his graduation present, and it's pretty much the most epic thing I've ever made. Okay, death Does she send you here. the picture on her phone? She is texting me the picture, and I'm going to email it to myself and put it up. You, 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 wow. Oh, God. She's like, <laughs> doesn't P.S. seem like she's the person who just came out of the vault from the 50s, and she's like, you can do what now? <laughs> how, how am I supposed bad. to know you can do this? I, I don't know. <laughs> my, my phone doesn't do this. P.S. sounds so sad. Remember when I told her at Horus was developmentally delayed? It was tragic. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, so, I'm sorry, P.S. I apologize. That was rude. He's a, been a fine computer. And he's, okay, did you get it? I just can't believe that you people never get your computers fixed. <laughs> well, if it, if it makes you feel any better, I have a PC that I haven't had to fix in seven, no, six years. Sorry. What is that exactly? Oh my god, I just, got, I just got what that is. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I'm getting, I'm getting one of these Macs. Getting the computer, or are you getting the iPhone. I'm getting an iPhone. iPhone. It's Did big the, enough to be product. for like a queen size bed. Are you serious? It's huge. I love people like you around Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> I get really cool shit from people on mail size. I mean, once I figure out how to X out of things, I'll be good to go. I know, but she didn't want to buy the iPhone because she couldn't find the X button. She thought you just couldn't close any programs. Ever. Yeah, I know. I, I, you were here. I was, Aaron I found was, it for me. I helped her. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm sure oh my god! It's so much bigger. You know why you couldn't tell on the on the phone? Yeah. I couldn't tell that was floor behind you. Holy what is that? Think someone will get it. 
Aaron will probably get it. I'm waiting for it to download. Um, so I, I'm sure the, the final episode of Poof has already been set up and whatnot, but I think it'd be really awesome if you, if you found a way to incorporate the outtake from the end of uh, episode one, because it's, it's it's classic. We should try and see if we can record it now. It's, it's, you, and, it's you and Rinna and Kim trying to record the disclaimer. I think that would be fabulous. Oh my god. If Kim came back <laughs> for one that episode. So, Kim, how you been? I became a doctor. All right, good for you, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know what that is. That's why Scott got. Oh, I, 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 I got it. Super Mario Brothers. It's Super Mario Brothers. It's a Mario mushroom from Super Mario. Is that being as a filter sometimes? Is this coming back to you with LPS? <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> what? Yeah. Are, you, is, is, are you are you asking me if this design means anything to me at yes. all? It means absolutely nothing. All right, P.S., we need, we have so much work to do and so little time before you move back to Maryland. We're going to get on this tomorrow morning. It is, <laughs> what is it? Is, it? is that right side up? Did you ever play Super Mario Brothers, P.S.? No. They have that it's on the map. It's a sprite you know? from an old video game. It's a mushroom that you what? jump on. from an old video game? Sprite. What? What's sprite. that? It's what icons what? are called. Icon on video games. Mm-hmm. The little characters are all called sprites. Huh. I never heard that. Oh, you learned something today. There you go. All right. Why don't we so start? That's, that's what that is. That's It's a sprite. So all right. Okay. When you played Super Mario Brothers, if you jumped up and hit the little question mark, a mushroom would pop out and you'd go from little baby Mario to big Mario. Yes. And that's what that is. It's like when Rena was on LSD. Very similar. <sighs> Only not, totally because not. Rena wasn't on LSD. You guys are going to make Wait. people think I'm, like, a hardcore made, drug addict. I made people think Jen was a whore who got pregnant on a boat, in her own words, not mine. So I think I can make it. people think you were a one-time drug dealer. Drug dealer? Oh, oh drug dealer? Oh, I moved that one up. I didn't say drug dealer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tried to slip that in there, did you, Ryan? Well, I did. Whole new level. <laughs> You know what? That's what the Tea Party people do. They try and just accelerate things. Oh, <laughs> oh shut up. Burn. <laughs> All right, here we go. Is someone on uh, speaker, by the way? Is that what it looks no. like in real life? That's a fancier version, but yeah. It's a mushroom? Yep. It looks like a, a thing with a phone behind it. It's an iPhone. Uh, That's what it looks like. It looks like one of those icons on the iPhone. It's like a sock on it. It's an iPhone with a big sock on it. To the wonder of that world through many pens, and we'll never let go of all the ones we've made our friends. And they'll say it's only a podcast, but we know it's much more than that. A community all of its own Where we even have our own sorting hat Where the hosts are all our friends And the stall is told by Jen We'll always laugh before the end Part of it we please where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Back to Potterfic. 
weekly. I'm Ryan. This is Death I'm Roll. Yes. Aaron. <laughs> Who are you? The new Mike, Aaron. <laughs> Phone it in, why don't you? We got one effing episode left after this. Aaron. <laughs> I like rocks. If, if Ryan were a rock, he would have a rock man in the mouth. Because we've never done that before. All right, we are here for Scott. The, oh, and Scott. Did anyone else not introduce themselves? Now I feel bad. Jamie the reason said. we were all laughing so much about that is because we've been on this call for, what? Two hours? Now? An hour and a half. Extraordinary amount of time. Anything actually started. We explained to PS what Apple computers were. Uh, Gen 1 was here. I may have called her a whore by accident. I apologize greatly for that. Uh, Rena is another drug dealer. Um, she wanted me to tell you all that. I'm not convinced of it, but I told her I would tell you all that. I'm getting an iPhone. And she's getting an iPhone. Um, PS used the word whippersnapper, I think, or maybe I did. I can't remember really right now. You did. You put words in my mouth. I, 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 don't recall in my doing, mouth. I don't recall doing such a thing. Uh, and uh, Death Roll is a, um, a partier and enjoys uh, tea of, of all sorts. We covered that as well. So we have one episode of Puffwell left. Next week is the final episode of Puffwell's third season. At which point, well, P.S. will sob like a small child uncontrollably. I'm trying. I've been saying this earlier. I'm now. Rena has been here with me from the beginning. Everybody, thank you for listening. This is Potter Fick Weekly. I am Rena, and here with co-hosts Ryan and Kim. Hey, everybody. Hello. Rena has been here since episode one. She was gone for like a 30-episode stretch in the middle. She was on hiatus. But Rena has been here the entire time. And I am trying to get Kim, our original host, back from episode one, because I think she needs to close out the series with us next week. I don't think she's taking my calls. I've been here since episode 34. You've been here since episode 30. When did everyone come on? Uh, Aaron was 55. 55, yeah, I think. That's sick. That I know that off the top of my head. I can just That's tell you. Episode. That's my first episode was 45. 45. I wasn't regular at that point, but I came on for an episode. Jethro was in the 60s. He was in, like, the late 60s. The first one I was on was actually 67, 60, which was my interview. 67. Yep. And uh, who else is here? I think that's actually everyone on the call that we got. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next week will be the last episode of the third season, at which point we will hand the podcast over to the peons. Now, when the peons take it over, I'm really interested to start listening to the show again, because we may actually cover fan fiction again <laughs> because That's if you haven't for the last like 50 episodes Rena's been high and Jen's been pregnant and you know mm-hmm. and, no Kez has been pregnant Kez has been pregnant with my child it's been very conf- it's like that last season of Roseanne where nothing made sense like that was that's what Puff was I'm sure that wasn't mm-hmm. all the seasons of Roseanne <laughs> no, that story. was all the our first episode on Test of Time we covered three chapters and how long did that take you oh there were hours involved I don't exactly, know exactly but, that, but that's good because what Here's He's not sure if it was double digits. Now but you not. covered chapters. We just kind of don't. We just kind of vomit on the on the on mm-hmm. the. Audience. But we're we're really going back <laughs> to the beginning, you know. Right. Three chapters of podcast. Yeah, and I think is, we're actually going to combine that one with something else, so there's a little more. But we'll, we'll when, see how the editing goes. When the when the peons have covered Puffwa episodes, like we've, when we've all been in drunken stupors, and you guys have like you know just carried us to like you know our beds and you've taken over the podcast i enjoy listening to those because in listening to you speak i actually remember what happened in the fic because sometimes <laughs> when i listen to us speak i'm like were we covering a po-? like jen was gonna be here tonight jen showed up with her notes from after the end 
We covered that three years ago. So sometimes we're, we're special people. But the good news is we are taking all of our Puthwanian madness over to the Puthwa Exchange. I will, I will spell that. There's no H in it. P-O-U-F-W-A Exchange.com. We are going to do our second season of the Puthwa Exchange. And we're going to be covering, what the hell are we covering? Battle on 5. A song, Battle on 5. A Song, song of Ice and Fire. Firefly. Firefly. What was the other one? Evangelion. Huh? Neon Genesis Evangelion. Evangelion. Okay, I can't. We're, we're covering anime, and I can't call it Japanese. Informal, informally known as Evangelion. Ava. Ava. Okay, we're going to write that down for you all so you can Google it. Now, the problem is. E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N. Apparently, we're going to do it right there for you in case you just can't wait to. Well, you spelled Puffle Exchange. Do you want me to spell them all? I always thought that was a. And base five. <laughs> now the now the, there was a soft G. Now, anyway. the, now the problem is I once called it Japanese anime and PS sat me down and had the talk, so I just call it anime now. So it's gonna be very I think that's redundant. Well it, it, that wasn't the word you used at the time, if you recall. It wasn't the, the redundant. See, now I am expecting anyway. now that you've gone through that little list that you're gonna go back to the site and see the suggestions that I posted today. And we'll add those in. We will add whatever. We will cover anything. I will read anything. I will watch anything. We will cover anything. So everyone will cover. The exchange is completely organic, free form, anything. It's like a huge drunken orgy is basically what the what the exchange has turned out to be. I wasn't going to go there with that, but if you want to put it in those terms, we didn't sure. want to go there. But we have. Useless now. My clipboard is useless now. Well, the, yes, the, the, yes, it the is. The thing was, we sat down to do the exchange, and we decided, you know what, it's going to be a very free form podcast, and you know, whatever we want to talk about, we will discuss, and we will do commentaries and discussions, and we will cover everything. And the I say is, we take the first hour and a half of tonight and put it out as like the tea party podcast. Podcast. I think we should. But the problem is, the problem with, with this new, you know, relaxed, not wearing underwear of any kind, you know, class of Pufwa is... <laughs> hey, the, where's that camera? ...is that P.S. can't schedule that. So she's sitting there with her <laughs> clipboard going, well, what are we going to discuss then in the week of August the 21st? I'm like, it could be you anything. You gave me something to schedule. See, that's why we have the big four things, because the big four things are things we're going to cover discussion style, like going through it. But anything else you want to do, go do it. Well, that... We also put that in there as a compromise so your head wouldn't explode too. So it worked out. So we've got a whole system and it's going to be great. So you're going to have the Puffwa Exchange over there and there's going to be flames and, and ambulances surrounding it. And you're going to have Potherfic Weekly over here led by peons with notes. They have notes and they know what happened and they know who did it in the end. And I actually can't wait to listen to it because I think that's what we tried to do 115 episodes ago and it just didn't really work out. I'm well. so excited. I'm really, really excited. She is. She calls me sometimes at three in the morning to tell me how excited she is, and I scream at her and I hang up the phone and I <laughs> rage and a rage. So PS See that bad listeners, that listeners, that was a lie. That no, it's not well it actually is a lie because she doesn't have her iPhone yet. When she gets her iPhone, she can text she has options. She can text, she can Skype, she can call. I see the mushroom. What? Oh my gosh. You just <laughs> How Rin slow is, is your computer that you just got the yeah. No, okay. No, See, when it was big, when I had it open, yeah, when I had it open uh-huh. in you know the picture that you sent me, I couldn't tell what it was. But then I just minimized all the windows to see it on the saved on the desktop when it's really small, and now I see that it is a mushroom. All right. P.S. is going to before the end of our reign of Perfect Weekly going to purchase an Apple something or other because she believes that it is 
normal for you to send your computer in to be repaired every week. You know who PS is? Remember on Green Acres, they had the construction workers who worked in the house for 26 years and never finished it? PS thinks that's normal. So we're going to get PS hooked up with I some Apple. I feel so awful. I, feel so, I mean, I love you. I love you, Horace, but... Oh, thank God. I thought she was talking to me. Did anyone else think she was talking to me? <laughs> yes, I thought she was but, talking but, to but, you. But, I love you too, P.S., but I think it's time. You have shown me the ways of the iPhone and the iPad. The iPhone. You open up my eyes to all this ah business. This what? This ah business. Ah business. Oh, oh God. Ah business. Oh, my God. It's like Baltimore mixed with... Jen, I don't even know. It, you're the lo- you're the love child of Jen and Pete. Jen Baltimore, closer. yes, actually, you're like a high. <laughs> Jen in the city of Baltimore. Are you mocking my accent? I really am. Yes. And can I just tell you? Ever since I found that Dra- that Fran Drescher clip of "Oh, Mr. Sheffield," it's so much fun when you're in the episode. How can you I can mock my in. accent? I don't have one. Well, it's very easy. It's very simple. It's very very simple. I don't understand what's so funny about all, it. All he does is say Baltimore and laughs, and <laughs> apparently that's not, like, that's not making fun too. of my accent. That's, that means you don't have a true appreciation of what the Baltimore accent is. I've no. I know people from Baltimore, and then I know you, and they're they're two different camps. All right, so. To Tonight we are discussing chapters 39 through 40. Through 45. Five. It's possible I read 46. I don't know if I did. I'm checking it right. Oh, I did. Where did you guys stop? 45. I finished the chapters. No, I understand that. But where does 45 stop? Oh. No one knows. Um, this is why the peons are taking over. We're all incompetent. Uh, hang on. Of course, Luna said looking up at them, she's his true love, so it would work for her. <laughs> okay, here's what happened. I actually did read to the end of 45. I just wrote down and I read to the end of 46. So the good news is we're fine. So in other words, you continued to lie. I No, I did not lie. I made a tactical error, much like <laughs> the one Neville made in uh, uh, whatever the hell the name of the fic was with uh, Neville and Grant. Dumbledore's army in the year of darkness. That's correct. Someone just fell down and we'll miss the great <laughs> deal, whoever that was. It may have been Scott. He's Canadian. Scott? I'm fine. Are you moving a Why couch? Why does being Canadian have anything to do with falling down. Because Scott is not a natural-born American and cannot be president of the United States, so he must have something Really? I'm kind of thankful. I would love it if Scott were the president of the United States. You well, that's alright. Scott, let me ask you this. How do you feel about William Shatner potentially becoming the Viceroy of Canada? That's pretty hilarious. I would think that would be... the hell is a Viceroy? He, he's the Remember? official representative of the Queen. Hold on. You that know who else he is? Governor General. Do you remember... Yes, the Governor General. I know that word from someplace else. The Olympics. Viceroy. Do you remember Star Trek Star Nemesis? Star Wars. The, do you remember Star, Star Trek Wars. Nemesis? Star Trek, the worst drink. movie ever. Star Trek Nemesis, the worst movie ever. Do you remember that? Yes, unfortunately. Remember, what has been seen cannot be unseen. Do you remember the idiot who was playing the younger version? version of Picard. Yes. Do you remember yes. he had that little troll that walked around with him everywhere? Yeah. No. That was a viceroy. <laughs> also, you know, you know who else is a viceroy? Jen. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy is a Smith in Star Wars was a viceroy. Is Jen a viceroy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a viceroy. Oh, Jen doesn't. Oh, by the way, I've, I've nearly finished. Yeah, the, the, third... the official title is Governor General. I, I couldn't remember, but that's basically the position. He's the official representative of the monarch. That would mm-hmm. be just so freaking cool. But I don't okay. think I don't think Liz has it in her. I don't think he's Liz in the lead in the popular opinion. <laughs> is there like a vote for the thing? I very much Liz doubt it will actually happen. Mind. I hadn't heard of it until this moment. So Scott, I'm moving to you, dude. If that goes through, because I can't take. Here, hang on, I will. I'm coming up. It'll be great. We'll bunk. We'll get 
bunk beds, Scott? Come on, they'll be awesome. Let's do it. Um, okay, I have I, I have bunk beds with Scott. I can't even remember where the hell I was going with the rest of the podcast. I have Betty White stuck in my head now. I have no idea where she came from. Um, someone... Wait, is Scott coming here or are you going there? I'm going there. They've got William Danielle Shatner. Danielle was going to have a baby. Danielle's pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> My God, it's all coming out now at the end of Puffwood. Jesus Christ. All right. Now, I have also huh? finished the third season. Of- you just said it. You just said she was having a baby in Scotland. There's the link. Hold on. I'm, I'm escaping the fact that I may be an imminent father to look at the picture of William Shatner dressed up as the governor general of... Oh, God. Look at him. Doesn't he look like your governor general? I <laughs> So, I think he'd be a great governor. <laughs> general, governor general, very different. Governor very general. Different. He, he, he'd be it, like, it has the word general, which is a military title. You know who he'd be? He'd be like... <laughs> he'd be the governor admiral. No, he would be like the guy at the takeout <laughs> governor admiral at the Canadian yes. Olive Garden. And the question is, do you <laughs> tip him? <laughs> That's who he would be. That's who he would be. Who's the, who's the, who's the governor admiral? What? Okay. This they is don't exist. This They're is why Kirk being a star. Somebody said Governor Admiral. No, you didn't. Yeah, that was, instead yes, that of, was he's supposed to be the Governor Captain. He's Captain. P.S. You're doing that thing where you make a joke and then you wait ten seconds and you're like, "Who just said that? That was funny." And you have the whole conversation in your head that actually. That, no, no, no. Okay, he's the go- he should be the Governor Captain because he's Captain Kirk. I think Governor Admiral. <laughs> You don't, you guys don't think that's funny? No, not really. Remember when you tried to be funny about the fireplace? Do you remember? Yes. Remember how you that ruined worked? it for me. And then the then no, karma, yes, that was sent a bird to punish you. <laughs> Do you know the bad luck I've had since the damn bird got in the house? Do you have any idea? The washing machine exploded. <laughs> yeah, it's a bird, not been a bird going that well. comes in the house brings bad luck. Jen was electrocuted. It's not been going well. Did and that it, happen in your house? Did Jen get electrocuted in my house? No, but she was. I, was, I, believe, I may have been speaking to her. In that case, it's not Wait, due to the bird. It's just ordinary chat. I am not bad luck. Yes, you are. If bad luck is happening to Jen. I know where you live. Don't make me hug you bad, and spread my bad luck. Bad luck is happening to me. You are the one who has put this sickness on heart. You make it sound like I gave him an STD. I, I, I think this second to last episode of the Puffwit is going straight to hell in a handbasket. And that's I think every episode oh, Everyone talk at once, quick. Okay. I, well, I would just like to start off. I have figured out something. What have you figured I have, out? I have figured out why Harry never noticed the upper year students in the early canon. Why it's because they were always going off on special trips like Harry and Ginny and Ron. They're never there. Hey, I think that is absolutely freaking fantastic because here's why. We're almost done with Puffwa. Now, you know when you have senioritis and you just, like, kind of don't care anymore? And you're like, eh, whatever. You know, maybe I'll skip that class. Maybe I won't go to school today. Maybe I won't really study for the science test. And you kind of, like, and you're packing and you're doing all that crap and you're kind of winding down. Well, I've been reading fan fiction for three years and we've been producing these things and we've had in-depth conversations about Ron's inner inner demons. Oh, stop it. And and we've done the the whole Lord class. Lever, Ward Beaver, whatever the hell, Wall Beaver, whatever the hell his name was. And it's been so dim, and th- th- this fic is terrible, because why is Ron wearing plaid? And sorry, P.S. And you know, like everything has been so deep and so serious. You know what? <laughs> I- I'm reading this fic as it started, and Harry is going to be the professor for the seventh year students, and now, oh god, it's going to be like that fic that shall not be named when he's the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, and now he's going to have to write lesson plans, and I'm have to watch him because Barb would have written the whole thing out, and then you know what I mean. It's just so, it's so much stuff. 
like no more stuff. Well, now it's like, hey, what do you want to do for the weekend? You want to go home? Sure, let's go, guys. And McGonagall's waving from the front lawn. I just I have fun. I just, you know what? I just kind of want have fun throwing me in the cast. Like I thought it would be the thing where they they don't see Ron for six weeks because he's gone. He shows up like half the time. I'm like, I have to remind myself. Like I'm pinching myself. I'm like, Ron doesn't go here. Why is he at dinner? Yeah. I just think it's utterly fantastic because I don't care anymore. And I just think it's, they don't care either. Like, McGonagall's like, go home for the weekend. Take your woman. Bye. Yeah, make sure you use protection. Ooh, we'll you see know you in class because on McGonagall Monday. is in her office with her feet up on the desk because she's retiring in June. She doesn't yes. give a shit either. It's wonderful. So I just think that's, I, I just think it's okay. okay. I would like to make a point here. Is a Dalek. Quick, say emergency. What? Say, say emergency. Word emergency. I. No particular. Please do it. Emergency. <laughs> that was perfect. Exterminate. Exterminate. <laughs> say do not bless me. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's my second They're giving you a whole bunch of. Doctor Who lines to say. Quick, say the word bagel. (laughs) Bagel? Yes! (laughs) Bagely. I just love that I've now seen classic Doctor Okay, Rena, do that thing that you pretend that you're doing when you're really doing nothing to fix your connection. I don't know what I do. You're always like, hold on, let me recalibrate the Heisenberg compensator. And you sit on your ass. You're like, all right, I'm done. Is that better? Nope. Hold on. Let me recalibrate to port. How about now? Perfect. And you're just sitting there on your ass the whole time. You sound better? Rena? What? What? Okay, I lied. Um, hmm. Let's yeah, say, do not blaspheme. Do not blaspheme. Do not, do not blaspheme. blaspheme. <laughs> yes. Can you say it more like angry? Yeah. <laughs> oh, do not I don't want to get Rena angry at this time of the night. She <laughs> hung up on us. Did she really? Yes. Hold on, let me get her back in there. <laughs> She's trying to reconnect thing because Skype often, you know, fixes itself do when you do that. Do not blaspheme. Do not blaspheme. <laughs> Do you want us to put that sound effect in the episode, P.S.? Yes! That's my second favorite sound effect. All right, hold on. Let's wait for the episode. We're getting rid of to produce. Just out of curiosity, what's your favorite? My favorite sound effect is Big Frackin' Deal. But no, that's just my thing with it. You know what? Half of the time, I was so afraid it would be the fic where... You know, Harry is doing lesson plans the whole time, and Ron is not there. So then we don't want to lose Ron, so she's either writing Ron out, or we have to have, like, the Ron chapters where Ron is off finding himself and all that. And I'm just like, it's like every night, he's just in the great hall, Hey, guys, I stopped by for dinner! (laughs) Whatever, (laughs) dude! It's pot roast night! Like, I just, like, I don't care. I just think it's great. I just just don't care. Uh, I I cannot imagine myself saying an early poofwa. An early poofwa, I'd be like, good! God, what are you doing? Let's have What's a, up with the characterization here? Let's have a whole episode on this. Why is Ron all of a sudden so sensitive? I don't get it. Well, no, we finally did, did have... You guys a- be- Good. I was just going to ask if you guys got the unicorn meat, because I thought it was funny they don't have to go on a fix. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Again, with the reference to 106. I don't even want to get, because I'm so interested for Aaron and Death Roll to hear, and Scott obviously to hear 106. I was so careful not even to let like an early, actually, did I give an early version of it to one of you? Because if I gave it to one of you, I'd give it to all of you. No, you didn't. I was here for 106. You were were in 106. I may have given it to Aaron. I may be keeping quiet. Both halved or what? (laughs) I think I gave it to someone. I don't know who I gave. I may have given it to Robert. I gave it to someone. I think I gave it to my mother. I I guess I gave an intro to everybody, but... Yeah, it, 106 uh, is my favorite episode. It's just, it, like, it, it was the confluence of everything that came together there. It was so good. I right, will just give her a little It was very second. strange. It has one gay unicorn. Which is itself very strange. It's got the merchant marines. All right, peons, what do you think? Well, it starts off here with the, I don't think we covered this last week, Harry has arranged for Grimmauld Place to become an orphanage, yes. basically. Serious's house. Yeah. And so he's Sirius finished house. the... Pay the paperwork for that and send everything off and during chapter 39 uh, we find out that Gilbert is greatly excited because he's moving to this great new house and all that sort of thing is it and- possible Gilbert has ADHD or something of the kind he's very 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 hyper <laughs> yes well it's got there's precedent there's Colin I mean he was hyper the whole time no he, monolo- he monologued so much I thought he was a crack against me yeah, I remember that. You brought that up. Yeah, like that was like he just he talks. And, and Ryan talks. is just so used to getting written into fix that he's looking for himself. Now. I think I was. I think I was. I was definitely looking for myself in there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna write you into a fix and not tell you. <laughs> well, I think I thought that was what Keza did. So go for it. I'll just predict everyone's me. <laughs> I wonder Battlestar Galactica or Doctor Who. I think it'll be Battlestar Well, Galactica. since Ryan won't watch Doctor Who. I'm watching Lost, and I just got to the third season finale, and I nearly wept. Although I haven't finished it yet, so no one spoil me. So he'll, he'll be the intern that gets buried under salt-sized Spe- clipboard of or Lost, something. just a, a quick aside. <clears throat> yes. I was listening to Mike's last episode, and he says he doesn't understand this character, and therefore he doesn't like the show, but he's never seen the show. So how does he know anything about the character? What how character? does he know he doesn't know anything about the character? Ben something or other? Ben, okay, but do you watch Lost? No. Ben is but, a really weird character. When did Ben that's appear? Fine. Have, I, have, says, I, have, I, have I met Ben No, yet? You, don't, you, you haven't met Ben. Mike's logic was this. He doesn't watch the show, but he doesn't like this one... He, he doesn't like it because he doesn't understand this one character. To which I say, how do you know anything about the character if you don't watch the show? The thing about... Because, Jethro, you just said you don't watch Lost. The thing no, with, I don't. The thing with Lost is, like, I'm okay, in the middle of the third season... They decided, all right, we have, you know, all of these survivors on this island, but we only focus on, like, six people. So why don't we try and, you know, make secondary characters out of some of those nameless extras that you always see walking in the background, and we'll bring new characters up. Now, the problem is, they said, who are the two shittiest characters we can possibly come up with? Like, really, really shitty characters. So they came up with all these really, really crappy characters, but then they dumped them, and they got some really, really good ones in. And they have this character in the third season that you watch an episode, and you're like, you know what? I like that character. They're a good person. I'm glad they're on the show. And you watch the next episode, you're like, oh my god, that woman's a whore. I hate that woman. She's going to destroy everything. She is the well, biggest bitch. Is it like, bitch. So it's like Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, she's the biggest bitch ever, and I was completely fooled, and I can't believe it. Then you watch the next episode, and you're like, you know what? I think she's lying, and I think she really is good. And then you watch the next episode, and you go back. Like, the thing about the show that's so... Now freaking... you know why I was calling everybody a whore. Yes, I know. But, well, I picked that up from you. But the thing with Loss is, every episode that you watch... I haven't made up my mind whether or not the 
character is good or bad, and it keeps changing every episode. Like, even with some of the really, really bad ones, there's episodes where I like them. So it, they do a really good job with the show of making everyone. I would actually like to exchange on it. It's actually that good. Very good. Very good. All right. But we are not podcasting. We are not podcasting. We are, in fact, talking about Rebuilding Life by Kezabeth. We are. We are. Uh, in chapter we 39. Are. We are talking about Kezabeth's fic. That was yes. from Baltimore. Yes, we are. Now, the, th- now, the thing about the fic is You that- are mocking my accent. Now, here's the thing. Gilbert and Sullivan's <laughs> mother is unemployed, and she and she lost the family home. So they moved in next to what, what I believe is a large factory, and they actually got a flat right next to where all... All of the noxious gases come out and they go like right through the window into the living room like it's the worst house in the world is where she gets them so Harry sets her up as the caretaker of Sirius house and you know she will care for you know the the, the, the war orphans and the two precocious young death either children that Harry has personally adopted as a subplot which lasted four paragraphs you know why because I love that because we don't have to have 16 chapters of Harry learning you know what makes children good and what makes children bad and should these you know is it nature versus nurture and can i help with the nurturing and maybe i should burp them and should they call me down it doesn't matter because he adopts young children because he himself wished that someone had done that for him and that's all we have to do with it Yes, that's all we need to know. That's all, that's all he needs to we know. need to know. So Harry, I think Harry adopted two children. I think he's responsible for their college funds, but I don't care because you know why? Harry has moved on to other crap. So I just think that's absolutely fantastic. So He's interceded. He's done what he can do. And yeah, he, he's going to let things... Mm-hmm. Now, my question at this point is, okay, so um, Gilbert and Sullivan's mother, whose name escapes me at the moment, has a husband, and her husband was in Deathly Hallows, and Harry told him to run as far away from here as you can. So first he thought the island that was on the other side of the world, and after in the after the end, that turned out to be Hawaii, and he doesn't like Hawaii, because that's where Lost is filmed. So he decided to go to Egypt. So he's in Egypt. Now, we don't know he's there, and he sent something home in the last seven chapters, which escapes me at the moment. So it's Ron, a tobacco tin. The tobacco tin, and he doesn't smoke, which is interesting. Yeah. So, Ron and Bill go to Egypt to find him. Now, the problem I had was, I forgot why they went to Egypt. So, when this chapter starts, all I know is that Ron is missing, and I cannot remember where he was. I had the same problem. So, I thought, and I'm actually talking to Keza at this point, I'm like, did Ron get abducted in the driveway? Because I don't remember where Ron went. And then Fleur gets involved, and Fleur, who I always think is pregnant for some godforsaken reason, I'm not sure why. She just it's seemed, because she's she a villain. She likes to shag. She's no, no, why? Because I know she has a kid at some point. I forget if she had the kid in the in the last book or not. I don't even remember. But then Vila's Fleur like Fleur did not have a child on screen. She did eventually on screen, have a child. Yeah. She, she yeah. What? Had, there were children in the epilogue. In the epilogue but well, I, we they, all they all did. They all did. They yeah. all did. Harry had a kid. He had a, he had a but everyone. Everyone had a child. Fleur had a kid yeah. in Barb's trilogy and went that back. was the one she was also stark raving mad there but yes I yes she was so then ron's missing i'm like i wonder why it took them so long to figure out he's missing who would kidnap ron in this fic he's perfectly wonderful and he makes sex jokes to harry about Ginny. but in other fics i would actually pay people to kidnap him. so <laughs> yes. i can't say and then fleur sends well, maybe a me- maybe that's your character in the story perhaps so then fleur sends a message saying bill is missing too and i'm thinking holy crap 
keep like this is like the the Star Trek episode where everyone Crusher knew started vanishing from the ship. Like I don't know what's going. They're being kidnapped, all of them. Then I'm like, I wonder if they went somewhere together. Maybe I can't remember where. Keza, where the hell are they? And then there was a reference to they're in Egypt. I'm like, this sounds vaguely familiar. I think it involves tobacco in some way. And as it turns out, as far as I can tell, Ginny got pissed at Ron for mocking her for abandoning Harry when, in fact, Ron took Deathly Hallows off. And he he abandoned them together for months and months and months. So she sends a howler to Ron. And unfortunately, the howler gets there at such a time that they get incarcerated in, like, a tomb of some sorts and almost die and or are mummified. That would have been cool. That, but the part which I like is they somehow, using MacGyver-like training I never knew they had, managed to, you know, convince the, the locals that they are wizards and it's all a big misunderstanding and after several weeks of intense manual labor they are released to go home at which point Harry and Ginny laugh the whole thing off because they just think you know sometimes that just happens so I just I thought that was fantastic because you know we get so angsty when one of them says that thing that sets Harry off and he becomes emo for a little bit and this one Ron, it could be its own fic. It's so bad. And it's like, oh, that happens. And Ron's like, I could have been killed. This is serious. Everyone pats him on the head. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Well, it's nothing compared to the Voldemort War. Exactly. Nothing. It's, you know, small potatoes. Like, I'm picturing... You're fine, aren't you? You survive. No harm, no foul. You know, no blood. Well, I'm picturing now, because we just did a Puffle Exchange on Galaxy Quest. I'm picturing, you know, uh, Alan Rickman, you know, whatever the hell the character's name is, he saves all of the little termite people and he walks into Dr. the room. Lazarus. Dr. Lazarus finally has his, his his moment in the sun and they're all like, dude from Home Improvement has saved us! He's like, holy <laughs> crap. It's like Ron escapes from Egyptian... Captain <laughs> Taggart. Yeah, Captain Taggart has saved us. Like, Ron escapes from the Egyptians. Like, he, and then he's not actually Alan Rickman, he's Tim Allen. What? You said Alan Rickman was the guy from Home Improvement. No, I didn't. I said, no, I said he went in there and he saved... Have you seen Galaxy Quest? I was on the podcast. (laughs) Did you talk a lot? (laughs) I said... Uh You said uh-huh. the guy from Home Improvement saved us. That's what I said. But talking that is, about Alan Rickman. No, I wasn't. But that talking. is not actually who no. I was talking. That's I what they were saying when Alan Death Rickman Death went in the room. Dr. No. Lazarus. I don't think. I don't think Alan you. Rickman. No, I don't think you caught the meaning of the ending of Galaxy Quest. That, what, no, I think you were. You did say something confusing there, Ryan. But I, I understood it. But I can see how how PS could have been confused. Although if PS, PS were in the podcast, there would be no excuse. If PS were had been there that uh, night, there would be no excuse. I was there. I'm I wish I had been explain, there. Explain it to me like I'm three. Okay. Snape's character walked into the room explain having saved everyone. Snape's character, yes. Yeah. Alright, here's and, the thing. Snape the walks other... in the room and saves all of the first years. He does the Heimlich maneuver on every single stupid first year and saves them all. And finally, he has done something that will show Lily that he is the man for her. And as that happens, someone walks in the room and says, James Potter has saved us again! 
<laughs> now you get it. Yeah. Okay. See, there you go. See, it's, it's... the laugh. The laugh, Ryan, was supposed to be a cue that, that she funny. understood the joke. Okay. And that yeah. it was funny. Sometimes I miss. <laughs> <it. laughs> I, I don't know. If Wait, can I? Can I stop laughing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're okay. Oh crap, that. Rena! So sorry, Rena. <laughs> Rina, you were saying? Rina. I don't even remember. Rina got booted. Rina. We covered Gal. She's standing right there, P.S. All right. So we moved on. So we covered the fact that Ron was um, captured by the Egyptians and tortured um, and and poked and prodded, God knows where. And he was eventually released to get home in time for Christmas. Um, What else would we like to discuss this evening about rebuilding life by Kezabair? Okay, I want to say something. This is what I was going to say earlier. There are some moments in the story that are so beautiful and so touching and so, like, she captures emotion so well. But I feel like it, it it's all, it's like all peaks and valleys. There's, like, no plateaus in the middle of it. You know what I'm saying? It goes from, like, way up to way down. Give us an example of way down. <sighs> she needs emotionally. Yeah. I mean, like, no, yeah. And this is more a lot, a lot more in the earlier chapters. Oh sure. And but but not in a. Na- I mean, I felt like there were a lot of things dealing with grief that weren't very natural. You know what I'm saying? People would go from saying, "Oh my God, my life is over," to, "Hey, let's go play outside in the sun." Yeah, you know. I mean, there was there was no middle ground, and 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 I feel like that's kind of continued through a lot of places. There was nothing. I don't know if I agree because the one thing I, th- which I found very natural, because I've I've gone through the seven stages of grief or however many stages we have now, the the thing which is natural about it is that you'll have moments where something, whether it's like a trigger word or you know an expression or, or something that happens, you know just just makes you collapse in on yourself and, and you see that all the time with someone makes a comment to, to George or, to, or you know about Fred or Molly says something or you know something usually a lot of it focused around George and you see everyone kind of collapse from that and then they kind of rebuild themselves and then you know a few chapters later it will happen again and but you know, this comes- isn't I'm not talking about something that happens okay this happens and a few days later it changes I'm talking about it goes from A to B within like a couple of paragraphs and then back. I didn't find that. I mean, there, there were a couple of, there were a couple of things like I talked about in earlier episodes. There was like a moment where Harry, uh, flipped out on Ron. Um, I'm sorry. We're hearing a lot of background noise here. I don't, I don't think. No, I just dropped something. No, no problem. Um, I, I think that you know there was the, there was a point where Harry became um, emo in some of the earlier chapters. Um, Ron made a comment about um, you know Harry being lucky not to have overbearing parents, and obviously you knew what Ron meant. But Harry flipped out over it, and he stormed out of the room, and Ron chased after him, and the, the entire clan got in their car and they chased after Ron. I mean, that there, there were moments where I thought that you know the characters were just overly sensitive about things. And- but, but, but I'm but not, few and far not between. what I'm talking about. Okay, give I'm me an example of what about... you're talking about. Give me an example of what you're talking okay, about. Okay, let me think about it. Shit, like I said, most of these are from the earlier chapters. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fair, too, because uh-huh. you haven't been... No, I haven't. And, but like, yeah, we could um, cover some of that as we went through. Dealing with George in like the first... Even like the first like 10 or 12 or 14 or so chapters of the story, you know, it was... It, it was almost like watching somebody who's bipolar... It wasn't watching somebody who is, you know, because when you do go through that and when the loss is that fresh, especially for somebody like George, he's feeling it so much all the time that even when he's not 
down and out and crying, I would say it would be out of character for somebody in that state to be laughing and joking around in the next sentence. Do you see a lot of him laughing and joking around earlier on? There were a couple of places. Okay. So where, like, yeah, okay. And and it was just it it just was jarring to me because some of that so I would see it, as George's mask because that's who the twins are is the jokesters so yeah. he's trying to be normal he's like being the happy fun joking guy when really he doesn't feel that way well, or like okay here's another one here's another one um, that I thought was not necessarily handled very well George is standing up on the table. And Molly walks by and says, Fred, get down, and keeps going. Molly would not have kept going at that point. As soon as that word left her mouth, she would have broken down. Did she? But she rem- kept going. Why do I like, not remember that? I remember the, mo- the moment with the, um, with the like, ten most beautiful people in the Wizarding World. <laughs> I'm not saying that right. It was, I remember the one where she called. It was the ten heroes. The ten, was that what you were talking about, or was there another scene I'm not remembering? No, no, no. I'm talking about this was... The, this was they hadn't even left Hogwarts yet after the battle. Okay. They hadn't mm-hmm. made it back to the borough. And George was standing on a table doing something, which and he was oh, he was imitating Fred. And having just lost his brother, I don't think he would have been imitating him at that point. Hmm. And Molly walks by and says, Fred get down and kept going. And everybody else kind of stopped and was like Oh, and then George broke down again, and that I could completely understand. It was the fact that Molly didn't even think about it; she just kept going. Yeah. Well, that's all because I don't. Yeah, she I don't. didn't stop, and she didn't think. Oh God, you know, if 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 Keza had sat sat there and had Molly, because it's not. Un, I mean, hell, my mother calls me by the dog's name half the time. I mean, it's just <laughs> you go through the list, you know. Brendan, Jennifer, Chelsea, God, you get over here, <laughs> and. You know, so I mean that itself is not uncommon. But I think at that moment, as soon as Molly said that, she would have said, she would have realized what she said, and then she would have broken down there too. I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember that. That's a very good point. I don't remember that particular moment. Um, well, I, th- I think there were plenty of moments in it where I think Molly did react the way you, you said you wished you she did there, and we obviously had issues with some of the the earlier uh, characterization that we brought up too. I mean, the thing for me. With, with 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 grief, and this is a good time to bring it up, is that it doesn't... And, and I know Keza has... Um, she's lost a sibling to cancer, and um, you know, I've lost... Everyone's lost people. I mean, the, the thing with grief is that it hits you in weird ways. You could be... You know, the, the night that you've lost someone, you could be telling old stories about them and be laughing your ass off. And then, you know, two days later, you could, you know, break down at the, at the most inopportune time. And then you could be laughing again. And you don't, you don't really see... George do a lot of the whole like laughter end of it, and, and, and you know. I, mean, you, I guess, I guess what what I would have liked to have seen is, I mean, and I understand kind of why you do that when you, when you're telling a story like this that's obviously covering so much ground. You know, it's kind of like how you knew when you picked up a Harry Potter book that something was going to happen because nobody wants to read Harry Potter in the boring average year at Wizarding School. Yeah, you know. And when you're doing a fanfic story, you want to keep the pace kind of at a certain level. And so you want to show all the big moments and not necessarily the little things in between. And I felt like, especially at the beginning, it's not as bad towards the end. 
But I feel like there's a lot of the everyday normality that kind of got glossed over for the sake of moving the story along. But it made the it made it feel very. I mean, it felt I, I felt like it was very spastic. You know what? You that's, know, we're that's, going in 12 different directions at one time. But you know what? That's different. You know what? I wonder if the, the, how much of that is just personal preference because that's the thing I think I like most about the story. And we were saying this when you got disconnected. The thing which I think is, is great about the story is it's the last fanfic I'm going to be reading for a while. And we've read all of these different fanfictions where Ron has been an ass hat 43 different ways from Sunday. And in this fic, he's encouraging Harry and Ginny to have sex. Because you know what? I think Ron has just, you know, if, if Ron has lived all of these many lives doing the same crap over and over again, I think he's just tired of being a prick. So Ron in this one is finally the Ron I wish we had all the time. And Molly is more laid back than you've seen her you know, obviously in these chapters, they get into the fact that she's overbearing, you know, because she's lost a child. But Molly is a lot calmer than I'm used to seeing her in. And the characters are, are just kind of mellowing out. So the thing I actually enjoy about the story is it actually is Harry Potter in the boring year at Wizarding School. Because it's it's the year after all this crap happened. And usually what you have is you have a story where there's a new villain or there's a new thing or something, you know, something very dramatic is happening from a plot point, And you have the characters while they're dealing with that also have the little character moments and kind of deal with the Voldemort war and, and kind of deal with everything. What I like about this is it actually takes the people from the, from the canon, from the story, and sticks them in the world and says, okay, you can break down George five times in this chapter. Here's how an ordinary day in your life will be, and have him be able to do that. And I, I kind of like that. I, I'm the, the thing which I wouldn't like about the story is if it tried to shoehorn in all these different plot elements because I think that but would I feel like it did I feel like it no it, it, it puts the elements in but it doesn't take them seriously and that's fine I mean I would probably prefer they weren't even there but if they're going to be there I don't want them taken too seriously I mean you have in one scene there's a break in at the burrow that lasts for two chapters and the only reason that's the, or two paragraphs and the only reason that's there is to show that Harry is not prepared for any type of you know warlike environment he's he's taking his guard down he's disassembled himself and he He's not capable of jumping back into action. You know, in these chapters that we're covering tonight, you have the whole thing with the Gryffindor room, and you have, you know, the two guys who break into to Hogwarts and, and, and snatch Jenny. That's not, like, and you, obviously you have the weird-ass defense against the dark arts teacher who has a cat, who has a cat in his head, and you've got all these different yeah. things happening. There, there may be another plot line in there, but it doesn't matter too much, because every time it starts taking itself seriously, it disengages. And you have, you know, Jenny's been kidnapped it's like the chamber of secrets all over again and they get to the, the to the um ba- to myrtle's bathroom nope apparently it's not the chamber we march down here and there's dramatic music playing but apparently that was not it and then as it turns out they just grabbed Ginny because she was the gryffindor walking by so i there, there are those plot elements which i wish weren't there but i don't think because it takes them seriously which is fine by me because I think focusing on the other stuff is what matters. Well, and then, I mean, and then the other thing that kind of bothered me in some places is that I feel like, in, like there are some places where the characters are just almost intentionally dense. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and where they're talking at cross purposes to each other. Only meeting someone famous. And, well, not even that, but like um, when they're talking about the Death Eater kids, the kids that they found at the Death Eater place. And Jenny's just like, well, I can't believe they have children because babies come from love. And it's just like, <laughs> no, babies come from sex. 
Love sometimes accompanies sex, but not always. And in fact, when you're talking about the Death Eaters, I don't think love has a lot to do with their sex. You know, but it, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you'd think that she would have realized that. No, I'm sure she knows where babies come from. I mean, the the deal is too, when you picture Crab and Goyle Sr., you don't picture them changing diapers. (laughs) And, And obviously, you have Draco Malfoy walking around. Obviously, he came from somewhere. But you don't picture... You know, like picture all the, the like the sleazy Death Eaters that you see walking around. You don't picture them potty training, <laughs> and, and it's like you know when the when the world ends and the war's over and everything kind of settles. You're not like their kids need to get changed. <laughs> like there, I I do agree that she was you know it was a very naive conversation, but I kind of did like the fact that what are we gonna do with all the Death Eaters problems <laughs> because that's part of the New World Order now. So I mm-hmm. yeah, I mean obviously I just don't picture you know. Is you can picture the Death Eaters having the kids and conceiving the kids. You just can't picture them raising the kids. And now the fact that there's little babies around, you you would obviously assume that's someone else's problem. You could never. Ma- I I have actually considered the fact that the Death Eaters had little babies at home, which maybe they didn't, but I'm sure. Well, did. everybody had babies. Well, I, yeah. I don't, and, and you don't. And, and well, I mean, one. I mean, what I'm come on. I just watched the 16 and Pregnant Marathon on MTV the other day. It's real easy, apparently, to have babies. What was the thing I watched, uh, Rena? I tried to watch. Watch on ABC Family. I tried to watch. Oh, the Secret Life of the American Teenager. I tried to watch that. What did I actually watch? I watched something. <laughs> you watched the gymnastics show. I, I watched the show right after, and I'm watching. And I'm like, there, there's absolutely no sex in the show. What are the Christians getting so pissed about? Like, I can't find anything in it. Yeah, like, it was bad. Like, do they not like, like skating? What is what is their what is their beef? I guess. No, that was. I don't understand. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the, the point. My point was, you know, I mean, and this is just the example that I'm seeing because these are the chapters we're covering, and right now but you know it just seemed like in some cases the characters are just and it's easy to do that with Ginny I think and a lot of people especially which is it's let me see if I can gather my thoughts and you guys I wish you guys could like see me because I'm talking to a blank wall right now like are you doing the Italian thing while you're talking with your hands yeah (laughs) I mean I talk with my hands to begin with I'm a danger to waitresses in restaurants but you know I mean tips uh, yeah (laughs) but you know it's easy, I think, a lot of times before the order, before you know the later books came out, when we didn't know much about Jenny, it was easier for people to make her really naive, you know. And even some of the other female characters who are in the wizarding world, um, you know, what was it from after the end when Angelina got pregnant? Was that the right one? No, that was this one actually. Angelina's pregnant. pregnant. No, 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 no. I meant like when Gabrielle was psychic and could tell that Angelina was pregnant. That was that must have been after the end. Yeah. Hold on, what? Was Gabrielle in after that? And yeah, remember she was lost for a while. Muggle birth control apparently doesn't work in the wizarding world. Penny was pregnant. Penny was pregnant. Here she just she she drops Percy like a bad habit because he hasn't touched her boobs in twelve years. That's this one. Ever, ever. No, I was pretty sure it was Angelina because they weren't married. And she was pregnant, and nobody had told Angelina that muggle birth control didn't work for witches. Ooh, that would be a loophole. That sounds, yeah. like, sounds like after the end to me. So wizards yeah. have super sperm. Apparently. I wish Jem was here. She prepared for after the end. She would know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so they, they take things that are kind of, you know, even if you didn't grow up in modern times or in the world you know mm-hmm. girls still talk about this kind of stuff and obviously with the death eaters you know you know i mean and even in earlier in the story jenny is talking about how 
crab or Goyle or whoever it was would proposition, you know, well, not for himself, but proposition for other people, sexual favors mm-hmm. in exchange for not doing cruciatus. And, you know, they're talking about the contraceptive charm. Obviously, they know what happens. It's not just, you know. I don't I, think that it's really she doesn't know. No, others, I took it she is. just never could possibly picture. She doesn't want to picture Death Eaters having children. And you know what she, it is? Do you ever have one of those nights, Rena, where you've been asleep? You've been awake for like 32 hours and you're laying on the couch and you were so wired it's not even funny and you're like you know what i think everyone in the country needs a goat goats are wonderful and you're just like completely philosophical over nothing i think Ginny's in one of those moods where she's like daddy's are can't have children because children are born from love and, they have and, awesome. and molly's like stop it stop it stop it <laughs> You know, while uh, yeah. we're on the subject, I, I think everybody should have a goat. They're they're pretty awesome. I mean, they they can they, they can are. I saw a thing about they goats today milk. where they were talking about how goats like help people. Like, oh, what were the, what were the goats? Like a seeing eye. Oh, goat? they were. <laughs> no, I think they were. Oh, I have forgotten. It was at Google. Well, they had Google you know, now has goats grazing at their place to yeah. Well, uh, obviously, you know, I had you know our goat lawnmower for a little while, but there's a settlement in the eastern part of the they county. They mow the lawn. They yeah. mow the lawn. I to mow the lawn. The goats that Google mow the lawn. <laughs> and so, and we used Bernard because we just had this oh little postage stamp sized yard. <laughs> and the Google was, goats are herded by a dog. The dog's name is Jen. <laughs> Jen? Yes. The dog. <laughs> really? The goats, the lawnmower goats at Google are herded by a dog named Jen. You know what I think? I think we're all not really here, and Vrina somewhere is on LSD right now imagining this entire <sighs> And the dog is Jen, and Jen Two's baby is a cat. Come on, this. this I okay. read that thick. <laughs> I read it too. The point that I was saying was, there's this settlement in the eastern part of the county, and it's called the Norway Ranch. And a bunch of people from Norway and other Scandinavian countries have apparently come over and built summer homes out in BFE, Arkansas, because the land looks like being in Norway, and they just like it. But they use grass roofs like their roofs are sodded and Mm -hmm. they put goats on the roof to eat the grass so that because you can't get a lot of me right the goat would actually fall through the roof and land on me (laughs) at a very inopportune time (laughs) mid-coitus and then all of a sudden (laughs) here's the goat (laughs) what do you do in that case do you stop like i don't even know what you do you know what? It's like That's, you don't even. You invite the goat. I think you just launched the Ryan. You invite the goat to join. <laughs> Hit the Omega 13. I don't know what you do in that case. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where you, where you go with that. Um, so okay, so I, I'm I'm willing to bet that Ginny just had one of those really. You know what? Ginny was stoned, and she's like, "Babies come from love. How the bad people have babies? The bad people don't have babies. The next generation is going to be fantastic." I think Jenny's stoned. I remind. I think that's. The <laughs> Did anyone else like the fact that creature got rid of Mrs. Blacksportman? I have a question. Wasn't there an earlier chapter where they had already gotten rid of Mrs. Black? They went to Grimmel place in an earlier chapter to see what was there and she was already gone like the Death Eaters had done something to her um, Death Eaters trashed the house in Deathly Hallows didn't they trash Mrs. Black as well 
Hmm, I don't remember that from this fic, but it's possible. Yeah, it's probably just me, because I make, I make things up and I lie all the time. It's probably just that. It's true. It, it's very true. It's probably that. I've realized that you basically just lied. Well, lie nonstop, yeah. Mike had it right, and look what happened to him. So, yeah. all right, so we are... So, so you're saying I should have pointed out... He's not the plot, and you asked him. I had to... I had, <laughs> yeah, he, he made fun of my cookbook, so I plugged him. Place that quote. Oh, come on, Death Roll is able to do that. Death Roll, are you even here? No. He got dropped some time back and has been trying to... Are you serious? How long has he been going for? Like, yeah, he decided to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no. we're going through Death Roll's notes here. We're stealing everything that's not nailed to the floor. I, I, I also thought it was funny that Creature was doing all this stuff, like the doorknobs, and he's like, I, I didn't think it was appropriate for the children. <laughs> he's the nanny. I know. I'm just like, he goes from being, it's just so funny to think about where he came from in the yeah. canon, like where he started when we first met Creature, how I he was Creature just Creature has the biggest evil, transformation of awful. any character in the story. He yeah. laughed at one point. Harry made a joke and Creature laughed. You know what that means? He got the joke. <laughs> like, Dobby never either got that, the joke. Either that or he thinks that it's, it's his duty as the, the, the house elf of the master to laugh at all of master's jokes. Whatever comes out of his mouth must be funny. No, seriously, I want you to picture this. You're Gilbert and Sullivan's mother, and your husband is missing, and your kids are at wizard school, and you've lost your job, and you find an apartment next to the nuclear reactor, and your hair is falling out. It's, it's a terrible time in life. You're trying to put a positive spin on it, and all of a sudden, Harry Potter sends you a letter. Would you be the nanny in, 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 in this house? I've got, you, Your kids will have a great place to live, and you'll have a house, and I can't wait. Let's go. And you get there, and creatures in the entranceway. <laughs> Like, picture how far you've come, lady, in the last 24 hours. I just thought that was... I would have loved to have seen, like, a little one-shot from Kessa with their with their meeting. <laughs> just staring at him. What? Then, let me go introduce you to Mrs. Black. You're gonna love this. Like, I just thought that'd be fantastic. So, Creature has the... Hang on, I just got a message here. Let me see who this is from. Let's check. I'm, I'm getting live emails right here from uh, Polarific Weekly Central. It's crazy. Let's see who it is. Um, my Viagra has arrived, apparently. <laughs> All right, good. Oh, wow. What? There you go. I, I just got an email. It says my Viagra has arrived, so I, I should go pick that up. Good for you. <laughs> I, I also got that email, so. Well, P.S., perhaps we could carpool <laughs> to pick up our Viagra. P.S. is not fine, though, the music, so I will move on. I, I, don't, I don't need Viagra, Ryan. Oh, well, don't. Well, they I, make Lady Viagra. Sure they do. P.S., well, you, you can buy it with the iPhone. You can pick it up at one-stop shopping. Wow. You can order it from the iPhone. Now, this is one thing I love that kids does. Number one, I love the fact that, you know, she has everyone this year, like, blow off school and they ignore all the rules. Because really, they've been through enough shit and so have I. So I I love the fact that the characters are with me in it. And um, I, okay, so now, Jenny sneaks into Harry's bed. And she's like, I'm picturing they're just in the snuggle. You know, like Ron and Hermione snuggle. They snuggle all the time. I thought it was going to be one of those things. She's like, oh, no, we're having sex. I'm like, well, this is awkward because, you know, Molly and Arthur are in the actual house. So 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 they do that. So then George comes in later and hauls Harry out of bed and he's in his underwear and he hauls him down 14 flights of stairs and he's banging his head against every frame. He knocked I think he took out like a like a load-bearing wall at one point because he took the stairs a little fast. So George brings him down and says Angelina is pregnant. Now at this point I'm at the 
particularly good part of Lost, where one of the characters has to figure out where she got pregnant and by who, because that will decide whether or not she is going to die. So I thought this is fantastic. What if the baby is Fred's? And I'm doing math in my head, and it's actually possible that the baby is Fred's. And I'm like, oh, that's deep. Oh. And then and like, they'll never be able to tell because it'll look like both they, of them. They, they have the same sperm. So I thought this is oh, this is gonna be really like, <laughs> difficult. Like you'll never know if it's your. So then um, and then Harry does what I think is perfect. He's like, you idiot, you jackass. Yes, I slept with your sister. But do you have to make up a story about getting Fred's girlfriend, who's also your girlfriend, pregnant, just to make me feel bad? Because it's all about me. And, he's doing this, and the only thing I thought would have been great is if Arthur walked down the stairs. Good morning, boys. <laughs> like he said that, like I just because he did that earlier. I just thought that would be great. So of course Harry makes the whole damn thing about him and mm-hmm. Molly. George comes. does tell him to keep the vo- keep his voice down. But. Well then, okay. Now I get the fact that Ron shows up at the school every week, and I get the fact. That that, you know, McGonagall is checked out and everyone's checking out and, you know, they, they're, they're mentally exhausted and they all need a vacation. But Ginny comes down the stairs wearing, like, very small knickers and Harry's pajama top. Like, is she asking for it? Like, like I thought that was a little pushy of Ginny. I, I thought that was... Like, I understand the fact that you're going to kind of, your parents are going to look the other way, but I thought that was a little... I don't know how, how well parents could ever will ever look the other way under any circumstances when it comes to stuff like that. It's fine, though. It's fine, though, because because Molly and Arthur have done it on the kitchen table. They have done it in the orchard. They have done it in the living room. They have There's done nowhere it, they haven't done it. They have done it out with the gnomes. They have done it in the shed. They have done it in the car. They have done it by the gate, because because that makes sense, because to have so many kids, they had to have a lot of practice. Remember, they had that house, too. I mean, we don't know how long they had it, but assuming they moved in there before they had Bill, I mean, they could have done it everywhere. Every room of the house. Well, here's the thing. Every all, surface. All the kids the are at school. All the kids are at school. Now, here's the thing. All I could picture was Rinna going, it's like Bingo Bob's porn dorm or whatever. I just thought that was absolutely fantastic, is the fact that it's... Well, that Bob's makes, country porn uh, dorm. Bob, I apologize. But you know what? I'm like, oh my god, Molly and Arthur have read the Lavender Brown series, and they have taken you know inspiration from it. I thought that was a little neat, because you kind of get the sense with Molly and Arthur that they didn't just do it the seven times, or the six times, or yeah, the six times. I just, you, you six fig- times. The six times. You figured there'd be a little bit more going yeah. on there. So. They only had sex exactly six times in their entire married life. Mrs. Kim from um, Gilmore Girls, speaking to her only daughter about her wedding night, he will make you do awful, awful things, but if you are lucky like me, you must only do them once. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I have an issue with sex scene fan fiction in general. Okay. Because what are the, what are the issues? You know, you see, especially given the fact that this entire series is basically about kids, you read a lot of situations where it's people that have not had sex either ever or very many times. So they're all fairly inexperienced. Yes. Right. Okay. And yet they have these amazing, amazing 
experiences with sex. I mean, it's just like magical. Oh, not here they didn't because I thought I missed it. I get back in the tape up. Well, but the point is, it's just like, I mean, and not just this, not this story specifically, but in a lot of stories, it's just like they have sex for the very first time and it lasts for 25 minutes and it's perfect and everything is wonderful and da 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 da. And I just want to be like, okay, wait a minute. Show of hands, <laughs> who in the world on their first sexual experience had a, had anything that lasted 25 minutes? Well, I think Nobody. it would be Jen, but I think that would be because the police were probably like burst into the room in the middle of it or something. You know, I mean, uh, and <laughs> I would challenge you to find any woman who had an orgasm the night that she lost her virginity. It just doesn't work that well, way. Well, Brenda, I had a question for you. Now I'm set. It just doesn't happen that way. And, and there's so much taboo around sex to begin with. Mm-hmm. And people set up such real unrealistic expectations about what sex is supposed to be. And stuff like this, it doesn't really help. You know, talking about, specifically talking about Lavender Brown and in those stories, how they were just all over the damn place. And The thing I enjoy, though, was Ron's first time. The paragraph ends, 30 seconds, go me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the most realistic thing about it. But after that, it's just like, after that, yeah. so they have they their first time. It's a little awkward. But then after that, it's fireworks and dandelions every five, you know, I mean, whatever. It just doesn't work that now, way. What was your what was your response to the bachelor party when George is referring to the instant that Fred had when Fred and Angelina were, you know, otherwise engaged and Fred missed? I thought that was funny. Because Percy didn't seem to get it. I thought that was really funny. And I think that it's a more common problem than people would imagine. <laughs> it's the, you know what? They always talk about childhood obesity, but I think that's actually the number one problem that's afflicting you know, the United afflicting States. Afflicting teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Misfire. <laughs> Whoops. So I think that's the... Well, there was something Just on, wow. Oh, what was it on text from last night? There was something on there. It was like, yeah, he came on his own face. You know? <laughs> Visual, <laughs> visual. Just think about it. You know, you don't have a whole lot of control under some situations. You absolutely do and not. that I think would be one of them. Now I'm looking at Death Roll's notes here. Um, we have um, Angelina in the pregnancy, which which they must you know tell Molly, and Molly of course you know thanks her for having a grandchild from. I still think it's Fred's, but they seem convinced it's George's. Um, and and I honestly really I I do like the relationship. You know the, the the part of the story that Kesa puts in there, where okay, it's it's George and it's Angelina together, and they're getting married, and she's pregnant, and that wasn't the plan. They were going to get married anyway, but it sure looks bad. But the fact that even George gets this is weird. <laughs> it's not like oh, we turned out to be soulmates and we love each other and everything's perfectly normal and it has nothing to do with the fact. That, like they get that there's that Fred is a big part of their marriage, but they get that there is like a weird component to it, but it works. So they're doing it anyway, and they need each other based on that because it's not they're not getting married because of Fred they're getting married I want to say almost like in spite of like Fred is a part of their marriage but he's not they're not using the other one as the substitute Fred but the fact that they came together because of him so he's a part of what they all have so I, I think that worked well it made so by the fact that Keza acknowledged that it was weird so that was my comment on the yeah. on the George Angelina thing Fred unfortunately is dead so he wasn't there yeah, there's something about Fred's dead. She can't marry him, so she married. Well, she's even like I was outside talking to your brother, tricked in an answer. 
There's something, something I about... got confused. I mean, anyway, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry, something about George and Angelina being together, that in this fic, it's kind of assumed that they had, that Fred and Angelina had continued their relationship from the Yule Ball. There's really nothing in the canon ever that supports really any no. of their relationships. I don't know if they're mentioned in the same paragraph as each other at any point past book five. I mean, it's... There's just no mention of the twins having any kind of relationship with anybody. It's uh, so you know almost because anything. Harry doesn't care. Well, exactly. <laughs> and it's and it's not thrown in his face. Even at the the wedding, I don't think there's any mention at all of uh, um, Angelina or any other. Nope. They're they're always they're they're like going after the cousins, right? The French cousins. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like it's I don't know I I got that that uh, you know I like how Keza wrote it but I didn't think that there was any real reason to to make it quite so angsty that you have to have it. Oh be come on, we have to have the angst. We have to have angst. Well, this, there's a lot. I guess I guess so. There's a lot of a lot of angst going on. Oh, speaking of angst, Death Roll, if he were here, would make a wonderful comment about Molly catching Harry and Jimmy naked in the living room. I don't remember this, but let's read on. He thinks it's lovely. She's finally had enough of George's behavior, and Death Roll spells it with the with the British U. He puts a U in behavior. Oh, you are. That's awesome. Oh, you are. I enjoyed that. And Molly has had enough, and she's not going to take it anymore. And she's about to tell them off, but Harry and Ginny apparently start necking, which is what Kelly would say if she were here, because it's far out and groovy. And and they start necking, and Harry, Ginny, love heals all. And I don't remember where the scene even goes from there, but it's Harry and Ginny, and they kiss, and it's fine. That's all I have. Yeah. That's all I have. Uh, moving up. Um when is Errol going to up and die? Errol is dying Never. very slowly. Have you noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's he's an immortal yeah. bird. It's like when they do like Frasier twenty years later, and Eddie's still hobbling around. It's like, come on, like <laughs> you, you don't know when it's going to happen, but like he disappeared. Well, then they're like, "Where's Ron? He's missing." And this is when I thought Ron was mugged, and he's just you know fell in the ditch, and he in Lassie get help. I thought it was one of those things. I thought he sent like Errol with the la- and Errol just died. <laughs> no one ever found out where Ron was. <laughs> Because Harold unfortunately died. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not sure where this is coming from, but um, Death Row would like to to tell everyone, um, Mr. Harry, lock on all weapons and fire. I, I don't know where Death Row. That's Rob a Star Trek reference. Thank you, P.S. I don't know where Death Row was going with that. I think I think it's some kind of Tea Party code <laughs> of some kind. I'm I'm not really sure. Ryan, the, I'm yes. going to just go ahead and apologize in advance if he and I kill each other. Oh, I figured this much. I figured this. During much. De- Death Row. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be yeah. fun. I definitely want to be there for that one. Death Row is actually being from Massachusetts. Like Death Row and I, like we disagree on like like everything. He's a very reasonable dude, so you can. He, he doesn't. He, sound very reasonable to me. No, Maybe that's the mustache. You're listening to the mustache. Me, he's not baiting you. You're baiting. Everyone's baiting. I think I think he was baiting you a little bit there. A little bit. Yeah, that's true. He, he was. Thank he you. Was it's no fun. Life is that no fun without baiting Rena a little bit. They it's, managed it's... to get Harry drunk <laughs> and get him to admit to shagging Ginny. All right. Th- that was the, I love that part. Okay, Harry, you know, who who won the bet? When did you finally shag our sister? So Harry's looking around saying, "They all look so large, but I think I'm drunk." So so they're like, well, please tell me, Mother of God, please tell me you did not sleep with her, you know, up to up to Halloween, because I will lose all of my money if, if, if you slept with her before Halloween. Harry slept with her on Halloween. So Harry's like, no, we made it to Halloween. Not much farther, though. Like, it was hours. It was, like, near hours. And all of the brothers, from that point on, it's like, you know, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. They all have expressions. But Harry, if we weren't so drunk, we 
we would beat you up. Harry, if we weren't in the church, we would beat the crap out of you. Harry, if it weren't the Sabbath. <laughs> and, like, for the next two chapters, every time they see Harry, Harry, swear to God, if you weren't wearing pink right now, <laughs> we would hit you, but we can't because you look like a girl. I don't know. So, so you have that entire thing going on. Right? So they're finally and laughing Bill at my has jokes. the whole thing where they're, they're asking each other how whether they've had sex and whether they would be good husbands and somebody asks Bill did you ever have sex before you got married and he says I did not have sex with my wife before we were married I do not know what the definition of is is <laughs> I didn't have and they're like yes but she wasn't your wife we were before you were married, married. <laughs> I love that I love it I love the fact that Ginny is the best man because George obviously does not want anyone to replace any of the brothers to replace Fred as the best yeah. man and you know Molly is kind of pissing him off a little bit so you have the whole thing and he's like, wear whatever the hell you want to my wedding. And that was my thing with the wedding. By the end of it, I was like Steve Martin right before I got married. And I was like, two, six. We're having the chipper chicken. or I don't even know. But I was turning into Steve Martin. So I like the fact that George just didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, Ginny mm-hmm. was the best man and had to give a speech without warning, which is scary. Never do that to anyone. That's, that's very bad. <laughs> well, no, because, well, the thing that completely screwed me up, I told this before on the podcast, one of my best friends was is one of Danielle's best friends. She was the maid of honor. And she's like a sister to me. So she started her speech saying that she was my sister. But unfortunately, all of the senile family members are now trying to figure out who she is. Like, <laughs> so, even to the so you, so you have a sister right now. I'm an only child. But she said she was your sister. She lied. She's a liar. We don't even know who she is. She just showed up and started talking. So I went to a wedding back in November and it was my very You're very friend. soft. I went to a wedding back <laughs> just in Just move the thing closer. <laughs> it was my best friend. And the guy that she married was adopted by the, in, into the family when he was a teenager. Uh-huh. And the girl, his, his adopted sister, got up gave toast to give a toast. But by the time she gave the toast, she had had probably about six bottles of champagne. Oh, crap. So she's trying to read her notes for this speech. And she's drunk. And this is an outdoor wedding in Texas. So... It, and there's like a, an airport or an air force base or something, and we're in their flight path. Yeah. So there's planes flying overhead, and she stops in the middle of her speech and she yells at the planes. <laughs> Starts yelling at the planes <laughs> to stop doing this. So I think it's not necessarily springing a speech on someone that can cause trouble because obviously she was well prepared. You want to make sure they're not that inebriated at this point. Yes. <laughs> All right. Prepared and sober together right. would be ideal combination. Okay, now mm-hmm. you, you're bringing now. So you think in a like, for example, let me ask you a question: Should the best man be sober? Do you think that's important? Well, if he's going to give a speech, yes. All right. Have you do, do you did I tell you what happened with my best man? No. All right. Hold on. I don't need to tell you. I have a photo. And Percy meets up with Audrey who apparently, once again, annoys Ginny. She seems to have troubles with her brother's girlfriends. Like, she just wants to be your friend, and she wants to sit... Talking about how to shine your shoes properly, and Percy says, yes, well, shining your shoes properly is very important. <laughs> Percy's kind of like Data from Star Trek in this one. He's like, well, yes. you, need to, you need to use the circular formation going from left to right. And she looks over, and it's like, turn around. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, this is my best man shortly after the toast. I, I think I think it'd be funny if if she had said if he had been like I don't know saying something about the Calder Bottom report. They're like that really wasn't an accurate report. She's like, oh, you wrote that Calder Bottom report. I loved reading that. It was such a fascinating read. I it love Calder Bottoms. <laughs> Did you get it? This is my best Done. man. That's a really high resolution photo there, sir. Yeah. I know. <laughs> like I'm acquainted with your best man. Yeah, just he, he looks like a drunk dealer in Vegas. <laughs> he really does. What happened was they gave... I was what... going to say he kind of looks like he's having a stroke. He does. Well, no, it was. <laughs> yes, his like, mouth is all droopy. What happened was he was so freaking drunk at this point. You know when they do the thing where everyone jumps up on the table and holds money in the air and you make everyone dance, you know, in, in the, and then you get the money, you keep the money that they pass around the table or whatever? I left the no, money... No, I don't know what that is. All right, you play yeah, game... Yeah, what are you talking about? Okay, when you're what at a wedding, you tell everyone you have all the different tables in front of you. The DJ says, all right, someone at the table take out a 20. So someone from the table takes out a 20. Then you have someone pass it around the table, then it passes the other way, and someone from the table ends up with a 20. Then you make the person who ends up with the 20 go onto the dance floor, one person from every table, and you make them do this ridiculous dance or whatever. In the end, everyone has fun, and then the bride and groom keep all the 20s, which you hope no one needed it for, like, you know, tolls on the way home or anything. And I've never heard of that. They basically yeah, do this a way that... Like bastardization of the dollar dance. You basically, well, usually you do it with a dollar. So basically, Danielle and I got like 140 bucks, and it was our money for the wedding night. So, well, no, like the dollar dance is what I've ever heard of, and that's where you pay money to dance with the bride or the groom. Oh, we don't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> I danced with everybody. But what ended up happening was we had like 140 bucks, and I left it on the on the um, the bride and groom, ta- whatever the table was. I forget what you call the bride and groom table. And head I left table. It, the head ta- Well, no, we didn't have a head table. We just had like a sweetheart table. So I left it on the sweetheart table. So he's like, the money could be stolen. I must go save it. So he was putting the money in his pocket for us. And someone walked up and said, smile. And that was him looking up saying, what? <laughs> and, and so that was unfortunately a picture. I forget why I'm talking about that, but I think that's why you should always have Jenny be your best man. <laughs> I hope you all got the picture. If not, you're just basically screwed. So then we have... Uh, now, I did enjoy the fact that um, they basically ruined Fred and Fred. Well, Fred's dead. They ruined George and Angelina's <laughs> wedding night, but they loved it because they're, you know what? This is what Fred would do. Fred would want us to do this. So like they give, he has a belching toilet seat and his eyebrows blew off and he's blue. And it's like 10 minutes before and they're all like, Oh crap, we haven't pranked anything. Let's prank it. And up. they completely do all this. And he's like, who did the belching toilet seat? And Molly's like, um, that was me, dear. <laughs> Cause Molly's finally gotten in that, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. I love yeah. that. Like the Molly's doing, <laughs> and I just thought that was great, and and and, for, and that's the point where George has broken down so much in this fic that he's like, you know what? I think I'm gonna be okay now, and then I'm just waiting for someone to be to be like, I cut holes in all of his condoms, <laughs> but it really wouldn't matter because she's already, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just remembered that, so that wouldn't really be as funny, I guess. That'd be funny if they did it beforehand. But it's all right, because Audrey and Percy hit it off, and they're in the kitchen kissing, and everyone sneaks over to the door to look, which I thought was hysterical, because I thought the the, the borough was very small, and how big is this doorway that there's 24 people (laughs) and spying on them? I thought that was great. I really didn't understand how that worked. Um, yeah, well, Harry couldn't sorry, see past like, <laughs> With, like, one head above the other. <laughs> um, yeah, like, the heads are all stacked along. <laughs> Molly's hanging on to the back of Harry. Yeah, for some reason, yeah, for some reason, my brain filled in, like, heads across the top of the doorway, too. And I'm like, wait a minute. Then where are their bodies? <laughs> 
exactly. They're just like floating. I'm sorry. Heads. They're floating. They decapitated themselves. Yeah, it's hard to believe you're, you're, you, that you don't do LSD on a regular basis. Shut <laughs> up. <Let me> get... <laughs> so then. Shit. So the then, police are going to show up at my house and they're going to like bust down my door and they're going to think that I am some kind of drug crazed monster because then it's all going to be involved. If the police, if the police were listening to this podcast, you know, uh, they would have long ago again <laughs> or tender, taken to a mental institution or, I, or, the, or they would have, <laughs> or they would have gotten Mike for LSD before. I mean, come on. It's not the first time that the LSD has made it, it, it reared its ugly head on the podcast. I just, uh, I think there's a lot of people there in, in like jackets. years, like seriously. Remember, 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 Lady Chi had, had, was wanted. They they would have found her. There's time for there to be like a huge bust in at like Rena's house, like the end of Christmas vacation, and it could be the whole. Mm-hmm. Well, if we any metropolitan or state police are listening to this podcast, we all appreciate your work. We do. We, we, we right. appreciate you greatly. We're kidding about the LSD. I'm really not kidding. Yeah. So, Every here, police, police, hi, police. Why do you Still keep repeating yourself? You're like, police, police, storage compartment, storage compartments. You just repeat Bo-bo. yourself. <laughs> the what, the what? Boat, 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 Listen boat. to what Ryan says, because Ryan just lies Basically and just lies. lies all, all just the time. Lies to us all the time, yeah. All the time. So, and Ryan uh, killed Bambi. Doing 60. You know what? Get the hell out of my lane. That's what I say. <laughs> All right, so Ron is on the chocolate frog card. Ginny is having bets with Neville whether or not she'll find a Neville card before Harry finds a Harry card, or before before she finds a Harry card. Everyone's looking for the Harry card. So I, I think that's pretty, pretty cool. Like, this is Ron's dream come true. He is on a chocolate frog card, and they only found one of them. And now she wants now she wants the chocolate frogs as a gift where earlier in the fic Harry gave Ginny chocolate frogs and that was apparently a faux pas. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see that the things have swung. Now it's become a thing. Now Hermione is really dumb apparently. I'm not sure why <laughs> Death Roll thinks so, but apparently at one point Hermione is very dumb. He has a point here which I thought was really cool that Hermione wants Ron to sign his chocolate frog card with us. Kind of cute. God, why are plane tickets so expensive? This is how you can tell us the second to last episode. We're actually booking our airfare the hell out of here. Alright. Did not. She did not. Are we seriously not finished with this? All right, on, that note, on that note, I think we should end because P.S. is bitching about the fact that we're still podcasting. Oh my god. If Martin Luther King can make it big, then so can any other black person if they put their minds to it. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone. Two more chapters next week. So on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. So, y'all never guess what's happening here tonight. Is it snowing? Yes. <laughs> really? It's not Whoa. sticking, but it is. I, I got home and mom said, you have 20 minutes. You got to bring all the plants in that you put out over the weekend. Oh, wow. So I spent the weekend taking out all the plants that we overwintered and trimming them all back and setting them out in the sun. And then it's supposed to get 29 tonight in <laughs> snow. Goodness. Everything's We're been thawing here. Tomorrow. Yep, it's just backwards. I can't wait. <laughs> Today it wasn't as warm as it has been the last couple of days. We were up to 8, 9 degrees, which is like 50 or something like that. Like and uh, today it was more like minus one and one, which is around 30 or so, 30, 34, somewhere in there. Oh, oh yeah, you do Celsius, huh?
Yeah. We are weird up here. Yeah. You just do pretty much more correctly. I still don't yeah. understand how Fahrenheit works. I've been living in the States for three years and I still don't get it. I have to change it to Celsius when I'm around checking because I still don't get it. <laughs> don't worry, neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing actually makes sense. Just sort of pretend. Yeah. Minus 40 is the same. If you ever get to minus 40, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. It's yep. damn cold. That's true. Yep. But yes, while I was bringing in the plants, it snowed about four flakes. And I noticed on my friend's Facebook that lives up the hill from me that they're getting it too. Yeah, I can't believe that. Ugh, here's just been so windy. Yeah. It so windy. Really windy too. We have a swamp in our backyard at the moment where the water comes off the eaves and things. It's been actually nice and I kind of wish I went out running this afternoon, but I didn't feel like trying to run with the gravel that's still out there on the streets and mm -hmm. slip and fall and break my neck. Yeah, that would be good. We don't want you to slip and fall and break your neck. Yeah. So I just did the treadmill today. That works. I hate the treadmill. We lost Scott. Yeah, thanks for paying attention to that. I'm listening to this well, sorry, I just that's cruising to look up. outside my door. Going, um, why is there a motorcycle cruising around outside my door? Because they're nuts. They're nuts. Um, we still lost Scott. Oh, he's all the way gone now. That's usually how it works. So did anybody do anything fun and exciting while we're waiting for Scott? I worked on three different projects today. Three different projects. That's cool. That's, for me. That's pretty typical for me. Oh. Oop, there he is. Let's hope for the best. So, shall we give this a... a after all. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. Most of us. It's true. We aren't a completely <laughs> mono house podcast, which is good. I'm just surrounded by health puffs. I don't I'm mind. Like, it's okay. We'll have you. I'm not a true health puff. No, you're a slither puff. I don't know what I am. Eh, something or other. You're a puffin claw. Probably. A puffin plow? Claw. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I've ever used a plow, but I'm sure if I did, I would be puffing. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> Pretty cute. <laughs> Anytime you want to give it a try, you just drop on by, Scott. Mm -hmm. We'll find you something. Actually, on the tractor, you'd do just fine. You'd have a great time. You wouldn't even have to be puffing. Oh, there you go. You can listen to Poofa. It's hard to listen to Poofa on the tractor. Yeah, it's, true. Yeah. it's rather noisy, I would imagine. Yeah. Scott? Did he? Oh, yeah, we lost him again. Oh, God. It's going to be one of those days. <laughs> and I took notes and left them at work. Like I said, I read this a long time ago, and then I was going to listen to it, then I got busy. Mm -hmm. I just read it a couple hours ago, but I didn't make that many notes, because I was too caught up on it. I was sobbing by the end of the prequel. <laughs> this, is <laughs> why, this is why Kelly won't do this one with us. No, but you know what? I usually don't do that. It's just, it's, it does make me sad, and it does make me want to cry, but not sobbing. Is that flurry in the background, or does somebody have a baby crying? I'm sorry, I was watching The Incredibles. Oh, it's fine. It was just like, wow, that cat's upset. <laughs> uh, my cat is a freaking dog. That's what you said. She oh, she's driving me... Well, okay, this sounds awful, but she has two favorite toys. She has a little scrunchy kind of metallic paper ball. Mm -hmm. And you throw it, and she brings it back to you, and she puts it on the ground, looks at you, and looks at the ball, looks at you, looks at the ball, until you throw it. Mm -hmm. 
Then she has this other toy. It's her other favorite one. It's like a riding crop. <laughs> but it has feathers on the end. Mm-hmm. And it has a bell. Well, she brought that to me this morning around six and hit me in the face with it. <laughs> because she wanted to play. <laughs> All right. I'm just gonna look, like, I'm half awake and I'm flinging this thing around. She's just having a good old time. I'm like, uh. <laughs> Oh, well. I was Oscar partying last night. It was great fun. I ate way too much food. <laughs> way too much food. When did Christy Alley have a lemur on her? She didn't, but she raises lemurs. It was an inside joke. I didn't know that. Yeah, if you follow her on Twitter, she talks about the baby lemurs all the time. <laughs> And I thought I had to go as somebody, not just as a star. So I was like trying to find somebody. I said, that's it, mom. I'm going as Richard Simmons. I can wear sweatpants and I'll be comfortable. And she wouldn't let me. (laughs) Oh, mom is such a party pooper. I know it. Hey, Scott. I was going to say, I saw that. Oh, hello. Yes. Did you go downstairs? He's already downstairs. Also, you came upstairs. No, I only have downstairs right now. The rest of the internet in the house is dead. Because our router blew up sometime last week, so only this computer gets internet now. There wasn't actually flame or smoke or anything, but it's dead anyway. We should have just said it blew up and the flames were out and everything like that. It it would make a very good poofla story. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We'll start rumors, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, fizz monkeys. All right. I was just looking. Can we ask her where the heck the fizz monkeys come from? If you want to. <laughs> if we do an actual interview, that could be one of the questions. Okay, thank you. Well, shall we give this a start? Okay, Why not? Yes. So, welcome to Peoncast. We are doing today, Wednesday dates, by fizz monkeys. We should have a link in front, um, on her live journal in the, oh God, can I do that again? Sure. Do you want to start and have us introduced before you do it? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing it out there. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part. The peons are coming. This is Miss Lupin, known as Trisha. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Ami, also known as Lady Rue. And this week we are doing Wednesday Dates by Fizz Monkeys. We'll have the link on our notes, and the Vicka is on Live Journal. She also has a prequel that we're going to do too called The Proper Date, or Proper Place, I'm sorry. Bad me. And hope you like it. Kelly refused to be on this episode because apparently she would cry. Yeah. It is a very bring-your-tissues sort of fic. It is. I personally did not cry, but it is very sad. Oh, you're such a macho man. (laughs) (laughs) Is this... Oh, God, is this really sad? I don't blame Kelly at all because I was sobbing by the end of the fic Mm -hmm. also. Oh, yeah. It's definitely very touching. She does really well. Mm Mm-hmm. And she does... well. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. I suppose we're sort of spoiling things by telling you it's a sad fic, because it doesn't actually start out that way. That's true. I do have to say, if you go on her live journal, the little picture of it is one of my favorite pictures. 
Denny in the wedding dress and the orchids and the roses and kissing Harry. It's just a cute picture. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at it now going, that's so pretty. Yeah, I saw that. It made me cry even harder. But <laughs> Do you know who the artist is for that? Or? I have no idea. No, I don't know. Well, matter. if it's familiar to any of our listeners, write in and tell us who it is and maybe you'll get points. Maybe not. Who knows? But write in anyway. We'll give you something. <laughs> so it starts out just explaining to you this tradition they have of Wednesday dates. Every Wednesday since, I don't know if it's since they've been married, or I think it was even earlier in their relationship, but particularly since they've been married, every Wednesday, Harry and Ginny will have a date. They'll go out and have a picnic somewhere, or he'll make breakfast for them, or something like that. Keep the romance alive, I guess. I think it's wonderful. I think a lot of couples should do that. I mean, it's not that they did anything crazy. It's just picnic having. It's just having time alone with each other, not mm-hmm. with the kids or anything. Just you and your significant other. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good idea. It doesn't idea. have to be on Valentine's Day or an anniversary or anything like that necessarily. Uh-huh. Can just do it whenever. I think it's a good idea. I mean, this is what families do to stay in touch. You know, they will have Sunday brunch together or some weekly or monthly tradition so they can all see each other and stay in touch. And I don't see why couples don't have something like this. Yeah, I mean, if it's this occasional walk in the park, doing a crossword, reading a book, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. You don't have to go out to the movies. You don't have to do an expensive dinner and stuff like that. It's just doing something like, I mean, put a puzzle together, crossword or something. It's just something that you can be more focused on each other and working together on something. And actually, the date is they meet every Wednesday for lunch. Sometimes he makes breakfast, but she never, ever eats because she says, oh, I can do just fine with toast or bacon. And then he finds it difficult to while away the time until lunch. And that's when he does the crossword or he takes a walk or he reads a book because he's waiting, anticipating the time that he gets to go and meet with her at lunch. And even after 50 years of marriage, their love never waned. It was always strong, everlasting, and passionate. And every Wednesday was their tradition. I really like the part about how Ron took the Mickey out of Harry because he thought Ginny was the one making him keep up with all these dates. And in reality, it's Harry who wants this tradition to keep going, appreciates it that much more, I think. Mm -hmm. And then Hermione figures out that it's kind of a great thing. And yeah. she makes Ron do it, and Harry refrains from taking the Mickey back out on Ron. He's just like... Mm-hmm. He's like... <laughs> yeah. And you can kind of tell that he's getting a little older because he's lost track of time. He's kind of sitting there daydreaming, and all of a sudden he realizes that it's getting late, and he's got to, you know, jump up out of his comfortable lawn chair, which I just think is hysterical. I, I don't see Harry as sitting in a lawn chair. I don't know why. But I saw the hammock, but then I thought, yeah, an old man in a hammock is just not a good idea. No. no. <laughs> but I can see the lawn chair being one of those, you know, it's not just a chair chair, but one of those lay back ones, kind of like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I also kind of had the idea that we were seeing an older Harry because he kept mentioning 
a long time ago or in the beginning of the relationship or in Harry's younger days. I mean, these phrases keep coming up so you can kind of get an idea of the fact that we're talking about an older Harry. And I think the author does really well to kind of give you a little preview into the fact that Harry is older. Harry and Ginny have been married for 50 years, obviously. So this is not the boy Harry or the young Harry that we know from canon. Mm-hmm. I kind of, when I was reading it, I just kept picturing an Arthur right. Weasley kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, not the red hair, but it was just that kind of like, okay, he has a little bit of a putch now around the middle. Just a little bit slower. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just kept picturing Arthur. Well, that makes sense. So he's realized that it's running late. And he jumps up and he goes in to make a delicious lunch for them for their picnic. And he hears the flu. And it's Ron going, hey, Harry, mate, are you here? And Harry's kind of thinking to himself, well, Ron, you know I'm getting ready for my date. What are you doing? And so his first response is, you know, is there anything wrong? Are you and Hermione okay? And Ron's like, uh, yeah, why? <laughs> you know, because Ron's still slightly clueless. <laughs> Ron's always slightly clueless. Yeah. I think he will always be slightly clueless. Always. And I like that Harry reminds him that it's Wednesday and he has a date with Ginny. And Ron looks to the side of the fireplace and he's obviously communicating with Hermione. I think it's kind of cute. It's kind of like, okay, what do I say? Hermione's giving him the answers again. Always. Feeding him the lines. He says, well, you know, if you change your mind, Harry, I'm here and I'm bored and you can come over. And Harry just kind of shakes his head and thinks that Ron's sort of losing his marbles. Yeah. Especially towards the end, when you find out more stuff, you kind of get the feeling that maybe Hermione is really pushing Ron to do this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely picture that in my head. Where Ron's like, get over it, Hermione. He's just... She's like, Ron, just do it. You're his best friend. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just nagging him, nagging him, and nagging him. That could be. Probably. I'm just finally goes, okay, I'll do it. Fine. So the next thing that we see is Harry strolling down the sidewalk in the Muggle neighborhood, and he stops at Mr. Middleton's small flower shop because he's got to pick up flowers. And I just, I really like Mr. Middleton, who's been waiting on him for 30 years, we find out. Since he was a teenager. Yes. Oh, Mr. Potter, how are you today? You're running a little late. And Harry's like, I'm well. You know me too well. You know that I'm running late, kind of a thing. So you can tell that they've got almost a friendship. Yeah. I guess if you've been doing business with the same person for 30 years, you would. Yeah. It's just like anything. Sometimes you have yourself in a routine so much that sometimes it's like there's a woman that walks her dog outside my office. And that's how I know it's like 1130. Mm -hmm. Because I see this woman walking her dog. I think the dog walks her. But sometimes it's the other way around, too. (laughs) Yeah. And I like that Harry says, please, Frank, will there ever be a day when you can just call me Harry? And Frank's like, maybe one of these days, sir. (laughs) And he offers him his usual dozen daisies, but Harry says, no, today I need two dozen roses. Yeah. He obviously knows Harry pretty well. He remembers that it's their anniversary. Mm -hmm. So. And then he says, and will there be two white ones? And Harry says, no, there's three. This year three this year. It's about at this point that you, well, it's one thing that brings up that there's something going on beyond the obvious. Yeah, it's the foreshadowing. 
It's also a little bit odd, Ron's conversation earlier, but if you aren't expecting anything, that doesn't really stand out too much. Mm -hmm. So they talk about it being their 50th anniversary, and Harry goes to pay, and Frank's like, no, 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 this is my anniversary gift to you. And Harry's going to try to insist on paying, but Frank reminds him that he doesn't get his way. Yes, he's going to be late, and you know you have to be late. And so he hurries off to meet Ginny for his lunch date. Mm-hmm. And we get a description of the place where they have their date now. And they talk about a park that they went to before that. And how after they were looking for a more secluded place, and they found out that a muggle man had a lot for sale. And I guess they bought it, and they kept a big, is it oak? Mm-hmm. Oak tree? Mm-hmm. And they sat at the foot of the tree for their picnic. Right. I think an oak tree is one of the most romantic trees. I mean, I'm not being goofy or anything, but it is just a romantic tree. I think it's just because it's such a big tree, you know, its branches expand a lot, so it makes it a little bit more secluded and intimate. There's a large patch of shade underneath. Mm -hmm. Same with the weeping willow. Yeah, that one has its own sort of curtain, I guess, as well, but the oak is quite spreading. Yes. Do you know what they call weeping willow trees? They're no called, weeping willow tree? They're called widow makers because the wood is very fragile, and it tends to break and drop branches on people and kill them. Oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. Not so romantic, then. <laughs> <laughs> Not the one you want to picnic under. Nope, nope, nope. And he thinks about Ginny, who has always reminded him that the tree was there for a reason. It was there to protect them and to shield them from everything in the world. And above all, like their love, it was strong and eternal. So they felt the same way about their tree. See, I told you it was a romantic. (laughs) Harry's a romantic. He is. Well, I suppose that's because that's how people write him, but it makes sense to me. He's very romantic in this, you know. We find out that he's been making her breakfast, that he makes her lunch for these picnics. And now that no, he's... He never hardly eats any of the breakfast. Right. He makes it anyway. He's like... He's used to cooking for more than one person. Mm-hmm. And I then, think he enjoys it. He enjoys the idea of cooking for more than one person, even after I don't know how many years, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another thing that's sort of a fandom, Harry, though. You can see where it comes from in the books. We do show him breakfast at least twice, but the fandom Harry is often a really good cook and enjoys doing that. Isn't always. Sometimes they like to take that and turn it on its head, but it makes sense. Yeah, I was surprised in the original books that he didn't cook that much in the seventh I mean, it's always seemed like Hermione was cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he's got his picnic set and he's taking out the blanket and smoothing it up so it has all the corners straight and he has to have everything just so. Yeah. You think that's a military thing, like an or thing about everything being just so? Could be an or thing. Could just be another romantic thing. Yeah, but maybe that's the way that Jimmy likes the painting to look. So maybe that's why he does it that way. I don't know. Yeah. It would be a good question, though. Why he cared or why he puts attention into it. Mm-hmm. The next thing that he has to get ready is... He takes out a picture of Ginny in her mid-twenties that they took while they were at the park having their picnic that Wednesday, and she was being goofy. Yeah. 
Then they go on to talk about how Ginny joked about how he was obsessed with her younger self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, well, at least it's my younger self that he's looking at, not another younger woman. So I guess that's okay. <laughs> Yes, that had been a particularly good Wednesday. It was bright and sunny outside, and she decided that after their lunch picnic, she wasn't going back to work after all. Mm-hmm. He decided to take a picture, and she spun around and caught him at it. Yeah, she was dancing and flinging her arms and swinging in delirious circles as a shower of leaves drifted down around her. And this is where everything sort of comes to a head. Because yeah. he touches the picture tenderly, and he kisses it when she's blowing a kiss at the camera. And he puts it down, and... You just know something's going to happen. You just know, because of all this. You can sort of see your mental camera turn, and he's looking, in fact, at her headstone that they've placed under this oak where they met all the time. Ugh. So sad. So I know. Yeah. This is... Ginevra Molly Potter from 1981 to 2049, and she's been dead for three years at this point. I love the, it says, beloved sister, mother, and cherished wife. To my partner, my love, my soulmate, I meant every minute. Harry. I was like, okay. That's when I started to plumber. Mm-hmm. That actually reminds me of another story. I think it was Rebuilding Life, actually, which would be appropriate where Harry helped George carve a sentence on Fred's tomb. Yeah. Harry swallowed the thick lump that was quickly rising in his throat as he laid the two dozen red roses on the ground in front of him. He remained still for a moment before finally making his words audible. It's our anniversary today, love. I don't know if you remember, he mumbled quietly. But I, I bought these for you, just a small way to show my love. And these, he added, placing the three white roses gently on top of the others. One for every year we've been apart. And that's how you know that she had died three years before. And he still goes every Wednesday to have a picnic with him. Because he's promised her that he's going to love her until he dies. And he's very much keeping this promise. Okay. Hold on. All right. Let's go. (laughs) Deep breaths. Deep breaths. Yeah. Deep Deep breaths. breaths. Deep breaths. He just talks to her. He talks to her just as he would if she was actually there. But he's telling her how much he misses her and how hard it is. And that he's absolutely amazed that he's made it every day without her these last three years. He doesn't know how he's done it. He's just taken one day at a time and he's made it through, but he still has that pain and time isn't actually healing this wound. Do you guys see it coming at all? When I first read it, I did not see it coming. I was, at first I was like, what the heck are you guys doing? And that's when I was saying, I could just see, like, right here is when I kind of, I think I even went back to Ron's conversation. And kind of, oh, this totally makes more sense. I can see Hermione nagging Ron to call Harry to make sure he's okay. Mm -hmm. That's where... I mean, yeah, I stopped right after the tombstone and went back and read the whole Ron scene. I saw it coming the first time I read it. I just knew there was something yeah, coming. So did I. I, You know, right in the beginning when he says that he's making breakfast and that he's just waiting for time to pass, I was thinking, okay, they've been married 50 years. Harry's retired. Obviously, Ginny is with him. Why isn't he with him? Where is she? 
And then Ron came along, and I would figure, okay, maybe she went to visit Hermione. She's not there. And I was just going, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something is going to happen. I'm not going to like it. And it did. So I, I, I knew something was wrong ever since pretty much the beginning. I knew that something was up, but I didn't know particularly what it was until you sort of confirmed for me that something was up. And then when I was copying them to take upstairs and read without internet, I don't know if I saw something in passing or if I just was thinking about it more, but um, I kind of knew what was coming. I'm not sure whether I would have figured it out just reading it through or not, but I could tell there was something anyway. So he stays and he spends the afternoon or as much time as they had spent before. And then he has to leave, and he's very, very reluctant to leave. He kind of has to steal himself to do it. He puts his hand on the tombstone and does these various little things to get himself going, and then all of a sudden he remembers that he has something for her. And he pulls an egg. And to my mind, it's a Cadbury egg, but I'm sure that's not what it is. But when I read Colorful Little Easter Egg, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, me too, that's what I thought. It's a Mrs. Weasley egg. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he's given her the egg. He's folded the handkerchief around the pitcher and, and returned it very carefully to his pocket, making sure not to bend the corners and everything, getting himself ready to go. And it says each week had proved harder to leave than the last. And with painstaking effort, he finally took a faltering step back because mm -hmm. he knows that he won't see her again until next week. And I wonder if. He doesn't allow himself to look at the picture, except for when he's with her and the picnics. Yeah, I don't know. I think that would kind of be like putting more salt on my wound. True. I can maybe when she first died, he probably looked at the picture a lot. And it's probably most likely the picture that he had on his desk when he was at work. And then we kind of have the same kind of thing that happened in the story that we did a couple of weeks ago in my garden, where just as he's leaving, a gust of wind rustles the branches of the oak and leaves fall and float down on the breeze. And as it's happening, they kind of circle around him and he feels like he's had a hug. Mm -hmm. And he knows deep in his soul that it's Ginny's way of saying that she loves him and that she's always by him. And in, in my garden, the same kind of thing happened with Neville in that he was standing by the greenhouse and all of a sudden the wind opened the door and kind of pushed him inside. And we know from that author that it was his grandfather kind of giving him a help. So it's interesting that it's happened in both of these where the wind is used like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a common sort of metaphor. And it's even, if you go back to Greek, it's the same word. Spirit and wind is the same word. Yeah, I think even in American Indian, the wind is what you are guided on as your spirit guide. The wind takes you up to whatever you're supposed to be. Yeah. So the wind is very significant in many religions. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has a very intense symbolism. You know, whenever you feel like a gust of wind, it describes us many, many things, you know. I've heard it described as an angel kissing your cheek every time the wind blows your way. That it's a message, that it's guiding you. It's, it's very significant. It's because it's one of those things that everyone knows it exists, and we all feel it, but no one can see what's going on. It's ephemeral that way. Mm -hmm. And that is the end of the first story, Wednesday Date. And we are going to move to the second one, which is A Proper Place, and it is actually a prequel to Wednesday Date. This was written later, right? I believe After so. 
What's the date? I don't know that for sure, but probably. I mean, if it's saying it's a prequel, then yeah, most likely. It was really yeah. after. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be what happened before mm-hmm. what we just finished, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't imagine it was. We'll have to ask. And here's the quote that I was talking about earlier, where it says, Will you love me for the rest of my life? Ginny whispered. No, Harry said to her surprise. I'll love you for the rest of mine. So, uh, right there, I kind of, like, since I know what this has to do with, I see this is kind of, like, on, sorry to say this, but on Jenny's deathbed, when Harry says that to her. Yeah, but I think as we go through this, you'll find that he isn't aware. Yeah, maybe. One of the things that happens is that he feels guilty because he was asleep when she died. And he feels that he should have been there for her. You know, so it might have been on her deathbed, but not... Or it, maybe the night, like, the they day knew before. something was going yeah. on. Maybe it's like she had some kind of illness. They know something's going on. Right. So this starts with Lily coming in and Albus embracing her and she's asking, where's dad? And Albus says he's still upstairs. And Uncle Ron and Aunt Hermione have been trying to get him to come downstairs and it's not happening. And she's feeling guilty because she wasn't able to get there right away because she was babysitting. And she just couldn't be there any sooner than she got there. And, you know, he's saying, you don't have to worry, we're taking care of it. And she's just beside herself because she's just lost her mother. And she's not really sure what to do. Yeah. I mean, it's always hard when someone loses a parent. Her response is absolutely believable. I mean, you are always going to wonder, what if I had been there? What if I had been there sooner? What if, you know? And you just keep asking, what if, what if, what if? And you just keep torturing yourself with that question. Right. Yeah. And you can't. I mean, there's never a what if. You can't be there for everything. Just as a parent myself, I mean, I have a young child, and I do the what ifs. I'm like, what if I'm doing the wrong thing? My horrible parent because I want an hour to go running or something like that. And what if something happens? But the thing is, you can't do that. That's just not fair to you. That's not fair to everybody else in your life. But it happens. So you do do the what ifs. And it's just, I mean, I've never lost a parent. Knock on wood. Yeah, but it's going to happen. And I know not just me, but everybody else in your life is going to do that. Mm-hmm. So she asks where James is, and Alvis is still as scattered as she is, and says he's fluing the people that they haven't been able to reach. Mm-hmm. He asks about her sisters in law. Their names are Colleen and Anna, it seems, and about the children. And she asks about Teddy. Mm-hmm. So we get to see how the Potter family has expanded over the years. Yeah, grown and... Mm-hmm. They've sort of extrapolated, though, that Teddy and Victoire are actually married now, rather than they were being boyfriend and girlfriend in the epilogue, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or at well, least making eyes at each other. <laughs> if they haven't gotten together by now, they're never getting together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well... Could have been that Teddy and Victoire were boyfriend and girlfriend for a while in school, and then they married completely different people. Mm-hmm. But I guess there's no real need. Yeah. I think Victoire would have laid down the law and been like, well, are you going to marry me or not? <laughs> <laughs> Being the typical French girl. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> we find out that Anna has taken the younger kids up to James's old room to keep them busy so that They're kind of out of the way, and that Colleen is at Hogwarts picking up their daughter Olivia, 
and that she's going to also pick up Evan and Lucas, one of which belongs to Lily and the other of which belongs to James. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Lily is just trying to distract herself, like, you know, where are the kids? Where are the girls? Where's everybody? Did you call everyone? You know, she starts to be frantic. Yeah. Think up anything else to be thinking about, you know. Other than what's going on. Hmm, did I leave the iron on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people have different ways of reacting to stress. And it's probably just trying to get everybody organized. I can see being a very Jenny kind of trait, though, too. Right. And she's coming kind of late to the party. They've already taken care of everything, but she still has to go through the motions and yeah. mention everything. Yeah, Figure out what's going on, where everything is, and, and where... Make sure she's on the right page. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says, I want to see her. And she's just barely able to say it. And she's looking towards the stairs. And she's just, you know, she's not going to accept it until she sees her mother. Yeah. But they haven't been able to go up yet because Harry's still there and he hasn't shown any signs of moving. And Ron and Hermione have sort of said, you should just leave him to do what he needs to do. So they go to the kitchen to make tea, just to distract themselves again, I think. Just, you know, to have something to do. Isn't that the line that Ron says? He goes, well, that's what Mom does. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they've gone in to make the tea. They find out that James has gotten a hold of Luna and that she's kind of traveling, but will be back. I finally managed to get in touch with Luna. Apparently, she's still out and about and traveling. And as he starts to say that, he sees his sister and crosses over. He calls her a little bit. She kind of bats at him and says, don't call me that. But she's secretly thrilled that he's doing it. Mm-hmm. I feel like you see Lily in so much of... I mean, you see Ginny in Lily a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they talk about her. Lily had never been one of those girls who was considered overly sensitive or dependent. She had always been able to care of herself. That reminds me a lot of Ginny's attitude, but Ginny also had her weak moments, and there were times when she needed to cling to someone. Right. And this time, Lily chooses to cry into her brother's chest and just grieve for her mother, whom she hasn't even seen. Right. And they kind of all comfort each other. And she says that she's able to let go now because she knows that they're going to be there to take care of her. And then they start to talk to Ron and Hermione, and they know that something's up when the two kind of sit down and just look at them and be like, what aren't you telling us? And we find out that Ron and Hermione have been dropping by the house every day just to check. So we know that she was frail. We don't know that she was ill or something, but we know that there was something going on because they were dropping by to check on her every day or check on them both every day. They, you know, they said that they dropped in and they didn't think anything was different, but when they called, Harry didn't answer. And by the time that they got upstairs, Ginny was gone and Harry was just kind of... Gone as well, practically, I mean... Yeah. He was completely devastated. He still is. In a way, he hasn't even realized that he's still alive. He's just so concentrated on the fact that Ginny has left. Yeah. This is a line about Hermione. It says, She wished desperately that she wasn't sitting there in her friend's home, telling her friend's children, her family, how lifeless their mother was when she and Ron had found her. She couldn't tell them that she watched their father bent low over his wife's body, clutch her hand, and cry as if his soul had been torn from his chest. 
The image of that moment was burned so vividly into her mind that she would never be able to forget it, and she knew that she didn't have the strength to ever tell them that news. So she's having to fight this burden too, because these people have been friends and family together for years and years and years. And especially Ron and Hermione, all the stuff that they've been through in their lives, it's a closer relationship than anything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about doctors or policemen who have to deliver those kinds of news, I mean, that must be so hard. I think in some ways it's kind of, I mean, news like that as a doctor or something like that, in some aspects, you're not there personally. Uh, but this is that they have a history together. Where with a doctor, you might have only known this person for hours or months at a time, and that's it. You don't have a personal relationship with. It sounds awful to say, but you have a disconnect. Yeah. Where that's with them, they do not. This is family. Personally, I wouldn't want to have to tell people that either. So, I mean, it's still hard, but in some aspects, you do have that disconnect with that. Yeah, so Hermione's kind of said too much, and they're all kind of just sitting there in an awkward silence as they're waiting for their time to grieve, and now is not the time. They kind of want to wait until they're alone, and they hear a sound of a door closing, and it gets everybody's attention, and James had just said that he was going to go check on Anna and the kids. So now James says, oh, that must be them now, but as they listen, it's only one set of footsteps, so they know it must be Harry. And so they start up the stairs. Uh, I'm sorry, see, I just want to go back to this little line previously. It's right after Hermione tells them that Ginny has passed away. And it says, Ron's head slumped forward and hung in silence as Hermione's small hand reached up and began combing her fingers through his soft gray hair. I mean, for me, this was the moment I remember. You know, Ginny's not only Harry's wife, and she's not only Lily's mother. She also has brothers, and I don't know if Molly and Arthur are still alive, but if so, she has parents, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is Ron's sister, so I think you can feel a little bit about how Ron needs that comfort from Hermione as well, and how Hermione probably needs it too. Mm -hmm. In so many ways, Hermione and Ron are probably feeling the comfort with I don't know why this kind of reminds me of, uh, what is that sitcom about a man and a woman and their life together in New York? Oh, what is that sitcom's name? But anyhow, his dad died, and they're in a limo, and you see him and his wife comfort each other. Then you see his sister and her partner comfort each other, but then you see his mom in the middle of them just being alone. In so many ways, you, you just kind of look at that, and you're like, it just kind of brings it more that they're alone. And then you see them, after they comfort each other a little bit, feel guilty. And I would just sense that because everybody there really has someone except for Harry. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a part that, depending on the order you read them, I guess, either harks back to the one we just read, or it's the beginning of that tendency where he can't quite bring himself to leave. There's this magnetic pull that he has to resist every time in order to leave the place where he's taking the picnic, or in this case, to leave the room. It takes all of his willpower to even try and do anything other than sit there with her, basically. Obviously, it's a lot worse at this point in his life because it's just happened. But even though he's learned to deal with it a little bit better by the time we get to Wednesday dates, it's still a pattern that he's following. 
That's something I noticed as we were reading over tonight. That didn't come up for me before, but there's quite a parallel there. I like this. It was like this every time his gaze found her now. He felt as if his heart stopped beating. How had he ever lived without her before they met? How had he not realized the very first day he saw her on platform nine and three quarters that she was already irreplaceable to him? Why did it take him six years to understand that there would never be anyone for him but her? It's so touching. It is. Just it wonderfully is. written. Yeah, it is. And it's something, it's just like, I, I will say I am a skeptic when it comes to love, but in so many ways I am a hopeless romantic and you just hope for this for someone, if not for yourself, but for someone close to experience something like that. Mm -hmm. And here we find this is his guilt, that he's overwhelmed with this heartache because he had not stayed awake. And he's thinking to himself, what if she's called out to him as she lay there and he hadn't heard her? And he's just consumed with questions, you know, what if they changed one moment or one decision of their lives? One, would she still be there now? You know, he's so torn up, and he doesn't really know what to do, and he's just thinking of everything he can think of. And I've been yeah, in that situation. The what if game. Yeah. I mean, nothing this drastic, but, you know, what if I had done something different? Would this have changed? And he's really, really playing that. Yeah, and he's just so focused. I mean, there's a line before that I think drives home the point that Trisha was making. Where it goes, it wouldn't matter that he had family and friends that were worried about him. He knew that time would heal all their wounds, but it wouldn't heal his. I mean, this is what Trisha was saying, that he's the only one who was truly alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hermione and Ron still have each other, but their children have their spouses and their own children. But Harry lost his wife, so. Yeah, Harry lost a part of himself. He really did. He's finally getting ready to leave the room. And he hears his name and his head snaps up in the direction of the sound. And he kind of looks and he's kind of in the corridor. He's gotten out of the room and he's just in the corridor. And he has to think to himself, did he really hear something or not? And he can't find anything. He can't find anyone there. And his shoulders drop into feet and his body is worn and exhausted. And he just, he's not sure. And then he hears the voice again. And this time he knows it's her voice. It was tiny, hesitant nearly the way he'd heard her call his name several times before. He spun around, praying this time his mind wasn't playing tricks on him. What he found when he turned back was not what he expected. He froze, confused by what now lay in front of him. And he has, I guess, a vision of Ginny back in her younger years from the photograph. Mm -hmm. Is it a vision, or would you say a memory? Yeah, yeah. She asks him to do something for her, and she gives him these letters that she wrote to him and to all her children, and Ron and Hermione, and some friends. Mm -hmm. And Harry doesn't want to take them, because if he promises to give them to the people that they're addressed to, it makes it real, I suppose, for him that Ginny may well actually be gone soon enough. He's just insisting, no, of course, you'll get better. You can just hand them out yourself. And every time she tries to make him face it, he backs off. Yeah. And this, again, shows us that she knew she was dying because she took the time to write these letters. Although we still don't know why or how or what's going on. We know that it wasn't completely unexpected. 
And I like that she's, you know, she gives him the letters and everything. And then he kind of realizes that he has it in his hand and he opens it up and she says, I know that you're reading this before I wanted you to read it. And she kind of expected him to not wait because he just isn't that kind of person. She knows him. She does. Oh, and the picture, the picture that we saw on mm -hmm. the previous story, Wednesday dates, we found out that he was misplaced and was missing. And it was in the envelope along with Harry's letter. Yeah. So Janine gave it back to him and tells him to remember her as she was in the picture. Yeah, and I tend to think that it was, air quotes, misplaced in that she yeah. took it. And she hid it because she was a little jealous of it. She was jealous of her own self. <laughs> yeah. Well, her younger self. I mean, I have an aunt who is... 60 something right now and she was a beauty queen back in her teens and she still has like that big picture with the crown and the flowers and she's waving and she's still like she sees it and she smiles at it today and it's a sad kind of smile because she remembers how beautiful she was and i think it's just a nostalgia that you get yeah i found the letter it's a terry if i know you you're probably reading this letter before i wanted you to Actually, if you decided to wait and read it when I asked, then I'd be surprised, but I find that highly doubtful. You were never the patient one when it came to these things. I put off writing this letter for as long as I could. I thought maybe if I didn't put the words on paper, it wouldn't make things so final, but I guess I really can't hold off anymore. And there's so much to say, and now so little time. And it keeps going on. It talks about the picture and everything like you had been saying. It says, keep me in your heart, Harry. Carry me with you. As long as you do, I'll always be here. Yours forever, Jin. Yeah. Deep breaths, deep breaths. By that time, she's asleep, I think. And he promises to her that he's not going to let her go. Mm -hmm. And then he'll stop at nothing to keep his vow. And then it goes on to the second part of this. It does. <laughs> and we skip to another memory of his. And he's at the oak. He's resting against the oak tree in the warm summer day. And he fell asleep. Yeah. And Ginny says, you don't know what you're missing. And she's laying a few meters away in her dress. And she's... Oh, this is the younger Ginny. All right, the other one was my right. And she's the image, yeah, the image of the picture. I do like this place that they meet in. It's a very nice place. And sort of like to be able to go there yourself. Yeah. He says, um... Don't you want to lay down with me for a little while? Under other circumstances, Harry probably would have waited, making her beg as she always would by batting her eyelashes and sticking out her lower lip, at which point he would be lost. But today, he could not wait to give in. <clears throat> and so she kind of joins him, and he joins her, actually. Yeah, he joins her. She was not expecting him. And so she did a little, like, oh, okay. Yeah, because she thought she was going to make her big. Make her big, yeah. Did little. And so they're talking and giggling and just having a really good time together. And talking about being serious and stuff. And she wants to know if they can just stay there forever. Just the two of us. And he says, you say that now, but you'll change your mind. And she says, and I think this is an important line. No, I really mean it, she insisted. I've dreamt about staying here with you under this big oak tree, even when we die. He says, you're not going to die, Jen. You know, I won't let you. 
but that's what he remembers when it comes time to bury her. Mm-hmm. At this point, she says, I better go and Harry replies to Kim. We haven't had enough time. He begs her that he wants more time. And she goes, I know. And then kisses him. Because she has to leave. This is the part where I think it becomes real. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether this entire scene is a new thing or whether parts of it are from his memory. It's probably parts of his memory, but it morphs into a dream where she's leaving and he's just telling her, don't go. And she says, I really have to go. I do. This is goodbye. And he wakes up and she's gone. And I'd like to think that's actually her saying goodbye. And yeah, she's getting further and further away and he's got a sinking feeling in his stomach and he knows something's wrong. It's just like when you have dreams and they're so vivid and stuff like that, then you go with it for so long, but then something just happens, some kind of blur or something like that, and you know it's just a dream and you just don't want to wake up from it. Mm-hmm. And this is when he wakes up and we're still sort of in the flashback because he's remembering this from in the hall, but it's a much more recent memory, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that listening to this on the text reader and not knowing that we're going back and the italics and stuff like that, I was confused for a while. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't say star, 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 star when you know you're getting to a next scene. Right. Even reading it, sometimes it's hard to try and see what's a vision and what's a memory and where exactly in the timeline you are. Yeah. But the thing is, it's so hard to... It is something hard to write. It would be easier as a visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, you can make it very vivid, but then give little hints of blurriness and make it more dreamlike until the end, and that's when you realize. Yeah. So he's kind of woke up again, and he's had this dream that she's left him. And at first, he's relieved because she's still there, and the letter's still there. It's probably just his mind playing tricks on him. And he goes over, and he gives her a kiss. And as he's doing that, he realizes that there's something wrong, that she's not breathing anymore. And things come crashing down on him. Harry's aged hand shook her shoulders gently in desperation. He could feel the tears spilling from the corners of his eyes and tried to blink them away quickly. He could not give up now. This was not the end. It was only a dream. It had not been real. Okay, I'm (laughs) blubbering. But it is real. Uh, and this is where he starts once again to play the what if game. What mm-hmm. if she woke up while I was asleep? What if she tried to say something? Yeah. Starts being Harry and he starts blaming himself. How could he have done this? How could he have slept while she lay dying? How could he ever forgive himself? Yeah. And then it cuts back to everybody that's downstairs and they're sure that they're hurting. Hermione's in the middle of calling out his name, which is what prompted this whole fugue with the memories. Mm-hmm. But they don't know what's going on, only that they heard him and now there's no sign of him. So they're wondering what they can do, whether they should send someone upstairs, or leave him to himself some more, or just what. And Lily says, somebody should go check. Mm-hmm. So, James is going, because he's the oldest, and she says she wants to go too. And this is one of the tougher parts of the whole thing, really. Particularly reading some of the comments, but I agree with them as well, that they find him there, 
and she can't make him respond by calling him dad. So she calls him Harry, and of course, he thinks it's Ginny. Right. She looks exactly like him. Yeah, that was mentioned earlier in the story. And that that would be really tough. Mm-hmm. Particularly right then, but I mean, even if one of your parents had been dead for some time, to have him be muddled enough that they think it's someone else would be hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, probably yeah. did this even when he was younger, when she was growing up, but like especially when she was a teenager, stuff. Get that little look and like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, you're just my daughter, not my wife. There, like a little bit of a second glance kind of thing. Yes. It's not the same, but there's been times when I went to pick up my son from daycare or something like that. I'm looking around. I can't figure out which one is him. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like an awful parent thing to say, but sometimes when you see enough little kids running around, you don't know which one's your child. Yeah, it doesn't last very long, but... No, I mean, I do this every day. I look around, I look for him. I can't pick him out right away. I get the panic. But yeah, this is totally different. I mean, she did call him Harry. Mm-hmm. She sort of deliberately tried to be like Ginny to get his attention, but then now she's stuck with having to let him down again. Right. And he calls her Ginny, and she says, No, Dad. It's me, Lily. And his smile fades slowly and pauses as he kind of realizes what's going on. And James is like, It's me, James, Dad. And he's like, Oh, James. And he finally realizes, you know, that it's his children. Because he doesn't know anyone from his generation who would look like James. He says, he looked down at the woman standing near him. She looked so much like Ginny, but it wasn't her. There was no possibility that it would ever be her standing before him again. I think that's where it really, I mean, even after he tries to cling, I guess, to the idea that it could be Ginny. And Lily just responds, no, Dad, it's Lily. Mm-hmm. And he's just having this terrible time. and. He hugs her, and she thinks that she's supposed to be comforting him, but he's the one that's comforting her. And then we have another bit of a jump, and Harry has made it downstairs now. He's sitting at the kitchen table. And again, we're at the point that Trisha was talking about earlier, where everybody's kind of got somebody, and he's all alone. And even though there's a gazillion people in the kitchen with him, he's all alone. Fortunately... One of his little granddaughters comes over and wants to know what's going on, and that kind of manages to break through. Kelsey. Kelsey, yeah. It just reminds me of a story that I read one time about a little boy went over to his neighbor, and he came back, and she goes, were you disturbing Mr. Smith? And he's like, no. She goes, well, what were you doing? He goes, I was helping him cry. Because it was just kind of like the same thing. He was just, he just wanted someone to cry with. Mm-hmm. It's like a release. And sometimes an instance of a child is good. Yeah. As I start crying again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he's sitting there and she crawls into his lap. And he's having a terrible time realizing that his youngest grandchild is not going to have her grandmother anymore. And he realizes that she's crying. And he says, Kelsey, sweetheart, what's the matter? And she sniffles and shakes her head, and he says, Won't you tell me why you're sad? Please, I'll make it better. And she's still sniffling and everything. And he says, Why are you sad? And she says, Because you're sad. And this incredible pain washes over him. And it's just so sad. And he puts on this happy face, and he's like, Why do you think I'm sad? I'm all right. And he tries to smile. And she sees right through her. 
And then Kelsey asked about her Nana, and it just happens all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just feels that wave of disappointment because their grandchildren are never going to get to experience. And he can't tell her. And so he just vaguely says, she's upstairs. And she can I go see her? <laughs> no. <laughs> she's sleeping. No, sweetheart, she's sleeping. Yeah, she's tired. He says, why do you want to see her? And she says, I made her a charm. And he's intrigued by this. And so he says, I want to see it. And she takes this string from around her neck. And it's... Uh, it's a portrait of Kelsey herself. That she's made with Aunt Lily. And she wants to give it to her nana. And he gives her this great compliment that it's very beautiful and that nana will love it and says that he'll give it to her. She's okay with that. And then she asks if she could come and see nana the next day. It says, causing Harry to flutter helplessly for a moment until the sound of his daughter-in-law's voice caught him on guard. So he has no idea what to say to her anymore. I mean, he does not want to tell her. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we all know children, they're relentless when they want to know something. They will keep asking until you give an answer. Right. They're the, always the honest ones. <laughs> Hi, this is your friendly editor, Sue. And as per usual, Scott has been dropping off the call fairly often. And he's missed the last, oh, 10 or 12 minutes of this. And we are just now getting him back. She's observant enough to realize that Ginny isn't around. Everyone else is here, so that's the obvious question to ask. But yeah. Because first he manages to say, well, she's upstairs, which is, is, of course, the truth, but he can't really tell her enough. So he says she's sleeping and we don't want to wake her, so that's why no one's going upstairs. It turns out the reason she wants to know is she's made Ginny something. She's made her a necklace, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now stop. I could have slipped it in seamlessly and nobody would have known the difference. What? We've already gone over that part. <laughs> I just over this Keep going, Scott. It was perfect. I'm sorry. Oh, well. <laughs> I needed to laugh because I'm this whole sitting here all depressed now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of tears going on. Oh, God. I need something funny after this. <laughs> Did we address how old Kelsey is? Because I don't think it says. I don't no, think so, just that she's very young. She seems about four to me, but I don't really have enough say, experience with kids. But I, know I was going to sure. say, you write off the money on that one. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that one. Four or five. Yep, I'd say that too. So her mother catches her and wants to know what she's doing in here bothering Granddad. Of course. Because you were told not to come in here. Of course, it was just the thing to do, actually, because Harry was kind of caught in his own mental pew going. Yeah. Grandchildren are good for lots. They are. Little kids, generally. And Kelsey being part Wesley and Potter, she goes, I wanted to see Granddad. She insisted stubbornly. Harry laughed to himself as he thought about just how much his granddaughter was like Jenny. 
so very headstrong at times. And I can just see like a little girl sitting in old Paris lab, crossing her arms and being, I wanted to see Greta, and you cannot do anything about it. <laughs> and it says that Annie tried to take her, and she absolutely refused to budge. Yeah. Better listen to your mom, sweetheart. I'll see you in a bit. Oh, fine. Can I have a kiss before you go? She gave him a big old kiss and said, I love you, Granddad. And he replied in kind. She's very good with the characters as well. I can imagine most of them. I don't really have a picture of any of the spouses like Anna and Caroline because we don't get them described as such. But the interactions are very realistic. Yeah. So they go off. And then Harry takes a look around the room. And this is what we have been talking about, that Harry is really alone. The only one alone, because he sees Ron and Hermione sitting together with James. And then he sees Albus and his wife, Colleen. And then he sees Lily with her husband, David, and the children. And Harry is just watching them, you know, watching them all together when mm -hmm. he's by himself. Yeah. They're kind of discussing manners and everything, and he's not paying a whole lot of attention while they're discussing the funeral. And Lily's got little Charlie and is soothing him and kind of humming to him. And he realizes that it's the melody that Ginny used to sing or hum to all of their children. Your mom used to do that, he whispers, not trying to draw anyone's attention but his daughter's. And Lily didn't even know what he was talking about. And he explains. And then she says... I know. She taught me after Sarah was born. I was having so much trouble getting her to go down. And Mom told me about her little trick and that it always worked on us. And Harry had forgotten all about it. And this part just, just breaks my heart when he says that he didn't remember until that point. And then he says, how many more memories do I have to lose before I can remember her anymore? Yeah. And that to me is just so heartbreaking. Because this is what happens, you know, especially when people get older, they start to realize that they can't remember all the little things anymore. Yeah. And she tells him that he'll never forget her mom. And he says, I've already lost the opportunity to say goodbye to her. What else am I going to lose? I kind of wish he would have thought about the fact that he did get to say goodbye to her in his dream. But I guess that's mm -hmm. not the same for him at this point. He's concentrating on how he must have missed something, especially since he's been trying so hard to stay there constantly. And of course, this would happen the one time he falls asleep. Right. And this is where Lily also tells him that he can't blame himself, that he, that it was going to happen sooner or later. And I think everybody was maybe not acknowledging it, but aware that it could happen to him. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we, we talked about this before, how Ron and Hermione were checking on them every day, and I'm sure the children came over often as well. Right. And she finally says, you couldn't have known. There's nothing you could have done. And he says, I could have tried. I could have tried to do something. I mean, he's going to be blaming himself for some time. That's just the way he is. And she says, Mom wouldn't have wanted you to. You know that. I know you do. And I know that you wouldn't have wanted her to suffer anymore. And this is about the only part where we find out that she was having a lot of trouble because it says she was right. He would not have wished another day on Ginny that she would have had to struggle through. Mm -hmm. But his selfishness did not want her to go. So it's obvious from there that she was having yeah. trouble. Yeah, everybody knew. It seemed like. Yeah. 
She gives him a little quote that Ginny used to say to her about how no matter where she went, Ginny would be there. And then James asks Lily, where should we bury her? And Lily's like, well, I don't know. And Harry knows. Yeah, they ask Hermione, do you know if Dad, because Harry's not responding at all. And then finally Harry just interrupts and says, she's going to be buried under the oak tree. Yeah. This is where he is sort of picking up from his dreams and memories and whatever that she'd wished she could stay there forever. And now I guess she can. And James is like, are you sure we shouldn't bury her in a more proper place? And Harry says, that is a proper place. And that would be where they got the title from for this whole prequel. Yeah. And that's the last line. Yeah. I liked this series. It was good. It was heart-wrenching a lot of the time, so you can't say it was fun to read, exactly, but it was very well done, very well written. Absolutely. I mean, it it was heart-wrenching, just like you said, but it was a good reading experience. Because when you have an idea like this, you know, something that you wanted to create this kind of emotion in someone, and you don't have the proper writing tools to do it, I mean, it's just not going to work. And she did it the right way. It's very hard to, I mean, something like at the beginning, the dream sequence, I mean, it was very hard to read, but the thing is, it would be very hard to write. And I mean, I could probably think of a better way to write it, either seeing it visually, maybe on a screen or something like that, to convey the story better. But the thing is, I think going through this a second time, I kind of know what to expect. I can visualize a little bit better of what's going on. I can see what she's writing more. I mean, it's hard to read it twice. (laughs) But the thing is, it leaves an impression on you. I think that's the proper way to say it. It leaves an impression, not just in your mind, but it kind of leaves one within your soul. Mm -hmm. I think it leaves an impression there. Yeah, it's really well done, and it's touching, and it does make you cry. And I've been scrolling through the uh, comments as we go down. And as most of you know, Kismat is one of our head beyondcasters. And she, as Scott said at the very beginning, refused to do this because she didn't want to cry. And I just found her comments. And it says, okay, someone passed me the box of tissues. You had me weeping from the start. Will you love me the rest of my life? Jenny whispered. No, Harry said to her surprised. I'll love you the rest of mine. My heart aches. Very good. Goes to listen to the fan mix. So that's why Kelly wasn't here with us tonight. <laughs> it is a hard thing to read. I mean, you don't really have to lose a spouse to understand this. I mean, if you're young enough, you really have not experienced death in some aspect. You really don't. But I mean, if you have someone who breaks your heart, you can kind of understand it. Mm-hmm. It's a more dramatic it might not hit you as hard as if you lost the loved one or something like that that is very close to you, but just having your heart broken, you can feel the compassion. Mm-hmm. Unless you're just one big stone-hearted person. <laughs> now don't go yeah, offending and, our and, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are, you know what, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. I take stuff from Vix, like I know Ryan has said on the podcast how he remembers the little things or the little details that are very significant to him. For me, those first two lines, will you love me for the rest of my life? No, I love you for the rest of mine. 
those two lines, I think I'm going to remember. I mean, I may not remember who wrote the fake. I may not remember when I read it. But those two lines are going to stay with me. Yeah, and actually, here's something else that the author said about that. You know, I was in the middle of writing this story, and that little bit of conversation just came to me, but I had nowhere to put it. So I decided I would make it its tiny little prologue, and just seemed to work from there. I think she does really well with describing the place and conveying the emotions, even though the people themselves aren't described very often. Somehow it all comes through. Everything seems very authentic. Yeah. Another comment is, it's so authentic and real, I think you expressed the grief they were feeling in the right way. So it obviously touched everybody about the same way. If you just scroll down these, it's just amazing. This first surprises me because I'm not a big Harry Jenny fan. I mean, I write it when it goes along the rest of my shits, but I'm not, I don't look for it. Mm-hmm. So making me feel this much is quite an accomplishment, yeah. especially for a Harry and Ginny fix. Apparently you're not alone there. The number of the comments have been people who aren't Harry Ginny shippers who are still sobbing. Yeah, and I just now found Jules. Yeah, she was the last comment, which is kind of fun. We should have got her in on this, but I don't know if she would. Yeah, she's usually really busy. Apparently there was also a fan mix made related to this. I am not entirely sure what that is, whether it's a video or pictures to music or just a bunch of music you would listen to while reading this. It's a compilation of songs or of music. Apparently the author herself made it and says, because music has such a huge part of my writing, I decided to put together a fan mix based on Wednesday's dates in a proper place. I hope that you all enjoyed it. There are several instrumental songs in this due to the nature of the stories. But there are a number of other songs included. Yeah, I know a lot of authors will do that. But yes, this was beautifully written, wonderfully touching. And I'm very glad that we got to do it. I've been wanting to do it since we started the Oncast, and I wasn't sure how to pull it off. So I'm very happy that you all agreed to, yeah, to do it with me and, and that we did do it justice because it really is a wonderful, wonderful story. Yeah, it was a really good story series. I guess it counts as a series since there are two, and I'm glad we did it. Well, I think that probably does it for this week. Come back next week and see what we'll be doing then. If you'll stay tuned, after this we actually have an interview with the author of these. Hopefully you'll enjoy that too. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Good night. See you on the flip side. Good night. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to our first ever Peoncast author interview. Unfortunately, Trisha and Abby had to leave us at this point, but Kelly's joining us. Yay. Hi, Kelly. Hello. And today we are interviewing Fizz Monkeys, who is the author of the fix that we just covered. Yes. Hi, AKA everyone. Tanya. Yeah. Yay. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We are very excited to have you. Yes, we've covered quite a few one-shots, actually, a whole season's worth. And this was actually one of them that I could not review with you all because 
I would have been a weeping mess most of the time. Oh, boy. There was some of that on the podcast anyway. Yeah. Well, it's a very good fic. I enjoyed it a lot, even though it made me cry copious amounts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I even wrote that in your comments. I read it. I was like, and that was basically the whole comment. (laughs) Pass the tissues. Yeah. Uh Goes to listen to the fan mix. Mm -hmm. Understandable. Um, Several comments that I've gotten that a lot of people just end up sobbing completely. And it's expected. That's what I wanted to try to get across. And actually (laughs) writing both stories, I was crying in the middle of writing them. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Abby, who had her brother take her headset and so she couldn't be here, (laughs) wants to know this was her only question. How many boxes of tissues did you go through writing it? Oh, gosh. Goodness. Several. (laughs) I had to stop several, several times in the middle of writing just so I could kind of catch my breath. It would take me about five, ten minutes before I could actually pick up from where I left off. (laughs) Now, when you wrote this, we found it on LiveJournal. When you wrote this, were you, and forgive me if I'm misremembering this, Did you write this for a challenge? Did you write this because it whispered itself in your ear? Did you decide to put it on live journal because people bugged you enough to do it? (laughs) You know, the inspirations. Yeah, actually, of course, the first story was Wednesday dates that was written. And I think it just it just kind of came to me. There was no challenge involved. I tend to write angst very well. <laughs> I don't know why it comes to me more than anything else, but I think it just it just kind of came to me. And I thought about old Harry and Jenny and how it would be if Harry was without her or, you know, if Jenny was even without Harry. I just kind of attached myself to Harry being without Jenny a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of music when I write and sometimes different little pieces Maybe a phrase and some lyrics or, you know, something like that will usually trigger images in my mind. And it goes from there. Wow. Do you see it as a video in your head that you're transcribing or is it just kind of creating itself as you go along? Well, a little bit of both, really. I mean, it's just like a movie playing out in my head, except it just kind of builds as I go. And then, of course, you know, little moments insert themselves a little bit too late. (laughs) (laughs) I have to go back with those in. Yeah. Uh, I admire your courage. I'm one of those people that I'm so afraid to write something and then have somebody else read it because I'm thinking, God, they're going to think this is the stupidest thing in the world. And I have great respect for people who put themselves out there in that situation And I know a lot of fanfic writers in different fandoms that, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I wrote this story. And it's like, it takes me like two hours to write 300 words. (laughs) I have a lot of respect for people like you. (laughs) Writing to me, I mean, I never used to do very much of it when I was a teenager. You know, I was the typical, you know, let's write some poetry kind of (laughs) kind of thing. I never really wrote any stories until I got into the Harry Potter fandom. And it just kind of went from there. I am the type of person that does kind of shy away from wondering how people will react to it and taking criticism sometimes. It's it's been a learning experience. Oh, I <laughs> bet. Me. 
but I enjoy what I do, and if I think it's something that's worthwhile, then I'll definitely want to share it with other people. Do you write in other fandoms besides Harry Potter or just Harry Potter? Just Harry Potter. I had actually contemplated writing a piece of original fiction. Ooh. So, yeah. (laughs) I have a couple plots in my mind, one that I started working on in particular, loosely based on real-life experiences, but... So 10 years from now, like, I remember when Tanya used to do this. (laughs) (laughs) We interviewed her. Wow. (laughs) Well, let's hope so. (laughs) How long had you been writing when you wrote these two fics? Were they written at the same time or was there a gap? There was a gap. I'm trying to think how long I had been writing. Oh, I would say I've probably been writing since I don't know, 2004, 2005, as far as fan fiction goes. I think it's been about that. I had several stories written before Wednesday dates kind of popped into my head. And between Wednesday dates and the prequel, A Proper Place, there was actually about a year and a half gap in between the two stories. Yeah. (laughs) And also the reason why it's much longer. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't originally planning to write a prequel? It just sort of happened later? The idea had always been there. I definitely wanted to, but I didn't know exactly to what extent, what detail I wanted to write as far as the prequel goes. And I needed it to kind of simmer and stew around in my head a little bit before I decided to delve into it. And writing it was a bit of a monster because it was so long. There was so much I wanted to go through, so much I really wanted to get across that sometimes I got a little lost along the way. Mm. (laughs) And several roadblocks pop up a time or two here and there. But I had a lot of encouragement from readers who took really well to Wednesday days and encouraged me along to follow up with the prequel. Supplied Kleenex boxes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I actually still have people to this day just randomly discovering the two stories. I had somebody on fanfiction.net, I think just earlier this week, that had just now got around to reading the stories and were telling me how it touched them and how genuine it was. It still kind of surprises me to this day, you know. I think you're going to find that for a while. Live journal, once you get it out on the internet, it's there. And it gets passed from word of mouth and, you know, look, hey, we're reviewing it here. (laughs) You know, it's not, there are people that have been writing fanfic for 10 years and are still surprised that people will come up and go, yeah, I read this story that you wrote in 2001 and I loved it and I read it three or four times and I told all my friends and they're just like, wow, really? (laughs) It was 10 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, strangely enough, after I had actually put Wednesday dates out there, I think it was a few months or maybe even a year after it had come along, I met Luna Love Potter. I don't know if any mm-hmm. of you mm-hmm. know, but I started talking with her and we've become really great friends and it's all because of Wednesday dates. So it's- <laughs> <laughs> I've done that too with another fandom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. It's been good to me. Well, that's really fun. <laughs> so are you still writing oh. Harry fiction or are you concentrating on your original stuff now? I've been a little more focused on my original writing, although Harry Potter is continually calling my name. 
<laughs> real life has really kind of crept up and, you know, bit me. Bit you. Good. Yeah. Yeah, but I've had little bugs in my ear from other <laughs> friends and authors that have been wanting me to get back to writing Harry Jenny. Other characters going to yell at you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> over here. Ron and Hermione are waiting for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have thought about attempting Ron and Hermione before, or actually any other ship or specific characters, but I don't know why Harry and Jenny just kind of stick with me so much they speak speak to me yeah they do yeah that muse kind of has a parking spot let's just put it that way yeah (laughs) (laughs) you have your assigned parking (laughs) hangs out there right yeah it kind of does and i heard you all talking earlier about the picture that was used on my live journal Mm, yeah. Wondering who it was from. That's actually a really corking art. Okay. I love really corking's art. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually commissioned by a friend of mine that was actually based on one of my earlier stories that I'd written way back in the day. <laughs> wow. And that I actually probably would dread to read right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those, oh my God, you read that 10 years ago. Oh, I think I'm going to put on a little rock now. (laughs) Yeah, it was my second story that I'd ever written in getting into fan fiction. It was titled Coming Home, and it's actually a multi-chapter fic. But to go back and reread it, it's a little um, cringeworthy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the way with anything. Would people read? (laughs) Yeah. We have an author in our midst that the main podcast covered who had been writing for many, many years. And she did one when she was like 13, 14, 15. And they did it on the podcast. And she kept saying, now, remember, I was only 14 when I wrote this because (laughs) she was afraid of what people would say. Well, you have to take into consideration the writing age. And I don't mean the age of the person, but how long you've been writing. Yeah, this is my first story and it sucks, but you're still reading it, you know. (laughs) All writers mature, and I think it's interesting to go back and read the early stuff to see where the seeds are of what you're writing now. And yeah, you may find it cringeworthy, but everybody else will find it fascinating. Amazing. Look, this is when she was a baby writer, and now she's a grown-up writer. It's a big, you know, look at Joe's stuff. I mean, Philosopher's Stone compared to Deathly Hallows. Yeah. It's fun watching the growth. What do you think about people reviewing your fan fiction? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, beginning writing, it took a little bit to get used to even just comments about my own writing. But I was amazed and shocked that you all wanted to actually review my story. (laughs) Still a little shocked. (laughs) (laughs) We get that a lot. I don't know. Well, let me say that when I first met Kelly, it was one of the first fix that she gave me. And then when we started Peoncast, I said, we need to do Wednesday dates for Peoncast. And she said, no, I won't do it. And I'm like, but I really want to do it. And she said, no, I won't do it. And then she got ill and was off the podcast for, seemed like Six weeks. Months. Six weeks I was off the podcast. I had no voice. Yeah. I was like, James Cagney. It was awful. <laughs> and so I put together a group and said, Kelly can't do it. Let's do this podcast. <laughs> and I think it was the last week she was off. It might have been the second to last week, but we put it together and did it. 
I was really happy to be able to put it together because it was something I had wanted to do. And it wasn't, and don't get me wrong. It wasn't, I didn't want to do it because it wasn't good. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be blubbering the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Because I go back and read it now and it's like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) just a mess. Um, (laughs) Oh, brother. We had to edit a bit of that out. Oh, it wasn't me. It was everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Patricia and Abby. They would have to go on mute and then come back. They, yeah. oh. <laughs> I cried the first time I listened to it. But by the time that we actually podcasted on it, I had listened to it so many times that I was okay. <laughs> yeah. After you read it so many times, it does kind of, you, you get a little used to it. Yeah. Even now going back to reread some things, I still get a little teary, you know, mm-hmm. Of course, I don't go back and reread it so much, but... Well, it's like Deathly Hallows. I mean, how many times can you read Chapter 31 to the end before you stop crying? I mean... Right. I still do. It's like, oh, I've read it six times and I'm still doing this. Oh, I don't know. I'll let you know because I'm reading it right now. (laughs) Well, not at this exact minute, but... Yeah, it was really difficult to even just write. And like I said, I I listen to a lot of music while I write. So that fuels me even more. And if I've got something kind of stuck in my head and I'm listening to this piece of music that just kind of resonates, you know, that moment, it just makes things all the worst. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you like to read a lot of Harry Jenny fanfic by other authors? I do. Of course, because I've been so in and out of fanfic lately, I sadly haven't kept up with a lot of stuff, but I do. I'm definitely a Harry Jenny shipper. Who do you like to read besides yourself? Um, (laughs) Sometimes I don't like myself. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a few friends that I enjoy reading. Luna Love Potter, for Mm -hmm. one. And I guess she goes by a different name now. Gosh, it's been so long. Um, Almond Joys. I used to be Dina yeah. S. Mm-hmm. Almond Joy. I know that one. I recognize that name. Right. Yeah. Joys with um, a Z on the end. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and way back in the day, I used to enjoy reading Sunlit Days. I think oh, yeah. she used to be known as Velvet Hope Fix. Yeah, she uh, disappeared, didn't she? Yeah. Did she stop writing? I think she did. She kind of got away from it several years ago. Yeah. Uh, or Wednesday Dates even came along. Sadly, but so you need to put just, together a soundtrack of what you listened to while I was doing this. <laughs> I think yeah, I had, there is one, I isn't there? Songs. Is there, there a fan mix? Yes, there is a fan mix. It seems like when we tried to access it, it wasn't available, but then we did find it. I can't remember exactly how that worked. But <laughs> there's still a post about the fan mix, but you can't download the songs anymore because whatever they were on has expired. Oh no! Right. <laughs> We'll have to go fix that. Thank you for letting me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, media fire. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. I will definitely fix that. Yeah, those were certain songs that kind of really stuck more. I actually had this monstrous list of songs that I listened to at various points of writing both stories, and I'd had to sort of shorten it <laughs> somehow. Uh-huh. A lot of it does come from instrumental music, you know, scores, and I don't know how most people take to that. They probably think I'm kind of weird for listening to scores just at random, but <laughs> that's, where, that's where the whole movie in my head comes. Yeah, yeah you got to have background music. 
I was just going to ask where you write. Do you have a desk? Do you write it on the computer? Do you handwrite it first and then do it? How does that work? Um, Since you've I'm already answered my, do you need to have quiet when you write? <laughs> <laughs> I need to have quiet for the most part. As long as it's music, then, you know, it's okay. But get somebody talking in the background, it's just not the best thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as where I write, I sometimes like my secluded places. Sometimes I'll just, you know, camp out on the bed and go old school and just handwrite it out. Or if I'm feeling a little more flowing, then I'll pop up the computer. But usually it's just kind of anywhere, wherever I feel suddenly inspired. You know, if I have something that just won't leave me alone and keeps pestering me to write it, it sometimes ends up wherever. Break room at work, the bookstore... When we or, asked Melinda Leo that question, she said it a lot of times it's in the shower and she now has sticky notes right outside the shower so she can <laughs> jot down her ideas. <laughs> I used to work in a very, very long time ago, I worked in a food court and would have song filk lyrics come into my head. I can't tell you how many times I would go home with the back of a placemat with words written on it to go home and write it down somewhere else besides on the scrap of paper. I understand that. It was just kind of, they would pop in there. You have to write them down or you're going to lose them. Right. Uh, Right where you are. And there have been times when I was driving to work or, you know, just driving wherever, listening to music on my iPod, and suddenly just conversations start to build themselves in my head. And I'm thinking, I can almost act out exactly what's being said in this conversation. And sometimes it'll stick with me enough to make it to where I'm going. (laughs) 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 To be able to write it down, unfortunately, sometimes it just doesn't happen like that and doesn't stick with me. That's too bad. That's what smartphones and voice recorders are for. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, they absolutely come in handy. I'm like two minutes from work and I'm going, oh, this song and this time at this radio station. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I always have great ideas just as I'm falling asleep. And then I wake up the next morning and go, what was that again? Oh, darn. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think when I wrote Wednesday Date, I did a lot of it while I was at work, break time, lunch time. And I had a coworker that I kind of used as a sounding board and just bounced ideas off of her a little bit here and there. And when I finished the story, I let her read it. And she was just, she came back to me in, in tears as well. Mm. And she's just like, you have to do something with the story, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, you did. We found it. That worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, I have uh, to ask on Trisha's that- other question, which is, where does the name Fizz Monkeys come from? Oh, I had a feeling that was going to come back up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and sadly enough, there's no interesting story to it. When I started writing, I kept thinking, I was like, I need an alias. I need a writing name. What can I come up with? And I wanted something original. And I have no idea where Fizz Monkeys came from. It just... <laughs> popped in there. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds oddly interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And original. Well, it works. Googled it and didn't really see anything around, so I went with it. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's cool. What house would you be in? Mm. That's a very good question. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Had to rate several of them, which ones would be more likely than the other ones? Mm. 
I think I'm a Gryffindor, true to heart, you know. But then again, maybe not so crazy. Well, so. and then let's twist the question. Yes. What house would you put yourself in, and what house do you think other people would put you in? Hmm. Some <laughs> probably would put me in. Actually, I would probably be a Hufflepuff. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Likely. <laughs> I'm surrounded by Hufflepuffs. Yeah. <laughs> As a former head of Hufflepuff House, I would welcome you. Not a problem. <laughs> we'll have to send you the Potterfic Weekly sorting quiz and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we have a very comprehensive sorting quiz. It's oh. not... Like several hundred questions or something? Yeah, you I don't need a good it's like 150 questions or something like that. Oh, wow. But it's amazingly accurate. We've only had two people ever asked to change houses. So it's done pretty well for us. I'll give you a link if you want to look at it. You can. Yeah, We've actually had three, but she was refused because the only reason she wanted to switch is because she didn't like the color blue. No, well. <laughs> <Yeah>. That was Keza. <laughs> I hate the color blue. Well, and she's such a Ravenclaw, it's not even funny. I know. <laughs> she went on to become head of Ravenclaw, and now she's headmistress of Puffwa, so there you go. Right. <laughs> so, as an author talking to your readers, what questions do you have for the readers? Oh. If you have any. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I should have gotten that question before you did the phone call. Because <laughs> 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 I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to answer it if you don't have any, you know. <laughs> well, I'm always intrigued as far as how it really affected them when they read the stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know from most people that review it, they'll usually say that they were sobbing or, you know, whatever the case may be, <laughs> if it really touched them, because that is really what I tried to get across. I mean, I wanted my readers to feel with every ounce, you know, of their being, just to feel the heartache that Harry was going through, especially in a proper place, mm-hmm. and to really feel what I was feeling when I wrote the stories in general. So... It would probably be something along that lines to really see exactly how it affected them upon first reading it. Well, I know when I read it, we had just finished Joe's version of Harry's journey. When I read it, it was after Deathly Hallows. We knew that these two had experiences that they were going to share. Joe's story ended at the beginning of their road. Mm-hmm. And then to jump to your fic, where it was literally the end of their road. Right. It was something to read. <laughs> something mm-hmm. else. And I, I don't mean it's something you read as an, oh, yeah, look, here's a piece of paper. I mean, it was really something. I, it just, yeah, it was good. <laughs> I can't tell you what. I'm like, it makes God, people incoherent. Let's oh, just yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm babbling. I'm shutting up now. <laughs> it resonates. You did what you set out to do. You touch people with that story. You mm. know, even if they didn't cry when they read it, they're touched by it. I mean, everybody that I've Absolutely. talked to that read it felt that way. So I would say that you did what you set out to do. Yeah. I have to admit, I didn't actually use any tissue while I was reading it, but <laughs> it's a very touching story, definitely. Yeah, you used your sleeve. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a guy <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, what could I say? Yeah. Yeah. I have to be typical at least some of the time. All right, we'll let you. I obviously, in reading these stories, I'm sure you see that I'm very much an old-fashioned romantic kind of writer. I just can't help but get in those moments where it just... A lot of people probably say it's, you know, it's too good to be true. Nobody stays that in love. And I'm just kind of like, you know what? If being that in love has to stay within fiction, then let it stay within fiction. At least let it exist somewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess that was my way of helping it exist a little bit longer. (laughs) Well, that's cool. Yep. Having listened to the part where we were actually reviewing both stories, is there anything that made you shake your head and want to correct us on some point or other? (laughs) No, what are you doing? No, that's not it. (laughs) Smack them upside the head. Wait a minute. (laughs) Well, uh, no corrections. I had a few comments. Of course, I I told Sue before we all started into our conversation that I made some notes at work and left them. Of course. <laughs> and I told her we do that all the time. <laughs> and I took notes and left them at work. Or in the case of other people, my hard drive ate my notes. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did a podcast Monday night and Abby had her notes. And her two-year-old nephew came over and shredded them <gasps> just before oh. the podcast. Right. So we understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to remember a few of the little notes that I've made just to kind of help answer a few questions that I think you were probably wondering about along the way. A lot of people in reading the stories, especially A Proper Place, I know in part two, it gets a little confusing as far as what's a dream or what's a flashback or what the case may be. And the segment of the story where Harry is in the field, you know, under oak tree, and he's just sitting there and Jenny's lying down and she's in her dress and Harry's just kind of looking at her and she eventually coaxes him to coming over. It was essentially a dream. I tended to think when I was writing the story that Harry felt like it was very real, felt like he had lived this moment before and that he was possibly remembering it. But it really just turned out to be a dream. Of course, by the time you get to end it, I think you sort of realize that it was just about Jenny leaving. And to be quite honest, I tried to use that as the moment that she was actually passing. You know, that was maybe her spirit trying to talk to him while he was asleep. Mm -hmm. To really actually say goodbye to him. And even though he felt like he didn't get the chance to say goodbye, that was her way of saying goodbye to him in the moment. I know that that was one of the things that Scott said. I wish that he realized that he did say goodbye. That he was kind of able to. Yes, absolutely. It definitely was. At least that's what I had hoped to try to get across. It's like King's Cross. It's all in your head. What makes it not real, even if it's in your head? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that Wednesday dates, you know, by that time, three years had passed, and he had sort of had that closure a little. Maybe not completely, but he had you know, gotten to the point where he was okay with that. He wasn't continually beating himself up years and years later for falling asleep in that moment, for Mm -hmm. not being able to say goodbye. Because he, to me, he always knew that she was still there. 
I believe in listening to the podcast that it was just kind of thrown out there as a just wondering kind of question about whether or not Harry pulled out her picture during the week. Yeah, if he allowed mine. himself. And I hadn't really ever, you know, thought about it. To be honest, I think he would probably allow himself little sneak peeks mm-hmm. when it got bad enough that he really just couldn't take the thought of missing her another moment. Especially, you know, years after that when he's had such a hard time remembering the way she looked, the way she acted, her different mannerisms. And at least that was a way of him to remember in moments when his memory did falter. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I think I had other notes, but I've probably forgotten. Oh, of course, yes. Everyone asks me what was wrong with Jenny. Oh. And to be honest, there is no written answer. I had nothing in mind in particular as far as a specific illness. Why she died, how she died, what did she die from? I wanted to leave it vague. I didn't have an answer for it myself, but I wanted the story to happen. So I just kind of left it up to the reader to imagine what could have possibly gone wrong. That's neat, though. I mean, I know that we kind of, that was one of the things, because it was like, okay, how come she's sick? Did Harry know? And then the further we read along, we yeah, he knew, because she gave him the letters. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there were different things like that. But it's good to have something like that so that you can leave the readers thinking about it. Absolutely. I didn't want to give it all away. And I didn't want people to go, well, they could have fixed that with some sort of spell or charm or, you know, (laughs) whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just want it to happen. This is the story that's in my head. And so here. (laughs) That makes sense. Because I've in the past written stories where people were like, well, they could have just done this. And I'm like, well. But that's not my story. Right. Exactly. (laughs) There has to be a certain amount of that in any story, really. There's a number of stories where you think, if only they just talked to each other in the first chapter, that never would have gone any farther. But then there's all this stuff that happens, and everything spirals out of control, and you end up with a 17-chapter adventure or whatever. <laughs> well, you can say that about canon. If mm-hmm. Harry had remembered the two-way mirrors, things would have been so much different, you know? So Yeah. That's what AU fan fiction is for. That's right. (laughs) Oh, boy. It was kind of funny to have to go back and write a proper place after Deathly Hallows had officially come out because Wednesday dates actually happened prior to that. So it was interesting to have to go back and, okay, let's make sure that we don't go into too much detail about where she worked or what she did or what he did. Of course, everybody assumed that he was always going to be an aura anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. But Jenny was always a little bit of the toss-up. You never really knew what she was going to do exactly. So I had to leave that fairly vague (laughs) as much as possible. I didn't want it contradicting Wednesday dates, and so I just kind of left that alone. That makes sense, too. And I think if memory serves me correct... Earlier in the podcast when you were discussing Wednesday dates, it was questioned why Harry paid so much particular attention to straightening out the blanket. Trisha asked about that. Yeah. And really, it wasn't anything having to do with the fact that he was an or, and it was just something kind of ingrained in his head. It wasn't anything about that. To me, it was his way of drawing out his time. Mm -hmm. taking his time in the moment to just 
be there a little bit longer because what's the point in rushing? Right. What's the point in rushing the moment that he's been looking forward to? All week. Wow. Okay. It's kind of like my grandfather having to put his med bottles in order by height on the kitchen table. They have to be in that order. (laughs) (laughs) And my grandmother will come and move them around. He's like, no, (laughs) he moves them all back. (laughs) And He's sort of set a limit for himself that he can only spend so much time there and then he has to leave each week. So being fussy about the blanket sort of draws things out a little longer. Isn't that also the same thing with the mirror of Ersted? You know, the men have wasted away in front of the mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sure. he He's knows that if, that if he stays there, he won't want to leave. Right. He won't leave. Absolutely. And that was one of the things in writing it because he desperately wants to stay there. He would stay there all day. He would come and visit more often than just one day a week regardless of whether it was a tradition of their date, you know, on Wednesday or not. But it's his way of, again, keeping that tradition alive, even past her dying. And Mm -hmm. it's his way of also trying to make his life a little more normal again, to not get so caught up in the fact that she's gone. Because, one, he will know that, obviously, Ron and Hermione are going to constantly stay on him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if he allowed himself to do that, you know. They would they all won't, come after him. Yeah. <laughs> they won't let him wallow? What? <laughs> <laughs> they don't really seem to get it even just with the one day. So right. Ron and, at least is confused anyway. <laughs> <laughs> to me, in the moment, of course, you know, he understood that Harry still did this. And although he still thought that Harry was a little insane for keeping it up after all this time, he was doing Hermione's bidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We got that with the whole yeah. looking out the side of the fireplace, like, okay, now what? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I've asked him. He won't come over. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to go take a nap now. Can right. I have lunch on my way? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you like to read, like secular read? You know, like outside of fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, don't shun me for it, but I did read the Twilight series. Um. (laughs) You're alone. I'm the only one that would be shunning. I won't touch that with a ten foot broomstick. (laughs) But I did read it, so yeah, you're good. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, after I'd finished the Harry Potter series, I was hesitant to get into another series. I didn't want anything to take Harry Potter away from being my central focus as the series that stood out among series. And I actually had a few friends that eventually convinced me to read those books. Of course, Harry Potter remains my one true series that... That I your, just won't get past. Your OTS. <laughs> your what your series. series. Well, I actually read it because they filmed it here in my town. Oh. So it was like, okay, I got to go figure out what this all is about. <laughs> I do still tend to read a lot of Nicholas Sparks books that actually mm-hmm. I've probably cracked one and the others are waiting on me. <laughs> 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 I have several books waiting on me. Actually, I have two monstrous stacks of books that keep calling my name, and I just 
can't get to them. And a lot of the time I don't get to them because I think I should be writing on my own instead of letting another piece of fiction <laughs> get in my way. I'm so, not going uh, to tell you about my book collection. <laughs> <laughs> I did read The Time Traveler's Wife a few months back and really enjoyed that very much. Of course, sobbed at the end of it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there seems to be a theme of sobbing here. <laughs> I am shocked that you read angsty books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kept myself from reading a lot of angst fan fiction. I was like, you know, I can write it with the best of them, but I don't know that I can read it too well. (laughs) Which surprises me again that people did actually manage to read or were willing to read my stories because of all the angst. A lot of people like the angst, though. I've been away from Jenny for a while, and I do need to get myself back. I've had people trying to lure me back to to the writing since I've been away for so long from actually just writing fan fiction. So, matter of fact, I think that A Proper Place was probably the last piece of fan fiction that I've done, and that's been a while now, which is sad. One of the most recent (laughs) things on your journal, anyway. Yeah, I had a few plot bunnies kind of pop up, but never followed through. I don't remember how I came across Wednesday's dates. It was either wrecked in Harry Ginny fanfic list where they would have, you know, here's a recommendation. It may have been recommended by somebody on the list. So I went to that one and then I read the prequel. I remember how I found it. It won a quick Silver Quill Award on yeah. MuggleNet and then a few other different live journal awards mm-hmm. as well, which still kind of shocked me. But, you know, I <laughs> it still somehow gets out there, like you all said earlier. Don't let that deter you from putting out more because I have people that I don't want to put anything else out there because I'm still growing as a writer and the early stuff is out there and I don't want the middle stuff to be out there too. And it's like, no, put it all out there. (laughs) We want to read it. (laughs) I did have a rather cumbersome plot bunny hit me probably about a year ago that I never really followed up on. And I think I need to pull it back out. I think I even came across it one day when I was listening to a song. A song with lyrics, surprisingly enough. And I remembered playing the scene out in my head as far as what the lyrics were saying. And then thinking, what if this happened with Harry and Ginny? And then it suddenly opened up this whole other window of ideas. And it turned into quite a beast. So I might tackle that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be cool. Mm -hmm. uh, We'll look up for it if it shows up. Yeah. (laughs) I'll make sure to let you all know. (laughs) That would be good. Because we like your stuff. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I'm very glad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was going to say earlier, I don't follow angst fic as such because I kind of like my happy endings. But I'm also a sap. And yours is sort of sappy (laughs) angst. So it worked. (laughs) I can't go without sappy angst. (laughs) Not at all. If I write angst, it's going to be sappy. So you're guaranteed at least that much when you read any of my fan fiction. (laughs) I can't seem to go without that. (laughs) Not at all. 
Abby wanted me to tell everybody that she was sorry she couldn't be here. And kudos to you for making her like Harry Ginny. Apparently she wasn't a fan before, so there you go. (laughs) She's not a Harry Ginny fan. She said that a couple of times, so. (laughs) Not only did she like your story, but you made her cry. So you done good there. Yeah, pardon me. I, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I hate to make people cry, but then again, I'm like, that's what I really wanted to happen. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, I'm sorry, tissue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving out a box with every person that decides to read the story. There you go. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Let me go buy stock in Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you all for having me. I greatly appreciate it, and I'm completely honored to this have is your been first. Is this your first interview for the stories? Yes, actually, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, you're going to look for Tanya 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping my fingers crossed about that. <laughs> yep. That'll be cool, because they're just like... And it will surely be thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We know her. Wait. Thank you very much for letting us grill you. (laughs) Practice our interview technique. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That was was great fun. I had a blast. Hopefully we're not too scary. No. Yes. So thank you. We did enjoy the story very much. And I hope that everybody goes out and reads it after you've listened to us. Blather on about it and then talk to Tanya about it. Both of them. Yes. Yeah, right. Read both of them. (laughs) And with that, we will say goodbye, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Bet you didn't think you were going to be doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness.